on the ninth episode of Pixel Gaiden. Ten. Six good games that are better at home than the arcade. Nine. We discuss various controllers. Eight. Lots of tech talk. Seven. Eric and Cody both bought new systems. We received a package in the mail, so it's Christmas in March. So many new retro games came out. Four. What exactly is a Mikbu? Are we eating candy on the air? We announced a new high score contest. One. Another and Cody Hoffman! Well, good day and welcome to Pixel Gaiden episode 9? Episode March? number 9. Yeah. Number 9. What's March known for? It's Don't, Mario. Mario. Mar March 10th. That, that's right. All the weird. There's Mario and then, um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, oh, I saw another one recently that was uh, March 14th. I mean, I can't remember. There's all these, they take these names and try to make clever things oh the pie day right yeah pie day that says yep three one four yeah yep. oh my goodness kind of like every day is a <laughs> national something day every day is something else anyways welcome listeners and uh you know 10 days ago i was looking at our at our my show notes and going you know this is there not a whole lot happened this month there's going to be a might be we might actually keep under three hours and then I actually started writing them up, and oh, good gravy! This is going to be probably the longest show if I don't if I don't <laughs> shut up and get to it. Yeah, I don't know if you felt the same way, I did. I, I actually had a feeling that um, I, I felt this month that I had the least amount of time to actually play games, but more time to do other things like tinker with hardware and look at the news and things like that. So I don't know. It was you know give and take, I guess. Well, as we like to start off every show, we're going to have and start with some uh, quick questions. Quick questions! So, right off the bat, quick questions. Games uh, where the description makes you think this is a much a must-buy. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that's a question. I didn't really pose that as a question, but right. <laughs> when you look at a box or a review or a new game coming out and you see a, yeah. certain things mentioned, what makes you go, yep, I'm going to have to check it, check that out. If not, just I'm picking that up. Yeah, and it's different in modern games. So when I look at a game, if it says open world, um, like a, open world's a, a... It is now. It used to not be, but nowadays I'm finding a lot of open world games are a lot are a lot more interesting these yeah. days. Um, yeah, that used to be a turnoff for me. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it was it for me too. Kind of like a lazy game design, you know. Yeah, they put a lot of time and, and energy into making those games because there's a lot of assets. But yep, um, exploration. If there's a lot of exploration yeah. in the game, I like that. Um, if there's um, a lot of different items to find in the games, I like that. Um, I think those are the things that I look for these days, and you know, games like Far Cry. You know, the, yeah. It, it really, I think those are the key things nowadays. It's a lot different than what I used to look for in like in the PlayStation Two kind of Dreamcast era. I look for completely different games. Yeah, it's funny because when you mention those things, uh, a lot of those things lead me to a game like Diablo. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a game you're interested in. It or is. Not, but... It is. I actually liked I liked Diablo when it first came out. Yeah. Like the sequels I didn't care for, but 
That was one of the anyways. We don't need to get into too much detail. That's one of those games where the whole loot thing became addictive, and yeah. and I realized I'm spending all my time worrying about like going back and selling all my stuff or storing it so I can go get more stuff. Right. And I realized I'm just a capitalist whore. <laughs> um, for me, uh, RPG elements. That's got. I mean, any, you take any game and shove RPG elements on it, and I'm interested. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I, you could take a, a a game that I do not care for. Um, can't think of one off the top of my head, but like a puzzle game or something, I'm just like, uh, not my thing. But if it's like, but with RPG elements, and I'll be like, mm, I'm game. Yeah. Um, campaign, the word campaign. Because so, so many games nowadays are, you know, multiplayer only. Yeah. Or uh, games back in the day where it kind of focused on fighting or things like that. And I just, I don't have interest in those games. But if there's a campaign mode and they make a point of it, make it good that's because that's what i'm going to play especially if it's good that's the key because yep. i've seen some games that have really shallow campaign modes just to highlight the yeah i think some some of the uh, what was it call of duty style games like had that my son would my son plays a lot of multiplayer yeah i just i don't dig it anymore i never play online i don't even know why i keep my xbox live subscription to be honest <laughs> i really don't i haven't used it in years but every once in a while my kids will be like hey i want to play this game and yeah. so i keep it but no, I agree with you on that one. I, 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 a solid campaign is important because I mainly play solo. Yeah, and people here on that listen to the show know I'm not a fan of fighters. It's not my thing, but Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast yeah. was the first fighter I really loved. Mm. And the main reason was there was a campaign mode, and it wasn't just like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter where you play through every fighter until you beat them all. Yeah. It was actually like you'd play 10 like mini levels where you're fighting like small enemies. Do you remember this at all? You actually, you'd actually be like fighting it. lizard men off of logs in the pond or something. Eventually, you get to a boss and you'd fight an actual character. Yeah, but that, it was like based on that character's level. You'd play ten small levels to get to the the boss. Yeah, and I loved it. Yeah, I don't even remember that, but it sounds great. And it kind of helped <laughs> me taking a, a you know taking apart the chaff, if you will. Yeah, helped me learn the systems and actually got into the game a little bit. Yeah, I don't remember it all anymore, but that's one I actually got into. How about game descriptions that instantly turn you off? That's pretty easy for me. <laughs> that was a lot easier. Um, time limits. If things, Ooh, if, yeah, if, things if things are, have any kind of time limits, I cannot yeah. stand them. See how far you can do this before <clears throat> the time runs out. I You're can't. Like, no. No, I do not like that. And <laughs> as an example, like on Dreamcast, I love Jet Grind Radio. And uh, yeah, exactly. The the time on it blows it for me. I, I I don't play it often anymore because I hate the time limits. So it's a it's a shame too because otherwise I love the game I absolutely love it but with time limits I I just don't like it. Um, I think they actually remade a version <clears throat> of that game without the time limits. Yeah, and I would love that. I, I, there were cheats. There were cheats you could do to 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 get that to turn oh, that yeah, off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just didn't bother with it. I, I I just wish it didn't have a time limit, and it would be a great game if it didn't have it. It doesn't really add much to the game, at least to me. But yeah. Um, and then another one is, of course, we talked about this last episode, Dark Souls difficulty. <laughs> I have that on my list as well. <clears throat> Souls-like difficulty yeah, is exactly. usually what they call it. And I, I that doesn't, has no interest to me because I know that I'll just throw my controller down, never play the game again, and waste that 30 bucks or 40 <laughs> bucks or whatever. So. Well, I think the reason that turns me off is just the fact that they compare everything to Dark Souls. Right. Which is, again, if they just said old school difficulty, even though that means the same thing, like yeah. that turn, that's a, that's, I would call that a... Not a must-buy, but that'd be a turn-on for me rather than a turn-off. Right. Because games like, uh, well, we'll be talking about it later, uh, Ninja Gaiden. It's a difficult game. It is. But in a very <laughs> yeah. fun way. Like, it's... Yeah. So... 
And then um, the, the final thing for me is, and this isn't a total 100%, but this is like, if I hear this, I really, the research is warranted because okay. if it says it's a puzzle game. Oh, it's on my list too. Yeah. <laughs> for the exact same reason. Yeah. And, and, and I have it here as in between because it's, uh, I'm going to use this correctly, polarizing yeah. word for me because I'm either going to love it or hate it. Right. Yeah. And, and so like Puyo Puyo Tetris, I got that on Switch. Yeah. And that's because I watched a ton of videos and I was like, okay, this might be a puzzle game I like. And it's a decent game. Not great, but it's decent. Um, but most puzzle games, I'm just, eh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not interested in, in wasting my time on them. Gotcha. Well, no, it's funny for me because if you're talking about like a, what do they call it? A falling block puzzle game? Yeah. Which isn't really a puzzle game. It's more, I don't know what you would call it's it. It's almost like an action. An action. Almost if you could Geometry like, game or a. Yeah. Or, or even if, you know, they have the JPR, JRPGs and ARPGs. Why don't, why not have like action puzzle game? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like an APG. Because yeah, like I'm thinking like if we think about Nintendo, you know, um, Tetris or, um, or Tetris Attack, or Money Exchanger, or um, there's all kinds of great uh, Luminous. Yeah. Uh, there's a great falling block puzzle games. I love those. Yeah. Or a bubble, uh, Bust a Move. Yeah, Bust a Move. Puzzle Bobble, puzzle whatever bobble. you want to cover, call it. I always knew, knew it as Puzzle Bobble. Yep. And then um, <clears throat> then you have games like Fire and Ice, or um, uh, Kickle Cubicle. Are you familiar with these? Where the game itself is like, here's Puzzle 1 of 99, and you like push boxes around. If you do it in the wrong order, you have to reset and try it again. Yeah. Like, it's actually a puzzle. Yeah. And I can't stand that. No, like, there was a one on Commodore 64 recently. I can't remember. I, I won't ever remember the name, but I, I got it and I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. I loaded up and it was like, nope. This, yep. is, this is just a push a block around puzzle game. I actually know exactly which game. I can't think of it. I just played it the other day and yeah. I got like three levels in and it started getting to the point where I was just sitting there staring at it going, ah. It's a newer one, right? I don't and I, do that. I yep. just, I, I can't remember it, but it's not. I'm sure for it's me. a great game for the yeah. people who like that. I just do not like that. Nope. Yeah. Um, oh, and frankly, that's yeah. what kind of started turning me off to uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, I oh, was really? playing that. There's puzzle-like elements in there? There's there some that are amazing. Like, when you find, I forget, I haven't played it in so long, but there's, like, these temples you go into, and that's where you get your, you keep adding on special powers as if you beat the temples or whatever. And I loved that puzzle element, but the bosses are just, at least the first two I went to were giant ships where you had to push things around, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. After I beat the th second or third one, it just wasn't for me anymore, and I just quit the game. Gotcha. So, anyway. Oh, this next question's yours. Oh, yeah. So, let me ask you the question. If you could have one real arcade game in your house, just one, can't have any more, and not a multi-game system, one <laughs> arcade, genuine arcade game, what would it be? So, I was sitting here racking my brain, because mm -hmm. um, I did look at these ahead of time, so we had something ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, games from my past that I love. The first one that comes to mind is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it's got the yeah. four players and stuff. But that That's, thing is huge. It is. The game would get old very quickly if you owned it <clears> in your house. Yeah. Um, I also, also thought Smash TV because I love the controls. Yeah. Like the two-way. Um, I think it would last a little longer to me than Robotron. Yeah. Um, 2064. But then 2084. it came to 2084. Sorry. Okay. 2064 <laughs> is a game, though. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Um but that being said, it finally dawned on me when I was in here, and uh, this is assuming the game would always work, because they don't usually. It's Star Wars. Yeah. The uh, vector-based Star Wars game, because it's got that really cool yoke, yeah. and, and I, I've only played one of these in my life. I heard how cool the game was, and how it's a vector, and you can't get that at home. You know, I have my Vectress. That, that's the only way you're going to get yeah. vector at home, really. Um, but the control scheme, you can't 
you can't maim it. I you mean, can't, I guess you, you can't you'd have to get really yoke. specific yeah. to maim that specific game. And um, yeah, there so was I did a... finally play one in Sacramento at Coin Op. And uh, did they have one in Coin Op? They did. I don't they know how. Did. I don't they, know if they, they don't do anymore. The last time I went, they did not. Or I would have played that all night. So I've actually played two. I guess Cause I played the one at Coin Op, and I played one in Old Sacramento. They have this like random little hallway where the old some arcades are sitting there. You have to kind of find it. And yeah. both of them had that shaky vector thing, which I've heard about. And both games I played had that, so you could tell they weren't straight lines anymore. They were kind of the laser was shaky. Yeah, but they still played like it, like it played like a dream. I don't know how to explain it. It's just really cool. Yeah, there was a sit down one in Old Sack, but for me, Ooh, way way back, like okay. in the eighties. So there was this underground arcade, like yep. under Old Sack. And uh, they had a sit-down one, and it was kind of weird because you'd go in there, and there's always it was always, would always be sketchy people there, <laughs> and I would get nervous of sitting in there. So I only went with my friend, and I'd have him stand outside the <laughs> the thing. Isn't that, that's what I heard? Like back in the day, mm-hmm. arcades were considered sketchy. Like this, and this one was particularly sketchy because really? it was underground, no windows, very dark. And I know most arcades are dark and smoky or whatever, but. This was just really sketchy. So that's it. See, I've never been in a smoky arcade. That's never been a thing during oh, my yeah. lifetime. Hmm. At least my aware lifetime. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. For for me, it would. I, th- I thought about it, and I think the easy answer for me would would be Street Fighter Two Turbo. That probably. makes sense. Yeah, because it'd be fun yeah. to play someone, but I still get pretty challenged playing the single player one. Um. So I, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, there, I, I love so many arcade games, but I think that would be the one if I had to just have one. That's a great choice. Yeah. Even though I don't care for fighting games. No. But I get it. It would be, you got to admit, that'd be a great cabinet to have. Just the sounds and the, 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 the notoriety. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Win. Oh, I messed up. You win. Um, so my last question here is, if you could only play one genre of retro games... What would it be, for example, shmups, platformers, Metroidvanias, RPGs, etc.? So, again, basically I took this as what what genre is the longest lasting for me. I mean, because RPGs, that would be a good choice just because they're really long. Mm-hmm. But I think if I had to pick one, I'm actually going to say Metroid-style games. I'm okay. going to start using Metroid-style because I don't want to keep pushing the Metroidvania thing. <laughs> Right. As we've discussed in a previous episode, Castle, it, Castlevania itself is a Metroid-style game. Right. We're giving it came, free airtime. Yes, yes. Free advertising. So Metroid-style games would be my choice, because they really, they uh, they kind of take all my favorite genres and mash them together, really. I mean, you've got uh, typically RPG elements where you level up the character, yeah. um, either with weapons or with they actually sometimes actually level up. you got platforming, which I love platforming. You uh, it's, it's a run and gun, usually. You're shooting all over the place. Um, and... I think that just hits all my, you know, even a, a mediocre Metroidvania, Metroid-style game is going to be really fun for me. Right. And That's see, one I, where I can do, it's very hard to screw that up for me. Right. And, and you're right. See, there you can't fall in the trap in this question of thinking it's only one kind of, one game. But, like, if you pick shmups, you could have every shmup in the world. So yeah. you wouldn't ever run out of things to do. So the length of the game, to me, kind of doesn't matter as much, but... I do think it like with RPGs the problem is, is they can they can become kind of a slog with like grinding and stuff but you're right with platformers RPGs have to be good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I think it would be, I think I, I would have to pick with you on that one. I think I'd have to go with the, that style, the Metroid uh, or Castlevania, I'll say, style game. Because it does blend in RPGs, but it's still action. So you still have to be good at action and, and reflexes. RPGs, you don't. You just kind of sit there and make decisions, yeah. really. In fact, you always hear about people coming up with household items on how to get their RPG to... Um... Someone will just stand there and they'll hold like a put a tape dispenser on the A button or whatever, so it just constantly attacks or make a little device that it becomes a turbo. Yeah. And so they can leave it there for overnight and they come back and they've leveled up forty levels so they can get further in the game. It's like right. that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so like I I guess I could pick action RPGs or Ooh, action RPGs is a good choice. Then. Or or platformers. Because you if you think about it, they're kind of the same, but one is top down and oh, one I is love to the action side. RPGs. Yeah, me too. Which I think are an underserved genre. I don't think there's There's not that many there. great ones, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's any that many, period. Because I can't think of a whole lot of bad ones particularly, but yeah. there's just not a whole lot of them. No, there isn't. But I do love the genre. Cool. Right on. Let's go ahead and get some beers cracking. Yeah. Do you want to try one of mine first here? Yeah, let's go let's go for you. Um <laughs> While you pull that out, I've got uh, I've got glasses on ice here, in cool. theory. Kind of half on ice, but they'll work. So I want I want you to read oh, this because uh, I got one on ice. So this is the one I brought, but check check out the graphics on that, and maybe you can announce its name there. I thought this I bought this solely on the cover. That is amazing. Have you tried Have you tried that one yet? <laughs> no, I never knew that existed. So tell everybody what you're reading there. What you What you're so seeing? So first of all, this is a ooh a local one. This is from Rockin, California. Nice. Out of Bounds Brewing Company from Placer County, which is very close to here. Very close. I've been to that brewery. And they have a gastro pub and beer garden in Folsom, California, which is... Yep. That's the one I went to. Very close to where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, this is called... Well, it's, I already said Out of Bounds Brewing Company, but this particular brew is Powdered Toast Man <laughs> Brown <laughs> Ale from Ren and Stimpy. Um, my goodness, French toast inspired. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, let's pour that in. I'm, so I'm assuming you know that's from Ren and Stimpy? Or did, I, I did not know oh, that. You, uh, and I, I watched Ren and Stimpy, but I didn't put two and two together He was the that. superhero. Was he? Powdered Toast Man! Right on. Let's, and uh, uh, and uh, his big thing here, I'm going to let you open. Do you have an opener? Or? I have one in my pocket. Oh, perfect. I keep one in my key ring. That's awesome. <laughs> like a good drinker should. Yeah, his uh, uh, it, his big thing was his uh, his superpower was flying, but he also like always grabbed super or, like villains and stuff with his butt cheeks. <laughs> and you can just let your imagination run wild from there. It's running stimpy, so. Which is a show. Um, I actually went and bought uh, like all the running stimpy on, a, on DVD. I need to start watching some of those again. Those are great. Yeah, I actually should do that too. Revisit it. There we go. All right. So Eric's pouring some brews. I'm going to start some on some errata, which is our uh, where we screwed up on our last episode. That's right. So we can correct our wrongs here. I already kind of mentioned this, but I I, I talked about using the word polarizing correctly. Mm-hmm. I was listening to our podcast, and I used it completely wrong in my mind for really? some reason. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I used it in the sense that it was like a game-changing game. And I realized, no, the, oh. the, the like after I thought about it, I'm like, why did I use it in that context? Because polarizing means it's going to split the crowd and, you know, people go to lovers polar or haters, opposites. polar opposites. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I screwed that up. The other yep. thing I screwed up, if you are a listener to our laughs, though, go ahead and uh, let's cheers this. Yep. Cheers, cheers. sir. Let's try this. Enjoy out. some powdered toast, man. You go ahead and take a sip while I talk. Okay. Um, if you'll If you listen to our last show. And you were hoping to hear all the details on how to contact us. Oh, that's good. You didn't hear them. <laughs> because uh, with my new soundboard here, 
I forgot something when I edited the show, and it just totally cut off. So, listen tonight at the end of this episode for our contact details. We'll make sure to add that at the end of this show. Yep. And then you have one piece of errata here you want to mention. And this was my bad, and this is the worst kind of errata you can do. Is, um Then why, why do you admit it? I, I felt <laughs> I honestly felt bad because actually we had a listener call in. Believe it or not, Colin, a, a, a listen, not Colin, but type in, I guess, okay, yeah, yeah. on Twitter. And he had listened to the episode and I shouted out to him about something and, and it was the wrong guy. Oh. So we were talking about trials. You've seen that game, right? With the motorcycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. That thing, that game looks awesome to me, but I, I don't have a PS4. And from what I understand, some of them are only on PS4, but it happens that this one that I like is actually on the Xbox one. And then the switch came out with one and it's not really the good one. It just came out. Yeah. Oh, it's not the good. Well, we it's can get not, to that later. I guess we can get but. that later. Yeah, but and I, I said that I would watch Gakagami play, um, play the trials, and it wasn't. It's it's Al Game Trade. Yes, and he he has amazing. In fact, he has a great Street Fighter ones that Street Fighter Five ones I love watching, and um, and he does all the trials like these these clips that look amazing. It, it makes me want to buy them. Yeah, he's game. on my my Twitter feed because of you must be following him, yeah. and then it kind of I be, I started following him and yep. And Gakagami, I love his feed because he he builds amazing gaming computers. Like he talks about the parts, he talks about oh yeah yeah gaming cards, processors, any games. But he they're both great guys to follow. But I just completely dropped the ball and said the wrong name. So well, cool. Now we give them both shout out. Exactly. So we did. You have righted yeah, yeah. your wrongs. I have. Right on. All so right. what do you think of the beer? This beer tastes like French toast. And it's amazing. It is. It's actually it, pretty it, good. It tastes really... I've never had this before. It is good. It is. It, I, no, I, I want to make sure we give it a fair shake, because usually when something tastes like something desserty and sweet, that's right. not necessarily a good beer. But it's still beery. It's still beery, and I, it is sweet, so it's not something I'd want every day. That's for sure. Yeah. But it is... It's a, it's a little treat. It's nice. That's interesting. It's a dessert beer. Mm, yes. It's like a, it's like a fine port, <laughs> exactly. except in a beer. Exactly. Wow. And that's locally made, so that's cool. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead, and uh, how about we catch up? If I can find the button. There's a button here somewhere. Catching up with Eric and Cody. That's us. Yep. Um, yeah. So let's catch up. First and foremost... I had my birthday party. Hmm. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Did you good? I I had yeah. a blast, and eight hours flew by like nothing. Yeah, that uh, yeah. So I want to thank you again for coming oh, over yeah. earlier and helping me set some stuff up. I spent the entire actually took the day before off work. Spent the whole day trying to set that stuff up, getting all my systems working. Of course, when you have that many arcades and systems and stuff. Um, not everything worked right out of the box, and so uh, no. But the setup was amazing. I mean, all the systems were laid out very well. You had a center stage, which I really liked. Um, just really good setup, and I thought I thought the night went pretty smoothly. Yeah. So basically, I, I invited roughly I think eight uh, friends I knew who were just re- would actually be really into playing a bunch of nerdy games for eight hours and competing and having fun with it. Um, I didn't want to invite a whole lot of people because it was going to be too small and too overwhelming and i wanted to make sure the people that did come were invested in the games you know yeah so i didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings if anyone you know felt like they wanted to be invited or show up but um that's more or less the reasoning behind that but i do want to i want to do it again and but do it a little differently and you know um but yeah i had a main stage so i actually had an old projector our church was uh 
uh, there was a school that was attached to our church, and they closed down. They left, There was a big pile of projectors, so I took one. Yeah. Um, and projectors are hard and, to get. I mean, they're pretty pricey. And left a donation for the church for of it. Of course you did. Um, but yeah, so it's you know an old school uh, RGB, not RGB, what do you call it? RCA in yeah. projector. And uh, so I took a big old piece of fiberboard, hung it on the wall, um, put the projector on it. I got my PA system for my band, connected that up. I was hoping to get my record player and uh, my my big tower speakers, these classic 1970s, or actually they're 80s, um, Norman Laboratories yeah. speakers that I refurbished. Um, they sound amazing, but I was trying to get that all hooked up. It wasn't going to work because the power amp I bought, um, I wasn't able to figure it out. In fact, right here is a remote I had to buy because you can't turn the power amp. You can turn it on, but you can't access anything without the remote right and it had no remote i have a tv like that a crt at home that i didn't come with a controller and i yeah. had to find one to work because you there's no buttons on the front yeah yeah so. this one had some buttons but yeah basically it was i couldn't tell what was going on because there's screen menus and stuff right um this uh receiver i bought goes for like 400 bucks on ebay non-working it goes for like 200 bucks so even if it's non-working i'm okay but i got it for like 35 bucks on shop goodwill oh now i put 10 bucks into a a remote so we'll see what happens shop goodwill the secret that now everyone knows about uh, every one of our listeners which is pretty much the entire world mm -hmm. so um <laughs> the yeah the systems i set up um i had like four different small crts that i yeah. found around my house including the uh, commodore 1702 and um between you and me we had three bar top arcades set up yeah and then we had the main stage which was we were uh where we did the four player stuff which i got to play my NES with the four tap the uh, four player four score right yeah four score, um, which turned out really well. We played Indie Heat, which I loved, which is like super off road but indie cars. Uh, yeah, I wish I was road. better at that game because I love that kind I, of game. Oh, it was but so I, fun, I'm and really we were all bad. buying we were all buying different um, yeah power ups and stuff, and um, and I had trophies for first and second place for all these tournaments we did. Um, I was doing pretty well, and then somebody just ran into the back of me and knocked me off my jacks while I was hitting, <laughs> and it was all downhill from there, but that's why it's so hilarious. I got angry and punched a guy in the arm, and then we moved on. <laughs> um, we played Super Homebrew Wars, which I met mentioned on here before, which I was super excited to play, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know if everybody did, but basically it was kind of like a four-player, uh, free-for-all, if you want to call it like Smash Brothers style, but... Um, but, but on the Nintendo. But so on the very... Nintendo pretty basic and it was mean, cool because all the characters were actually from various homebrew games i don't know if you recognized any of them but i i recognized one i just thought it was a ripoff of another game but now if it's an homage that's different all homage to different um yeah. home, homebrew recent homebrew releases i liked it i thought it was a great game and so you basically the main thing is you <clears> jump on everybody you try to jump on somebody else's head and that kills them and you can either play like survival mode or time mode where you try to get the most kills or um the first to 10 kills or there's kind of different modes but I had a blast with it. Um, where did we go from there? Oh, then we plugged in the uh, Nintendo 64 and played some uh, Bust a Move. Yep. Which we did one-on-one -on -one battles. So we did a double elimination tournament, and that was really fun. Yeah. Because there were some cool comebacks. There was one point where uh, the guy who ended up winning the whole thing won, I think, did four in a row. Yeah, he was really good at it. He was really good. Yeah. He pisses me off. And then we did the Tengen. He's also not my friend anymore. He's not your friend. <laughs> We, we did the Tengen Tetris, which that's right. Ten I took home the gold. Which, by the way, I, I believe is Tengen. We should have put. We, I know we covered it both ways. Yeah, 
This is, I don't know why I didn't think about it at the time. That was Atari. Oh, was it? Yeah, because Atari, when it split up, it split at the uh, uh, Jack Tremille, right? Yeah. He took over the, the fledgling side of Atari, which was the home division. The home computer division. Uh, yeah. Home computer and like all the <clears throat> previously made 2600, 7800, all that stuff. That was all his. And that stuff was, they were hemorrhaging money when they took over that side of the business. Yeah. The rest of Atari, which basically all their arcade <laughs> games and everything moving forward, and they had a, their whole thing is when they, if they ever made a home game, it mm-hmm. could not say Atari or have anything to do with Atari. Um, only their arcade co- stuff could. Which is so funny they, because the 2600 made so much money for Atari and they just burned through that. Well, yeah. And then the, um, there was the crash, the infamous 1983 <laughs> crash, right? Right. But, uh, so anyways, that's why they came up with Tengen. That was their, their name to sell home computer games or home hmm. games on that side of the, a different company. It's a completely different company at that point. There was Atari Games and Atari. Yeah. So, and then Atari Games with a red with a red logo and Atari with blue. Anyways. So, um, yeah, what else did we do there? We had a, uh, we did a pinball tournament. Yeah. Which I won, which I would have been embarrassed if I didn't win my own pinball tournament. <laughs> they were my two you're games. You're used to your own pinball machines, yeah. Yeah, it's a little sad. I only had two games. Usually I have three or four, but at this point I only have two working games in my garage. Yeah, I actually did better than I thought I would. Uh, yeah. I don't play. I never play pinball games. Not real pinball games. So yeah. I did actually pretty good on that. On that. Um. On the space space station game. Yeah, that's a that's a good game. I yeah, it is game. a good one, and I did pretty well on that one. So, now, was, but we did. Re- I do realize that that's not a good tournament game because other people can lock balls for you. Yeah, that's and then right. if you get lucky and it's your turn when there's already two balls docked, all you got to do is hit the release, and then you you have a huge multi ball, which gets you a ton of points. Oh. Uh, I so, didn't even notice that. Did yeah. you get a multi-ball? I, d- I did get it once. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great game. And, um, yeah, I mean, we I think we had 12 tournaments mm-hmm. that we set up, and we I think we got to nine of them. Yeah, we played that car racing uh, board, board-ish, board type Pitch game. car, yeah, it's right behind you there. But pitch yeah, car. Pitch and car, which is really cool. That's the first time I played that, and I did pretty well, especially that first of the, the qualifying round. I did well, and then I did really crappy on the actual race, but... Um, I this is the first time I played that one. It was a lot of fun. I, I think really want, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Yeah, I really want to. I want to get another expansion because I want to make it bigger. Yeah, and I also think we should try playing it without. I always we always think it's gonna be a lot more fun if you take out some of the, the side rails. Yeah, so that you have to get more. But then everyone bogs down in a corner. Yeah, and that kind of ruined it. So I don't, I don't think we'll do that again. We'll just play with all the side rails. Yeah, but it's a cool game where you're literally flicking little wooden discs around a track. And there's turns, and uh, if I get one of the expansions, there's jumps, and there's also, like, crossovers where you have to go across each other's paths. Yeah. Um, really cool game. And you... So I, I left with, I think, five trophies. Yep. Um, that people were all over the map. You were you said you were going to be happy if you left with one trophy. And I... And In fact, my wife came up to me and was like, Eric's really excited because he's about to win something. <laughs> That's right, and I did. I won one. Well, I technically think I won two, but we didn't have a trophy for that streak fighter. But um, oh yeah, you won a trophy. Yeah. In fact, there it is, right there. Hold on, let me let me get you this here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got the one for the the Tetris, and which was a by the way, the Tetris was a co-op. Uh, it was a team game. Yeah, we did the Tengen Tetris we, we co-op. Did, we did team. So I had had some with me. Nick, I think was the name. Nick was your uh, partner. I think he was. Okay. Yeah. And so we both won, and then I got the Streak Fighter, 
which is Street Fighter 2, but we played Streaks, right? Streak, right? Streak Fighter, yeah. And uh, Nick actually is really good at that. He got three, but then you came back and got four in a row, I believe. I think you got three or four. So because we didn't get to Windjammers, this okay. Windjammer trophy is your Street Fighter trophy. <laughs> nice. da, 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 da. Yay, Eric! Yay. Well done, well I'll, earned. I'll take it. All right. Um, yeah, next time I'd love to try to do some more games where we're all... Um, actually, one of the games that we that I mentioned on this show, maybe, um, like a gauntlet-style game or something, where we're all working yeah. together, or more four-player stuff, where we're just not as structured and probably allow a lot more time for games rather than trying to shove 12 into eight hours. Yeah. I always wanted... Because I, I also had all kinds of other games set up that people were just playing because they yeah. wanted to. Sure. I always wanted to organize something, like, even locally here at, like, uh, the, one of the local breweries or even whatever the venue but do a almost like every two or three months do a where we just invite a bunch of people and we play maybe one or two type two one or two type of games yeah and basically we and then the rest just be a meetup yeah and two people play and everybody just watches and drinks and then yeah, two other people play and then so it's kind of a little more social but i thought that would always be fun to do and all our listeners can fly in for it absolutely every every quarter we encourage that yeah exactly perfect i also do want to mention that we did uh have two commodore 64 games set up there yeah uh one was paper plane yeah which exactly. uh was a and so i officially and i called it before i did it i'm like i couldn't break like 44 when i was playing this on my 64 mini yeah and i was like you know i'm not blowing smoke i think it's because of the lag okay yeah either in the system or in my tv or something because it was a flat panel so we did we played it with my homemade arcade stick, my homemade C64 stick, plugged directly into a real bread bin, yeah. C64. And my first shot, I got 112, which is triple the score I got the first time. Yeah. So it's absolutely the lag that, that was messing me up. Um, I did not win the... I got second place, though. I got 125. My buddy Ryan got 133. The jerk. <laughs> I couldn't quite... In fact, before it- I got 125, I got like 119. And he is already ahead of me, so I'm like, nope, I have to beat him, and I kept trying. And that was his first time playing, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played. He was sat there for a good 40 minutes when he first turned it on. I did see he that. Was like, he I'm was spending a lot thing. of time on that, but you um, can tell. You can tell he was. He didn't. He wasn't going to brag, or he wasn't going to go out and make a big deal about it. But he's personally competitive. You can tell, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a lot of those guys were. The, the honest truth of it is so. Right. And um, I the what what arcade games we did uh um, uh Pang. Pang and Ladybug. Pang and, yeah, Ladybug was a great. I love Ladybug. I spent some time on Ladybug. I still didn't win, but I spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, well, it's just funny because we were using it on my, vertic- <laughs> my what I call my Verticade, my vertical main machine, yeah. arcade machine, because uh, it's a vertical game. But then I realized, you know, Eric's got every game on his arcade, even though it's horizontal. So I popped it on there so we could have more people playing it, and I actually got the high score on yours. Right. But <laughs> anyways, just to add insult to injury. So that was my party. Thanks for everyone who came. I loved it. It was a good time. Uh, thanks for... I uh, got some gifts from people. Uh got some whiskey, which was great. Oh, that's nice. Got an Amazon gift card. Yep. But I'm going to have to say, Eric, <laughs> your gift took the cake. Yeah. I mentioned... Uh, I think I'd mentioned on the previous show that I've been... that uh, I'm interested in a VIC-20. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where the, the, the truth of it is, the VIC-20 itself... Uh, Intrigues me just because I know it's the it's the predecessor to the 64. Yeah. And it always kind of looked a little too archaic. I'm like, why wouldn't I just play the 64? But um, 
our friends at the Future Was 8-Bit make a device called the Penultimate Cartridge. Yeah. Which is like, it's a RAM expansion, and it's a whole bunch of games on one, it's this really cool device. Yeah. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. Um, but basically, I'm like, you know, I really want a VIC-20 for a couple reasons. One, they're going up in price all of a sudden. So yeah. if I'm going to get it, I want to get it now. I think when I first started looking, even a year ago, they were like 20, 30 bucks. Right. And now it's hard to find one under 100 bucks shipped. Yeah, I was shocked. I looked at the price after you mentioned that. And yeah. Yeah, it was like $85, $95. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to want this thing badly after the price goes nuts. <laughs> right. Um. So lo and behold, for my birthday, Eric shows up with a, his backup VIC-20, which is now my VIC-20. That's right. And the, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey! I'm a great guy. You are a great guy. No, but the, 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 the nostalgic part of that particular VIC-20 is that was the, one of the first machines I bought, and that was off of Goodwill. I got that one, and I completely refurbished it. So it's, it's not re, It's not like recapped, but it's... It's cleaned. I, I took it apart. I washed the chassis. I washed the keys. Yeah, it looks great. And uh, the killer part of that was actually I gave you the power supply because that's the hard thing to get Is with it? the VIC-20. Yeah, especially that model. That's the VIC-20E, not CR. So it's got the funky plug. It's got the two-prong plug instead of the DIN, like the Commodore 64 one. Gotcha. And those are hard because they're older. That was the older VIC-20 model. So... I decided I was going to, I personally was going to take the challenge and build my own for mine because I yeah. still have the same Vic 20s EE edition like that. So, um, but you have the one with the really old school letter yeah, with the, the pet keys. Caps. Yeah. That's the cool. square pet keys. Um, so anyway, enjoy it. it the Vic 20 actually does have really fun games. And did you happen to listen to my take, my Eric's take this month? Nope. At this point, I mean, it'll be in this episode, but I usually end up listening to your take in the car when we're listening to the final product. Okay, good. Which good. is fun. It's for you. <laughs> I, I made my take to you. Oh, I thank you. But anyway, so yay. I'm, I, it's seriously kind of embarrassing because <clears throat> between you and a few people I've met on Twitter who are being like overly nice and overly giving and willing to sacrifice their time their knowledge and even their stuff to help me out it's uh it's a good i, I want to give back i really want to give back and so to a point i've given i passed on if you will mm-hmm. um i've helped a few buddies at, at my work who mm-hmm. for example one of them got a, a nes classic and so had no idea how to mod it or whatever yeah. so i did that did that for him you know and it's not that difficult but it's something i'm capable of and i have the ROMs and everything, and I can make it happen. Right. Um, and then uh, same thing with uh, another buddy who had a PlayStation um, uh, Classic. Yeah. And, a, and an, SN, an SNES Classic. Uh, still, my SNES Classic is stock standard because the games in there are great. I don't think I need to touch it, but this person wanted to, so yeah. why not? Um, which is actually... Um, I, I will. So the Vic Twenty, I did. I turned it on so I could see the chunky text. Yeah, that's as far as I've gotten with it so far. That's fine. Because I really want to order a penultimate cartridge. Yeah. Um, and, which I have one, and I have the NTSC one. So remember, you got to get the PAL NTSC. There's two different ones. You got to get the NTSC one. And uh, didn't know. Again, the guys at the Future Was Eight Bit were very kind, and they actually sent me one of the first NTSC ones to ch- to troubleshoot, so oh, t- wow. to, to beta test. Gotcha. And uh, it's it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful, and it has a couple of uh, exclusive the Future Was Eight Bit games on it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, um, they they have a few. They they, they publish. They, they publish a couple of games, and it has. I know them on Rodman there. is one that it, they've and, been pushing a lot lately. And Rodman's a fantastic game. So. 
the 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 interesting thing about the Vic Twenty is you know it only has five K of RAM and like three point five usable because of basic. So you think, well, that those are gonna be crappy games. And yeah, some of sure some of them are, but when you get a cartridge for the Vic Twenty, it can actually add RAM to the game. Mm-hmm. So you you get a lot more game for your buck when it's on a cartridge. Gotcha. Um, and there are fantastic games that are. And the cartridges I, I so. are fairly inexpensive still. The, so I'm going to have to get myself a little library of good Vic 20 games. Yeah, I have. A, I actually have probably maybe 15 at home. Yeah. Um, not including the penultimate. Um, the, but the, the cartridges you can still find very cheap. Like there's lots on uh, Shop Goodwill, like a lot of 15 or 20. Yeah. And they usually don't go for more than like 25, 30 bucks. Yes, perfect. Yeah. Love it. That's kind of like when I started collecting retro games. That's how that's how things were. Yeah. Before Turbo Graphics went insane, and before uh, a Jaguar cost four hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, I've been looking for a Jaguar for five years now, and I, I can't I can't find one. Problem is, if you got it five years ago, you still would have done better. Yeah. That, <laughs> that and the Amiga CD thirty two, like those are the yeah. two. If I find them in the wild and they're reasonably priced, I'd get them in a heartbeat. But you don't. You never find them. No. And that's the and that's the thing is, um, well, to finish my point, uh, I've been working with uh, uh, Sanction. Yeah. Uh, from the future was eight bit. Yeah. Another guy who's been helping me out a ton. Um, I know Rod Hole is also from the future was eight bit. I haven't personally interacted with him too much yet, but yeah, and he, Rod is uh, he's the guy who usually hooks me up with the the betas and trying stuff out and gotcha. Um. There's a project I can't talk about, but uh, oh, sh- sh- yeah, I can't talk about. But um, I promise, Eric has told me nothing about this project. Nope. I don't know I what it is. I'm said very curious. About it, but I'm very. And after this podcast, I promise I'm going to push him for the details. <laughs> it's been something I've been asking f- for from him for literally, I think, two years now, and okay. he's finally may, may be ready to send me something to test. So now I don't want to add anything to Arada, but Sanction's name is Pat. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll just refer to him as Sanction from now on. Yeah. Please correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Yeah. Um, but awesome guy. Um, I was, I've been kind of going back and forth with him, uh, you know, PMing him on, on Twitter and stuff. And yeah. he's uh, he's offering a lot, all kinds of help. Um, I had one of my C64s stop working on me, and he started helping me as, as, as well as you. Yeah. I'm kind of troubleshooting it and uh, fixing some, you know, trying to figure thing, some things out. They make a dead test cart. Um which uh, I borrowed yours. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of helped me with some of that and how that worked, and so did you. Um, but he's also he also heard that, I think I mentioned it on the show, that I'm looking into a Spectrum. Yeah. Because I, I, I got the Spectrum next because I want a Spectrum, and I want it to work in the U.S., I want it to be simple. Right. And then it's new and pretty and just a whole bunch of new stuff, but the main reason is I want to play Spectrum. Well, I kind of broke down and said, you know what? I want it suited to the later. Yep. Which the the next is getting close, but we still don't have a, a date. And regardless if if I get my next or not soon, I want to. The calendar on my wall had this adorable little rubber key specky. Yeah. You have the tricked out one with the cassette tape. I have the, the plus, plus two, one twenty eight k plus two. Yeah. And I want the iconic. Yeah. Rubber key little specky. But you're getting the forty eight k, not sixteen k one, right? Um. You know, I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure. Hopefully, I he'll send you the forty eight k one. Yeah. So anyway, he's he's helping me acquire one over there. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm gonna you know 
pay him for it and pay him to ship it over and stuff and Perfect. probably picked up pick up a few things because if he's already shipping me something i'll buy a few things from the future was 8-bit yep um and you know rod hole from future was 8-bit he sent he's the one who sent me my plus two. Oh, okay and it was in gr- beautiful shape beautiful awesome. shape so he doesn't he doesn't send garbage so yeah you'll, you'll be in for a treat that's for sure super cool but i think it's a good segue because it's like christmas in march yeah I know you're itching. You're, char- have, you're chomping at the itching. bit. So I'll, I do want to thank the future was 8-bit. We have a, um, a a Christmas in March present here. Yeah. I have a box here wrapped in the future was 8-bit.com tape. Yes. And it is a, a sizable box. And they sent us some goodies. And I am more excited, more than excited to see what this all is. We should do that. And so here is said box. Wow, that is a good size box. It is a good size box. So, I, I mean, I did know it was coming. They they asked me for uh, my address so they could send this stuff to the show. I have to get my knife out here. Or yeah, scissors. That works. The Future was 8-Bit always has... Uh, I, I really like the tape. I know I've gotten a few boxes from them. The tape looks really good. Well, it's funny because uh, as I open this here, um, I asked you before the show because I'm going to potentially get that Spectrum if I get it sent this way. And I'm like, hey... If, you want to buy anything from them we can just throw that in it won't cost you any shipping and your response was something to the effect of let me see if there's anything i haven't bought from them yet <laughs> right <laughs> so at this point you pretty much already own uh i think i'll find something though because i know there was a couple things in their catalog i i didn't get for one reason or another one thing is you know the um <clears throat> the div mmc the thing it's like the the multi-cart for the Spectrum for the, the Specy, right? Yeah, I have one, but it wasn't from the Future Was Eight, but it was just one I got on eBay or something, and that was before I was really doing a lot of, you know, before I knew these guys real well. This is very well taped. Yeah, good. <laughs> and uh, theirs is better, believe it or not. Theirs is 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 quantify quantifiably 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 blah blah blah. Theirs is better anyway. It detects the model of the spectrum, so you don't have to worry about dip switches. Is it better or is it the same one plus? Because I know they call now they call it the Div MMC Future. Well, yeah. So theirs, from what I understand, is is well, it's based on that. It's it's different. There's a lot of added features to it. Um, just basically better. Things like breaking into Fort Knox. This, I've got it open. Okay. And there's so much bubble and stuff in here. I am beyond excited. Uh, I'm going to start with a picture here. Oh. Oh, look at this. Should I just read this? On, uh, yeah. Uh, no, let's not. Why not? Hey, guys. Here's a little care package all the way from Southwest England. Hope this makes it to you in time for the next podcast. Well, yes, it did. Here are some goodies to aid the recording process. Well, yes, it is. Um, oh, there's also a package for Cody. That's me. Yay. Uh, something to new use with your newfound love for all things Commodore 8-Bit and your latest edition, thanks to Eric. Oh, Vic-20 stuff. Cool. Uh, there is also something for Eric in there Ooh. that I think you needed for one of your consoles. Okay. If I'm not, uh, if not, I'm sure you will find some use for it. Yes, we will. Have fun, guys. From Tim and Rod. Tim. Uh, Thank you, Tim. Tim. <laughs> I could edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to know that I didn't... I don't know why we'd know his first name. I don't think he ever introduced himself with his right name to me, so I, I don't think I ever knew it. Because Rod Hole just says Rod Hole. Rod Hole said, yeah, exactly. Sanction, sanction. Yep. Tim. Tim. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, lovely. Oh, I love this. Remember, it's dangerous to go low. Hey! <laughs> That's Very awesome. Cool. 
Uh, P.S. Some of the things I purchased on my last holiday for you guys. That's vacation for us American listeners. Yes. I got them from Deepest Cornwall, way down in the west of England, from the famous Jamaica Inn close to the Bodmin Moors. Mm. There's a picture here of the Jamaica Inn. We're going to have to research that because I have no idea. Yeah. Like that stuff's probably supposed to mean something to us. Unfortunately, it doesn't. But there's a picture of it. Oh, wow. That's nice. Jamaica Inn. You know what I always say? It's better better to go to Cornwall than Cornhole. You always say that, do you, Eric? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Instead of a shirt that says um, wow. Pixel Guide In with Eric saying uh, <laughs> right on, it's now going to say what he just said there. That's a great picture. That looks really cozy. Though the inn itself, yeah, I mean they, they, you know, they do it right. They they don't have like a, you know, beautiful like sunny places, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're they're they they make do with what they got. You know what I mean? <laughs> they make do with what they got. Uh, that's a, a rave review of England right there from Eric. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they make do with what they got. Yeah. No, it's funny because I was outside doing yard work. Yeah. On in the weekend and it was drizzling and I told my wife and I'm like. I know I keep talking about England because of all the Commodore stuff and all the flavors and all the retro stuff is out of England nowadays. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I'm like, it's like a nice day in England out here with just a drizzle. Yeah. And I'm doing yard work. I have an idea what those are. I'm going to let you open that. Okay. Oh, is it? Yikes. Okay. So this came, this is coming in that Jamaica in bag. All right. I'm just going to rip this open like an animal. All right. I wish I had like a cool song here that I could play. Okay. So... Ooh. He just he's just pulling it all out. He's not even talking about it or anything. The future was eight bit pen. Oh we got a pen with the, okay. Ooh, a future with was eight bit eraser? Div MMC future. Now if I'm not mistaken, that is not an eraser. What is it? What is it? This is, it says right there, ZX Spectrum Edge Connector Repair Tool. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Isn't that cool? And then uh, did you see have you ever read this at the bottom here? It says also compatible with reliable computers. Hashtag wink. <laughs> Yes, it is a. Uh, they call it a oh, rubber. Man. They call it a rubber over there, right? Yeah. Oh, I think I know what these are. So the edge, their edge uh, repair is a eraser that you rub the uh, connective edges on there. Man, I'm glad these came uh, were well packed. You know My what these goodness. are? You know what? We're gonna. Are we almost at five hours already? Just trying to open <laughs> exactly. this box. Yeah, we should. Like we are. We should have accelerated this. Yeah. yeah well, paused. I need your scissors there. Oh my goodness gracious. But I, I know what this is. I can see it through the thing. Oh, never mind. I'm going to rip it like an animal. There you go. Like a man? Yep. Look at that. We're going to have to... So we should save these. All right. We're going to have to save these for the next episode. Well, because like. we got to cool these. But that is a this. bottle. So this is a bottle of um, a deep chestnut red ale. Ooh, Beast of good. Bodman. Would you say Bodman or Bodman? I'm going to say Bodman. Let's Bodman roll it. From Penpont, Penpont Brewery. Beast of Bodman. A deep chestnut red ale. Try that, and let me. I'll open this, and while I'll you check that out, check that out while I rip this one. Make sure it's the it same. It says it's out there. Kind of a picture of a Ooh. couple of eyes in the dark. Yeah. Brewed in Cornwall. Better really? than better than cornhole, as Eric always says. That's right. Oh, so this is different. Mind. So we're in for a treat. So this one is Tin Tangle Brewery. Tin Tangle. Tin Tangle Brewery. Real ale from the home of King Arthur, Arthur's Ale, brewed with pure Cornish spring water. That's the best spring water. That's right. Better than that cornhole spring water. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want cornhole gonna spring keep... water. <laughs> uh, Eric's life lesson is just going to right. continue with me. That is cool. 
So we're going to let you go twice the mileage out of that. We're going to drink that on the next show because although, although if we want to do this correctly, it's already warm, which is very English, right? Yep. We, so, we like our beer cold. Sorry. It so is what it is. There's some wire. I, I don't know if you had requested something. So one of them is an AV cable. I, actually, I honestly was about to buy this. Okay. You're missing something. There's something. There's got to be something else in the package. So let's. I'm looking at a connector. Oh. And I'm looking at an AV cord. There is. Perfect. So what is this? So I'm actually about to buy two of these. I think this one is for you, Eric, if I'm not mistaken. What this, is it? This is. This will modify. Um, an older system, either a Atari 2600 or any or the old computers that only have RF out. Yeah. This will modify it to AV out. Oh, awesome. So all you got to do is, in, uh, they have a guide online. There's four points where you wire those four wires, plug it into this, this thing, which provides an eighth-inch jack. And that's the and jack right there. And this is the, uh, the, the wire that plugs into the eight-inch jack, gives you your you Red, know what? Yellow and white. This is funny because I had a conversation with Rod Hole years ago when I first got my Atari twenty six hundred, the one I found at the garage sale. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I need to mod this." And he goes, "You know, you need to send me pictures of your motherboard, and I'll 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 craft something. I'll I'll, I'll figure it out for you because every motherboard like there's different variants." And I did send him those, and I didn't hear anything. So I was wondering if he was working on it or just kind of was waiting for the product. I bet this would no, do he, it. He decided way ahead of time, I'm going to wait until Eric comes out with a podcast. Exactly. I'm going to wait until it gets rather su successful and they get to eight or nine episodes. Yeah. And then I'm going to spring it on them. Oh, that's amazing. So I was literally looking at that today because I wanted to find anything else I wanted to order along with the uh, specy I'm getting. And I was going to buy two of those because I want to do uh, my 2600 and my 7800. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. My 2600 needs it pretty bad. Yeah. So, so cool. That's very cool. That is really cool. All right. I'm digging back into our box of goodies right. here. Let's go for this little guy here. This, uh, you know, I should, I should have been working on this the whole time that we were uh, opening the other stuff. <laughs> That's okay. Ah, oh, looks like some British candy. Oh, nice. Yep. Cadbury chomp. I'm, there's one I'm hoping for. Crunchy. There you go. Is that the one you were hoping for? Yeah. Well, oh, more wow. or less. There's a couple. There's, um... Uh, oh, it's called a velvet something velvet. Let me check these out. Have you been to England before? I have briefly. briefly. I went for literally like three days. Ooh, this one's called a curly whirly. I the British have some crazy uh, sayings. Yeah. That just come across so bizarre. Uh, curly whirly has got to be one of them. Are these All right, cool? we might have to eat this on the show tonight. Sure. That part we can dig into. That's cool. Cadbury makes really good chocolate. That's that that is one thing. People make fun of English food, but their chocolate is hands down better than the, in the garbage we make. Yeah, it's way better. Ghirardelli is good, but your Hershey's and your Nestle and blah blah blah. Yeah. Wax we, wax we, chocolate. We, Don't get me wrong, I eat it, but <laughs> and, and that's exactly the right term. There are our chocolate tends to be a little waxy for some reason. I just want to make sure I don't throw anything away here. Alright. Got a couple more packages. I'm excited. Oh, it looks like we uh I think they spent more money on the wrapping than they did on the candy here. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Look at that. Yep, we got another uh, set here. So we each get to uh, eat some Cadbury chocolate on oh, the Oh, wow. We're going to get back to retro here eventually, but... Ah, here we go. This, That's one, so this cool. one has my name on it. Curly Whirly, Crunchy, and Chomp. Chomp. Sounds like, uh, <laughs> like, like Pac-Man. I was going to uh, say Pac-Man Ghost. <laughs> exactly. And Clyde. <laughs> yeah, where's the Clyde? So my package, I also have a uh, a Futures 8-bit pen and a uh, 
rubber. Is, is that a spectrum tool? Is that a spectrum tool? Now I have a uh, square item of some sort here, which I am opening. I'm actually going like to save an this. An unboxing live on air here. I'm going to save this for edge connector cleaning only. Yeah. I am. I'm going to put it up up in my, uh, my retro closet. <laughs> Perfect. All right. This <clears throat> is a cartridge of some sort. Perfect. Is that the Epix Fast Load? It's the Epix Fast Load with the reset button, yeah. which is what I really wanted. So I have an Epix Fast Load original from 80-something. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about this on the air. Now, the Fast Load, for those who don't know, goes in your Commodore 64 computer, and it's really just software that's kind of backloaded. Yeah. And it helps load games quicker. The Epix Fast Load is, is all I had as a kid for fast loading cartridge. Mm -hmm. And it, you do want to do yourself a favor and look up the commands. Because there's like a little cheat sheet for the... And there's a lot of shortcuts for Commodore 64 commands. Like a dollar sign will get you a directory instead of oh, load, okay. you know, load dollar sign, comma 8, comma 1. Oh, cool. With the quote marks, you can just hit dollar sign. But there's a ton of little shortcuts that you do with that. It's it's an amazing cartridge. It's what I had as a kid. And it's basically what I identify with Commodore commands mm -hmm. or the Epics fast load commands. So I had an older one. And the issue with mine, I don't, I don't know if there were some bad bits on it or what. Right. But mine, every time I'd load something... The first time I would do it, it would say uh, something like something went wrong, something not found. Okay. And I'd literally, literally scroll back to the same command I did and hit enter again, and then it would work. Okay. Don't know why, but it only happened when the fast load was in there. More importantly, I want this little reset button. Little reset, yeah. Because I am hard resetting my Commodore every time. That can't be good. No. No, it's not good. So I got my reset button. It's nice and blue. Yeah, it's smaller than a regular cartridge, which is really nice, yep. so it won't stick oh, out Oh, yeah, it as is far. a little shorter, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. This is perfect. Those are, those are awesome. That. I've thought about, you know, grabbing one of those myself, and I think I, I might include that on my next, my next, uh, yes. the future was 8-bit order, is just to grab one of those, just because. Yeah. I, I don't think, really need it, but it's I like. I think they're 15 pounds, yeah. which is, what, 22 bucks, something like that? Yeah. I got a penultimate cartridge, Eric. Is that it? Yeah! Oh, you got <laughs> yeah. So you got the sweet box with it. Yeah, it comes with a little sleeve, penultimate plus cartridge. Nice. It's got this black, uh, kind of brown black color here. Yep. I've got my menu button and a reset button on there, so now my Commodore VIC twenty will reset. Yep. And this is uh, everything we just talked about earlier, including a bunch of uh, games loaded on here as well, I believe. So I will tell you, that's about all you need with the VIC twenty. It has all the great games, and yeah. then. It also has all the memory expansions, the every a different version, the four, the two K one, the four K one, the eight K one. That's pretty. Um, it sixteen K one. It, it comes with all of them, and if you have an SD SD two IEC, which you can get from the future was eight bit, and which I already do. Yep. But if you have one that has, you know, the little uh, file manager that you you like so much, mm -hmm. it's got one built in. So like, you leave that cartridge in, you just launch the file manager from that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Awesome, guys. Thank you, Tim, and uh, Rod, I'm sure, as well, is involved to, to some extent there. So yep. thank you so much. That is cool. And like I said, I'm already going to start ordering more stuff from them anyways because yeah. I want to I want to get those mods done. And, and I'm going to get a div MMC when I get my, yeah. when I get my um, Specky. Yeah. I've been thinking about so selling. Cool. I'm going to sell my div MMC because it's the old kind of generic one. Because I do want to get their version of it. Oh, okay. Well, then we can add that to the order. Yeah, I think I probably will. It's about nice. time. Uh, that's been killing me for days. I've had this for about four days sitting here, and I've been wanting to open it. So, Perfect. That is awesome. Perfect. Woo! Oh. Perfect. 
<laughs> All right, moving on. Um, my new board game. Oh, I got a new board game in. We're gonna talk. About I know we don't games. really talk about board games. We're not do a we? board game podcast. No, we're not. Let me show you my board game. All right. I don't know where I put my board game. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I put it under all the other stuff I planned to show you. So this <laughs> might take. I'm gonna make some rattling noises here in the background. We should just name our podcast Show and Tell. That's what makes it so fun. <laughs> Have you seen this board game before, Eric? Let me see. Gem Dash, a game by Cody Hoffman. What? Are you crazy? <laughs> Look, you even got a picture of the family. Made a game. I know, right? I but, threw them on there for brownie points. Why am I not in there? Oh, sorry, Eric. Oh, man. Now, that is uh, my first professionally printed copy of that game. Are you going to try to sell this as a... I'd like to eventually, yeah. Um, I've done a little playtesting. I made that version with... If you open it up, you'll see a rule book and the game board and the whole thing in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to playtest it, kind oh, of wow. fine-tune it. Yeah. Looks pretty... Yeah. Oh, you got professionally printed cards? Yeah. Looks pretty good. Are these game pieces? Uh, dice. There's dice in there. Okay. 3D printed uh, doodads and whatnots? Doodads and whatnots. Actually, not three. These are peeps. What do they call them? Meeples. Meeples. Meeples, that's right. yeah. Meeples. So, anyways, I'm pretty proud of that. I was oh. excited about it. Oh, I'll have to try to play this sometime. Yeah. And then ultimately, I plan on fine tuning it and printing out five or six of those and seeing if I can't uh, get them in the hands of some publishers and see if we can't make something happen. But Gem Dash is a dice rolling, luck, and strategy game that people of all ages and abilities can enjoy. Is That, that means me. Uh, when you except, say all abilities? Except for Eric. All abilities. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> the unlucky and dim people. Aww. Exactly. So there's that. It's not really something people can see, so we should probably move on. Right. But I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's very professional looking, too, for the... Yeah, no, they did a great job printing this. I'm stoked about it. I mean, I did all the... The, uh, the the artwork itself, I you know, I pulled off of the internet, so it's not usable for anything. Yeah. But I did the um, graphic design and layouts and all that stuff. So. Oh, it looks amazing. Cool. Right on. The C64 Mini we talked about last time. Yep. I actually kind of like the controller. The diagonals didn't work great. Right. Um, you said that. Oh, I didn't pull this out for you yet. So long story short, <laughs> I said I was going to make a controller for it. Yep. And I did. Yeah. So first, I want to pull out two other controllers. Um, this is one of the controllers I heard online that would work with a C64, the RetroBit one. Yep. This is the one that comes with the, um, their, I don't know, their fake Nintendo console. Now, which one, what, what is the fire on this? Because usually a lot, a lot of these pads, the bumper is the fire. I actually didn't even plug that one in to find okay. out. Okay. Um, but my goal was to go online and buy these, which you've heard... I told you about those. You told me, okay. Yeah. So you told me about these, and then I went online and saw other people, which is, yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I didn't invent it. I saw it online, so I probably saw the same thing you did. Yeah. So these are basically a, a fake Super Nintendo controller. They call it the, the iNext, or yep. yeah, iNext game controller, and it comes in a two-pack only for some reason. Okay. Um, I think this was 13 bucks or 12 bucks, and I was literally going to take the board out of this, just break the thing, and uh, just wire the contact points and run those to any arcade buttons I wanted to. Right. So I ordered this with the plan to do that. I actually went and plugged it into my C64 Mini and pressed all the buttons and mapped everything out, figure out what buttons do what. And I was about ready to open it up when I realized, you know, I have a uh, an extra... Um, 
the USB USB joystick arcade button setup. The controller, yeah. Yeah. The controller board. That, that that I requested off of Amazon a long time or Amazon. 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 That's gonna be the new competitor. I'm starting Amazon. It's Aragon. There you go. And uh so anyways, I'm like, let me try that and see if that works. Because yeah. that would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. So I sure enough I went to that thing, plugged into my mini, and you can just there's all these little points on the edge of the board. Yeah. So I just used a little piece of metal. Actually, it's a, a quarter-inch connector for audio. And that could touch the two point pins together on yeah. each one of those modules. And sure enough, all the buttons were there. That's so good. So I just used that. And you can buy the whole kit with a joystick and buttons. They're not the greatest buttons in the world, but I think it's 20 bucks. Oh, eight, I didn't... eighteen ninety nine. So I saw the board for sale, because I, I did look the board up once you mentioned it. And I found a bunch of the boards, but I didn't see the buttons with it. I never saw gotcha. a kit with the buttons with it. So this is, in fact, I have a few extra left over. So okay, it's, you can hear it here, nice yeah. and clicky. Yeah, it's a micro switch. Yeah. So I built it into a cigar box. Yep. Fairly small one, but um, I've got two of the big full size buttons yep. in the front. I went with uh, it's all black and red color scheme. Um, and then in the front, there's four smaller buttons. Yeah. Which mimic the four buttons on the front of the C64 Mini controller. Okay. And then I put one on the back because there's that one button that kind of right above the joystick, there's the one button that um, acts as a space bar. Oh, I didn't know that. So there's one of those I mean, buttons. Those acts... are the little triangle buttons yeah. in the corners? Okay. I yep. know what you're talking about. Yeah. One of them, the, the one on the left doesn't do, it does something, but it's nothing useful. Okay. The other one's the space button. Okay. Which is useful because if you need to play a game that you added to your mini, yeah. most of those games require you to hit space to start. So you pull up the keyboard, just hit that button, and you back out. Oh, cool. Um, so you can get a feel for that. There's yeah. my controller. I put that up on the uh, Facebook C64 Mini group and got all kinds of uh, rave reviews and interest in it. So um, the only so what's interesting about it is, um, again, like my other controller we talked about in the past, I wanted up to also have a button associated with it. Yeah. Kind of like the one you, ma- you had made from Ben Edwards. In fact, I posted this and, and tagged him, and he he liked my post, which was... Funny, because I said I was getting my Benj Edwards on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so what's cool about this, and I, I actually went through here and basically like cut wires and tried to make it work the way I wanted to before I realized how it worked. This USB, you know what? We're talking, uh, where is my button here? We're in the middle of talking tech, so I have to start the segment here. <laughs> talking tech. See, I had a thing for that this whole time. We've never used it. Right. Um, so there's two different types of arcade sticks or push buttons. Actually, it's probably more than that, but there's two major ones, and that's Sanwa mm-hmm. and Hap. H A P P. Yep. So the big difference, as far as wiring is concerned, they're both going to be basically a red and black into each push button. When you press a button, it connects the circuit. It registers. Simple. Right. Yep. But the uh, the stick itself, the Sanwa one has one ground, and then the four different directions. And so the harness is actually this pre- preset harness. You plug in there, and you plug it into the board here. Whereas the HAP individually has four basically just push buttons, one for up, down, left, and right, each with their own ground. Yeah. So I was sitting here, like, hatching, uh, hacking the wires and stripping them and making it work. And then I realized, oh, I can just plug the joystick in, the Sanwa joystick that it came with, yeah. and just add one of the buttons to the HAP up oh, section. Cool. Yeah. So... Um, this one is not switchable because of that, but up is either up or else I press the second button. Right. And I have jump, if you will. Because Commodore games, again, for anybody who hasn't heard me talk about this every single episode, <laughs> up is usually jump, and that's really hard to get used to. Yeah, a lot of the games, since there was only a one-button joystick, 
lot of games that have fire have push up to jump. Yeah. For listeners that don't know. So it's nice to map a button to to up so that you can jump with a button if for people that are used to like Nintendos or whatever that had two buttons. And every other game system that made sense. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um but that kind of led me down another rabbit hole. By the way, here is the difference between so the Amazon kit, these are the buttons here I'll show you. So when they're all put together, they feel fine. That you can feel that's kind of cheap. Um, if you yeah. have to replace the micro switch, you can't replace it. You have to replace the whole button. That's fine, but I mean, it's this is this is Head and Shoulders better than I think the one that's on the C sixty four Mini default Correct. controller. And then here's a real hat button. I don't have a real sandwell button, but that's a real hat button. Yeah, yeah. You, you can just hear the difference. Yeah, and this is pretty much what I built my arcade on. Yep. Yeah. And those have replaceable um, micro switches down here. Yep. Um, so when I what I went ahead and did for ten bucks, I was able to buy just a replacement board with the wiring harness and a USB. So this is actually the, the board looks a little different now. Now it's got a glop top, which oh, is interesting. A yeah, little piece of black garbage they put on top of the processor. So you can't. But all the inputs are still there. Yeah. Um, I wonder why they do that. Is that to prevent you from downloading the ROM or something? They probably just had a different manufacturer make them because they made them cheaper or okay. something. I mean, they're all coming in from probably lowest bidder in china but i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna get that kit because i want to make one too in fact i bought a second c64 mini controller because i thought about ripping it apart yeah i did too and then inputting like i have four i don't know if you knew this i have four of the competition pro c64 joysticks just the real ones all right four of them huh so i thought about just frankensteining one taking the guts out and put it in the shell of the actual c64 mini one but there's just not enough room. They are different. the The shells are different. Yeah, they're shaped different, and they. I kind of did a little like uh, kind of napkin measurements, you know, and they just don't. They don't comport. So gotcha. I'm not gonna. I, it's a failed. I bought one. and I was like, whatever. I was just gonna use it to learn, and it's just not gonna work. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna build a box like you did, probably. Gotcha. So I'm gonna buy that kit because I didn't see the kits with the actual buttons and joystick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one there. In fact. If you really want to, if you want it bang for a buck, I think for thirty bucks it doubles the kit, and you get like two joysticks and all the buttons and two boards. Like it's, but you, but I'm gonna really need four, five, six buttons, right? Yeah, but it comes with I think ten. Oh wow! So the double player comes with like twenty buttons and two joysticks and two boards and all the wiring. <laughs> well, then it's, I'm just gonna do that. It's so inexpensive. I mean, whatever. Um, so I did order one more extra. I just showed it to you, and the reason is my verticate I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, 10 years ago or no, it wasn't even that long ago, five years ago when I made that thing. Yeah. Um, the small board that was popular at the time, well, you and I both have one in, in ours in our, or one of our arcades is the iPack, yep. except I have the iPack mini and so do you. So do I, the mini, mini pack. pack. Yep. Um, which, uh, works very well and it's basically a keyboard emulator. It's a dream. Yeah. Yeah. It works really well. Uh, whereas these are straight joystick emulators. Right. Um, so I tried my Verticade with a unit called the Zinmo. It's X-I-N-M-O. It's a Chinese Zinmo. Um, and a lot of software has a hard try, hard time reading them. I'm not sure why, but my Pi has never been able to actually see it as player two. Oh. So I have player one's a Zinmo, and it sees that fine, but then the second player, it messes up, hmm. regardless of what I do. So I'm like, you know what? Rather than fight the software and try to argue with this thing for 10 bucks, I'm going to pop that in there and fix that. So my player two will finally work on my vertical arcade machine, which it's never worked. Yeah. So that's why I did that. I also went out 
after our discussion about uh, switch controllers with D-pads and picked up. You've already seen this, but there it is. My SF, yeah. SF30 from 8BitDo, which SF stands for Super Famicom. Yeah. So it's probably the same as the Super Nintendo, which is SN30, I'm guessing. I'm not sure what the 30 means. You know, I, I think it's just a model number. I, I don't know what it means, because you know I have the one that's the actual Super Nintendo colors. So you probably purple. have the SN30, because that'd be Super Nintendo 30. Right. And you're right. Two of my buttons are recessed and two are not. Kind of like the uh, mm-hmm. I think the original Super Nintendo, not Famicom, but Super Nintendo buttons. But yeah, these, these are awesome. Yep. And you, I, I imagine you read the manual where you can join it to multiple systems all at the same time, and they'll stay joined to all of them. Mm-hmm. So you can join it to your PC, then join it to your Nintendo Switch, and then join it to your Raspberry Pi, and it'll retain all the memory of all the, Very cool. the joining. And that so, actually works perfectly, because my PC would be um, what they call X input, which is like Xbox. Right. Makes it look like an Xbox controller to your PC right. or Xbox. Um, then they have the Switch, which is for the Switch. And then they have a D input, which I believe is Android. And Droid, yeah, and, yeah. I think so, yeah. And the last one is Mac OS, but sorry, I don't do Mac. One of my buddies was at our at our uh, party. He works for Apple, and he is diehard everything Apple. Right. Hi, Dustin. How are you doing? <laughs> um, he's he is a listener, um, but nothing wrong with this stuff. I just don't personally have it. Um, I do have iPhone. I rock the iPhone all day. So there you go. There's your shout out. Yep. But this thing is cool because it's got really nice dual analog, which I can use. The D-pad is just as good as all the Nintendo ones I've used in the past. Yep. It does actually rumble and vibrate. Yep. Which uh, Switch would use. It has a home button. I mean, it does everything. The only thing it doesn't do, which is allow me to play my vertical portable games with it being docked on it because I'd have to have this extra aside from that. But it meets most of my needs. I'm stoked about this thing. Yeah, the, the about forty bucks right now on Amazon. By the way, the one one killer app with that is that I joined it to my PlayStation Classic. Remember, I told you that. So you can buy the Bluetooth mm-hmm. receiver. It just looks like a little USB receiver, and that's by Eight Bit Doe as well. You plug it into your PlayStation Classic, and now you can use that as a wireless. And you've been using that? Yeah, it works great. It does it. No, it works great. I actually like the PlayStation mm-hmm. 1 controllers, so I use those regularly. But like I told you, I bought those for the other emulators that are in BleemSync. So, oh, okay, yeah. Because there's a Nintendo 64, gotcha. and then there's a bunch of other ones you can put in there, and that will work with it. So it's neat. Very cool. Let me jump to that really quick, because I've got mine up. So I don't <clears> think we <throat> talked about last time, but I finally got my PlayStation Classic. Yeah. It dropped to the thirty nine ninety nine price at Walmart, and I finally said, that's the price that I will buy PlayStation's um, beautifully created, but software garbage right. uh, emulation device. Yep. And I do love this thing. Uh, the first day I went ahead and looked online, you've got, you had BlameSync on yours. And I had one of the very old versions. So well, apparently that's different than this. <clears throat> okay. Um, I think they're both still out. I think they're two different groups working on them. Okay. But like two the, forks yeah, of the same project? Yeah. Something like that. So basically, the version I got when I went online, this actually was released fairly recently. Okay. It's called AutoBlame. And I don't... Apparently, it's much easier. I don't. I didn't do your version of it, so I don't know. Okay. But I literally popped in the SD card, dropped these files in, <clears throat> dropped the games in, and it works. That's everything. Do you know if it uses a different emulator? Because I actually I, really like the emulator that comes I with I think Blame it probably Sync. still uses... That's probably the Blame cast. Okay. That the, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so I've got uh, I've got my, my my memory card maxed out 
So it's um, I see that you have a lot games. of games in the carousel, and the beautiful thing is you have art for all of them. It just looks great. Yeah, so the art was preloaded with AutoBloom. I didn't yeah. have to add any art, just... Just finds it. And the way they do it on this one is the art, it's actually depicted as a kind of slightly askew 3D um, PlayStation case. You can see the spine and everything. Yeah. Um, but I got most of my favorite games on here. I'm sure I'll switch some in and out because, like I said, it is maxed out. Yeah. Uh, my buddy gave me a card to do his, or a, a USB. Yeah. And first of all, he gave me a big long one, which I, was, I wish I told him ahead of time. You can get the little tiny ones which that is you the can one barely I, yeah. see. It's the like, like you and me have that, yeah. Yeah. And I have a 32 gig. He gave me a big one that was like, I think it was, uh, was it only 64 gig? Whatever it was, it didn't naturally have FAT32 file format. Right. And you have to have FAT32 to do this. Right. So if you have a 32 meg, meg uh, memory card, then it's going to be FAT32 capable for the most part. Okay. His went bigger and it went 3.0 and it basically it would not work. Yeah. It did not work with this, unfortunately. Um I like how I left it right here so you were looking at Duke Nukem Land of the Babes. <laughs> that game is all the Duke Nukem games are so over the top. I love it. But yeah, got Descent on there we talked about. So really I haven't played too much on here yet, except I wanted to try Crash Bandicoot thinking that I would um be like, okay, that's how it plays. Now I now I understand what it is. Yeah. Okay, it's a little archaic at this point. That's what I keep hearing. But I, I fell in love with it and started I played like halfway through now. It's fun. It's a fun game. It's nothing to write <laughs> really home fun. about, but it's fun. That's solid, and I love his, he has attitude, and I love I love the love. I was like laughing out loud at like midnight the other night because there was this all of a sudden again. I've never seen it. <clears throat> There's a level where he's sitting there, and he sees a pig, and he looks back at you and like raises his eyebrows at you like I'm about to do something shifty. Yeah, and he jumps on the pig and just says, "Ride the hog." Yeah, and you're guiding a pig around. I actually like Crash Bandicoot, and the you know I told you that Crash Team Racing was uh, really surprised to me that it was so good, like that the kart racing. Yeah, that's Crash. Oh, I've heard it's great too. Yeah, it's a great, it's great. In fact, I think they're redoing it. Maybe I don't know. I think I heard they're redoing it. But I put it on my classic, and I that's one of the games I've played the most. Yeah, there's a couple games on here you gotta have to try. Have you tried In the Hunt? I have not. It's a uh, X Irem guys. Oh, so basically it's it looks it's imagine kind of an r-type playing game except the the ground is half it's like half the screen is water and you're a sub so you only go in half the screen but things are coming from the sky so you can shoot up but there's also things in the water you can shoot at yeah but the graphics are over the top because it's also the illustrator is a metal slug so it's like just over the top super cartoony tons of frames of animation over the top um and then also harmful park is this japanese shmup that's really cool it's kind of like Parodius, it's way over the top as well i should have put that on mine because i i have played that one before i i burned it to a disc and played it on my modded playstation uh, that's you're right harmful parks one of the real killer reasons to have a playstation uh one or a playstation classic yeah it's an expensive fantastic. game you're not gonna i mean no you're not you gonna buy a lot it. of money i burned it, it but... and i know i after i burned it, i played it for probably three weeks straight just yeah it was a game yeah yeah this was a couple of years ago but so i'm just gonna leave uh into the hunt playing in the background here so you can <clears throat> marvel at it right on but i am loving my 40 dollar hacked playstation classic that so, is the point here that is the point <laughs> we're probably the only podcast in the world that advocates the I, I think playstation once the pr price went down i think a lot of people are loving it okay because I, I love it i love its this hackability and listen if it wasn't hackable i probably would not oh yeah i would be like yeah this is no good but uh, you know i 
Oh, that looks cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now we're now we're at the uh, the demo screen here, so Eric's checking it out here. But that almost has like a, a metal slug kind of look to it. That's what the, the animators from Metal Slug. That's what I'm saying. They, oh, okay. they did this. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, and I mean everything is, even the cans that are floating in the water, the bombs are like wiggling on the way down. They don't have to, but they did. Yeah. Everything's animated, multiple frames. So. Yeah, it looks super good. Slick. Um. We're just going to keep going down the list, and it started with all my stuff, so it is what it is. Sorry. Um, I just want to mention Packrat. Um, there'll be a link in our notes here, which Eric puts up. Yeah. Uh, Packrat uh, makes homebrew games, and I think I might have mentioned them before, but I want to mention them again because we'll have the link available. Okay. But they make a lot of Vectrix games. They make some other games as well, but okay. you can buy Vectrix games like I had there in the shell with the art. And they basically sell the games at cost. They don't make anything off it. So they even ask you when you're buying, they say, please do not put these on eBay. Don't try to sell them for more. We're doing this as a hobby. And so I've respected that, but people are there are some people that have them on eBay and they go for a lot of money because people don't know where to get them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> you can get like a loose cart for like 12 bucks. I think I got mine with the case for like 20 um, it is a strange phenomenon that th- there'll be a r- official website where you can buy something for, let's say, forty dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Official, no, you know, no joke, forty bucks in stock, and then you go on eBay, and, and the, the same thing will be like forty-five yep. or fifty or seventy. And people or are whatever. buying it because they don't know where to get it. Yeah, that's so weird. Or something. I, I mean, yeah, that is, that's bizarre. Yep. Um, switch updates. Yeah. Uh, for my birthday, I asked for and received uh, SNK 40th anniversary, yeah, which wa- I've been wanting. I do. I want that as well. Um, I played through a few of the games, and they are pretty older and archaic. But again, the treatment is just so well done. With yeah, and you get the arcade version and the NES version, right? And then they came out with all these new games you get for free, just because they felt like doing an update, which is just really cool fan service. Like, yeah. hey, you already have this game? Here's some more games. Yeah, not DLC. I mean, it's DLC, <laughs> but it's not paid DLC. It's thanks for buying the product. Here's a bunch more games. Yeah, I heard um, I like Ikari Warriors is just feels at home with the with the Joy Cons, the double stick. Yeah, I haven't and, played much of that one yet. I haven't played it. I don't um, think I've played any of it. I've heard really great things about it, and like you say, the presentation, the history, the how well they do, the descriptions, and it's good stuff. Yeah, um, but it is funny because I think I mentioned this further down, but I actually somehow I was online looking at, looking at stuff, and I saw that someone was doing an unboxing. Mm-hmm. For a Switch game, I think it was SNK 40th, but it doesn't matter which one it is. They did an unboxing, and so I watched somebody, yeah, <laughs> open the shrink wrap, open the game, and pull the one little card out. I mean, that was the game. That's it. Yeah. So I'm like, what are you unboxing? <laughs> Let's see what's in here. Here's the game. All right. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a kick out of that. I grabbed Dead Cells because you loved it so much. <clears throat> I did. I still, Did, you still I still do. I still claim that it's like the best game I've played on the Switch so far. Yeah, I love it. So I do really enjoy it. I played it a lot at first, um, and I've kind of burnt myself out on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't hold it in quite as high as high of a regard as you do. Yeah. But um, I do enjoy it, and I'm still. I think it's. Still, I'm still trying to come to terms with these procedurally generated. Um, it, the, it's hard for me to understand because you're getting your leveling up and you're getting all this new stuff but as you do that the enemies are getting harder yeah so i'm like i'm still playing the same areas kind of i mean they're all randomly generated and that's what i found uh, as kind of a the mystery of dead cells was that they're not they are 
they're kind of not procedurally generated. They're, they're, they, I mean, they have a formula, and you can kind of feel the formula. You can feel the formula, but they do say, you know, and even, I don't know if you saw the little animation in the beginning, but one of the little people is like, there's something vaguely familiar about this world. And, like, it, it changes, but it's almost like a very familiar change. The story, the story kind of fits what the programming yeah. does, yeah. It's not random, procedurally generated world at all. It's it, the meat and bones of the world is the same, but little rooms will appear at it that weren't there before, like onesie twosie here and there. Little tunnels will appear here and there, but it's not not totally you know what I mean. It's not yeah. that's what I found actually pretty nifty about the game. But I really like the gameplay. I like the abilities. Yeah. Um I usually end up doing a lot of the purple. I go kind of lean yeah. towards the purple, the long range stuff. Yep. That's where I lean towards and that you can also do shields and you can do like upfront weapons yeah and i never got real good with the shields i always picked the picked the projectile weapons versus shields seemed like a learning curve that i just didn't want to go for and there's some parrying and stuff with the shields that make it more interesting but i never i just like art i like being an archer type sometimes you know what i mean my guess is that the people who are really good at the game choose the shield every time i bet that's the easiest way to like not get hit yeah and parrying is a pretty powerful uh kind of uh attack a defensive attack i guess you would say yeah, great game. So I saw on yeah. some social media service yep. that you got this device that um, I've been wanting for my Saturn for a long, long time. Yeah. But you got one for your Dreamcast. Yeah, and the Saturn is called, the Saturn one's called the Rhea. But this one yes, is... Yes, and it's like, well, it's like 350 because it's yeah. not in production anymore and people are charging tons for it. Yep. So I went and got, and I actually bought a whole new Dreamcast that I knew the optical drive was broken. I pulled out the optical drive and I installed the GDEMU, and that is the place that it replaces the optical drive completely, and it it's a pretty simple install. But I didn't want to mess with my original Dreamcast, so like I bought one actually for it. But I I, I didn't know if you had ever seen one, but feel like the weight it's a lot lighter than lighter. a normal Dreamcast. And if you open it, so to explain really quick, when you say the optical drive, we're talking about the laser, the, the laser right. that reads the discs. Correct. And so I'm going to open this here. And where I expect to see the laser, there's a huge cavernous gap. Yep. And I look down in there, and there is some sort of circuit board, clearly with a micro SD card plugged into it. Actually, yep. it looks it looks like a full-size SD card, but you've got a micro plugged into an adapter. Right. And then there's a little button here, which I'm assuming takes you back to the menu? It does, yeah. So, yeah, you've got um, all the games on that little thing bigger no bigger than your pinky yeah and the, the mod was ridiculously easy you literally just pull out the old drive which is just connected by a ribbon cable you literally unscrew it pull it out pop that in that has plastic legs so it sits at the right height plugs in what what took me longer was actually building that sd card it that has every ntsc dreamcast release on it every single one so the good news is i can totally pilfer all your yep. work when I get one of these and just copy your card. That's right. <laughs> and then I threw a couple of the Japanese like versions of some ones like Ikaruga and stuff like that because I just yeah. wanted the wanted them and um I I'm still going. I still like I I'm I know I want to put Pro- Propeller Arena. I don't know if you've heard of that game, but it was one of the never released Dreamcast games. Okay, cool. Nine eleven came and they just said, Boom, nope, we're not having mm. a game with airplanes crashing into buildings. Oh, and okay. uh but it's unreleased and I'm That's meaning- pretty on the nose with why you wouldn't do that, yeah. Right. <laughs> the, and then the sad thing is it's a fantastic game. It's probably one of my favorites on the Dreamcast. Really? It was never released. I'll have to give that a shot. Yep. But the good thing is you still have your regular Dreamcast. Yep, for playing discs. there's plenty of good games that are still for sale. I'm looking at Ghost yeah. Blade, 
which is a vertical shmup. Yeah. It actually came out for the Neo Geo, but now they put it, uh, well, they put it, it's been out for years now, but yeah. on the Dreamcast, and you can get that. I think it's for 40 bucks. Sometimes it goes on sale for 20 um, yep. at PlayAsia. And we've already talked before about, um, uh, what's the other game that I love so much? Shmups. I love shmups. The Dreamcast is great for shmups. It is. It's got some really good ones. Um, actually, I have another one up there. I don't know if you see it. D-O-X. Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a couple other. I have a couple of Japanese games and stuff, too. Some shmups up there, but cool. This... Yeah, I'm going to have to get one of those. And I think those are like 75 80 bucks, something like that now. Those G-D-E-M-U. Now that they're being cloned, and the clones are just as good as the original ones. They are. I mean, yeah, I'm I... iffy on that. So I'm going to make sure I find out where you got yours, because okay. I don't want to take a, sh- a chance on that. Mine so. works perfectly. So, okay. But... You know, the, what, the impetus to actually do this project finally, as well as the one I'm going to talk about coming up on the PS2, is I really got feel, feel like I got burned by Red Dead Redemption 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3, because we, we talked about that last episode where the cutscenes were just too long on them, and I mm-hmm. felt like I totally lost 120 bucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a serious, like, probably six-month vacation from buying Xbox games, and I'm, I never really dove into that generation, the PS2, Dreamcast, Saturn. Is that Generation 4, I think they call it, or is yeah. that 5, 4? And I, I was in it because I had the PlayStation 2, but I never actually jumped in full throttle and, and played all the games. I probably had two Dreamcast and PlayStation 2? <laughs> Retro Police! That's right. Actually, I think I do consider those... Uh... Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, but... Uh, as long as the gameplay is retro inspired, I'm okay with it. But yeah, but I am. Uh, I from that thing that happened to me, I'm making the declaration. It happened to you. Yep. It didn't happen to you. You didn't like the game, so yeah. I did not like the game. <laughs> but that's a lot of money to spend on two games. I just probably will never come back to. Yeah. Um. I. I'm gonna like just dig deep into the Dreamcast and PS2. So you'll see me. I'm gonna be playing a lot of games in the next coming month. So I'll probably be talking a lot about them on the next episode of Perfect. Pixel Gaiden. Pixel Gaiden on the next episode. We need to make a sound Gaiden. with our show title. So you mentioned the PS2. Yeah. What'd you do there? Oh, so I'll just jump into that one. Um, so I, I ne- So my PS2. So I, I got a game, Dragon's Quest Eight. I wanted to pl- jump into Dragon's Quest. So I bought the original game, and here it is. Speaking of like uh, uh, unboxing, this is a great one because it has a ton of stuff inside. Oh yeah, it feels weighty. It's weighty. Yeah, it's got some feelies in it. So that is Dragon's Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. Two discs. Well, one's a demo of fa- Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, but you're it's right. original. It was that's what actually came with it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play. I've never played a Dragon's Quest game, and I heard this was the one to jump into. And look at that manual; it's a beauty. Yeah, you can actually read it and enjoy it and take it in and yep. still got the registration card in the back. You can uh, get the um, the Dragon's Quest slime controller. That's right. Do you not see that? Yeah, I did see it. <laughs> that looks terrible. I mean, it looks cool. I get it. But it does not look comfortable. I wonder how many of these exist. I bet this thing probably is a hot dollar. I bet it is. So anyway, I I... I was playing that game and loving it, and then the laser went out on my PS2 Slim. Really? As you were playing this? Yeah, as I was playing it. Gosh. And it, it, it died slowly. Like, it 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 just would take forever to seek. And my there's nothing wrong with that disc. It looks great. Yeah. So I knew the disc it was going out, and it's my fault. I played a lot of burned CDs, and that's never good for it. So I um, decided I'm going to get a PS2 Fat, because I've been wanting one, just the old school Fat. 
and I found one on Goodwill for didn't work. It says didn't work, fifteen bucks. Comes with the network adapter, which has the um, disc controller built into it, and I got it. And the reason it didn't work is there was a disc stuck in it, and so like <laughs> I literally used a little paper clip, edged it out, kind of forced it, so it kind of whatever disc was in there, which was ATV road racing or something. Okay. It it which by the way after I pulled it out, I mean it looked like it was some you know six-year-old had it because it was just destroyed anyway okay so no loss there but um so i was like okay if that's it i cleaned it up i cleaned the laser the lens off it works beautifully that's awesome so my next move yes and so my next move was i actually um wanted to put a hard drive in it so i did my research and i found a guy that would give sell a 250 meg 250 gig what am i talking about 250 gig ide drive and nowadays you can get sata controllers but i 250 gig is fine for me and uh he 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 just has this huge collection of of isos so you don't have to go hunting for them online yeah just well with my playstation yeah to get this thing full up i had to find about 50 isos and yeah it took me about three or four days of downloading stuff yeah and this guy was being selected I, i didn't you know go on a torrent site and just download the whole Right. I was being selective and careful yep. and virus checking everyone. You don't yep. know what's out there. So I I I paid I think sixty nine ninety nine or seventy bucks for this and he I made him a spreadsheet of seventy games and two days later it's on my doorstep. Wow. And I popped it in, it works like a you have to have the Mick Boot uh memory card which i'm i think i made you one. I don't know if you tested it yet. No, I want I want you to explain what that is entirely. I know it it's a memory card you pop into your PlayStation 2, but I don't yep. know what exactly it does. So so the memory card is made. There was a game, I think it was called Agents on Fire. And when you put that game in your PlayStation 2, there is a certain thing you can do when you plug a USB thumb drive in that it takes advantage of the exploit on that game hmm. to give you access to the memory card to drop whatever executable files you want on there. And so you can drop like... McBoot is basically a toolkit of different of different things that you can do on a hacked ps2 a soft modded one so once you put the mcboot memory so when you take out the mcboot memory card your playstation is back to normal yeah this is back to the playstation classic yeah and then you plug it in and suddenly it's soft modded and it gives you a menu of all these things you can do and you can add and subtract applications the mcboot applications on there so like Right now, I have one called Open PS2 Loader, which will load stuff off the hard drive, like ISOs right off the hard drive. There's another one called HD Loader, which allows you to actually rip a real PlayStation 2, 2 disc to the hard drive. Oh, interesting. Um, there is a one called ESR, which lets you play burned discs. So, okay. you know, if you just have a ripped game that you download the ISO and burn it to a disc, you can play it on your PS2 with the McBoot. That's um, the only way I'd burn a disc. I'm sorry. That's the only way I would burn a disc. Yeah. To you know, take the game I own and of course and burn a copy for backup. Absolutely, and just play your backup so your original yeah. doesn't get scratched up. Exactly. Absolutely. So I just destroy my PlayStation rather than the disc. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so that's that's that. So my PS2 project is pretty much done now. I have about 70 games on the hard drive, um, but I can still play my Dragon's Quest, which you saw the original game. Um, see, that's the way games, I miss games like that. You have the disc in there, you have a giant manual, you have uh, maybe a map or two in there, and that's it. 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I might join you on both of those things, but my goodness, my money is going quick this month. Yeah. So many things I want, and I get to more of them later, but you've got a cool little device there in your hand. Was that the next thing on? That is the next thing, and you already picked it up. So. Oh, so yeah, I'll hand this over to you. So this is the, the BitBoy version 2. Version 2 is key here. I'm going to start pulling out another beer because... Getting thirsty? I'm getting thirsty. Are we going to drink one of yours now? Sure. Let's do that. Are you feeling uh, stouty or gozy? Uh, let's do gozy. So BitBoy. Yeah, so the BitBoy version 2 fixes a bunch of the problems that the original one ha perceived or had or was perceived to have. Um, mainly the save, there, this one has save states. This one will play NES games, well, Game Boy quick, games. For those the uninitiated, yeah. I, this is my first time seeing it. It's actually smaller than I thought it'd be. It was smaller than I thought and lighter. I mean, so that it's thing, a little mini. I mean, it looks like a Game Boy. Yeah, it's much smaller than a Game Boy, but the screen is probably a, almost the size of a Game Boy screen. Yeah. I, However, it's in beautiful, brilliant color. There's also four buttons on the face, and no shoulder buttons. So, but you still get start and select your D-pad and four buttons. And as I scroll through here, when you're you're introduced with three screens, one for apparently NES, Game Boy, and Game Boy Color. Yep. And on mine, I haven't put any Nintendo games on there because I just want it for Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Gotcha. Oh, really? Okay. I'll probably throw a NES game on there every once in a while, but like I'm not... Pixel? Like a pixel. Like Ninja Gaiden? I threw Ninja Gaiden on there, actually, because I wanted to play it, and it, i got to admit, it got a little choppy at times. Oh, really? Okay. So, it, it's not a, it's definitely not a perfect device, but so far on Game Boy Color and Game Boy Games, it's been perfect. The screen looks great. Yeah, the screen is great, and I've been playing uh, Pokemon Silver on that, just because that was going to be the test game. I was going to try to play that game all the way through, mm -hmm. and to test the save games, because one criticism is that the save games would crash every once in a while. Like you go to do a save game state and it would crash. I've put in about seven hours on Pokemon Silver and I haven't had a single save state problem. It's really? Save states perfectly. One downside people say is a downside is that you can't save, you can't save in-game like using the in-game save. Oh, there it is. You can't save in-game, but it doesn't matter. You can just use the save game states. Gotcha. So that is thirty nine ninety nine, um, and and so far it's been awesome. I've played, like I said, I've played about seven hours in Pokemon Silver, and it's been in, in, incredible. Oh, it comes with a cable to hook right to your TV as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and the, the TV looks great. So I'm playing Rayman on the Game Boy Color right now. How's it feel? Um, it seems responsive enough. The buttons have a lot of travel. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would agree it's not perfect, but for 40 bucks, now that I'm playing it, because I've been, I've been considering getting this as well. Yeah. Um, if I didn't already have my other solutions, I'd probably run out and grab this. Yeah. Um, the screen looks great. The, the speaker is pretty bad, but it's tiny, so you'd probably want headphones, which you can do. Yep. Um... And I love the fact that it's very small. I mean, this is more than pocket size, less than pocket size, but the screen's plenty big. Yeah. The D-pad's full size. The buttons are a little small. Um, but since I already have my Game Boy Color with the EverDrive, right, and a full Game Boy with the EverDrive, yep. 
I think I might just pass on this. The yeah. only thing it would add is the ability to pay NES games in a small form factor like this. Yep. But I don't know if that's enough for me to pay 40 bucks. Right. And I don't have a Game Boy Color or original Game Boy at the moment. I don't even so that's have a great, one. If I didn't, I would get this. Yeah. And so, and with the save states, like that's I said, cool. I love I, the form factor though. I'm a sucker for save states. So, um, no, I don't know what that does. I've tried to open it and I was worried I was going to break it. Yeah. So it clearly comes off there. I'm look, we're looking at the, where the battery normally be in a, I wonder in a Game what, Boy. I wonder what is in there. If you break it, you bought it. I know. I'm not going to break it. I really want to find <laughs> out. Though. It must be a coin cell battery or something. I wonder if it's a, like a replaceable battery. Like, like the, cause this, yeah, a little coin cell, like this a, is rechargeable. So you, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't put batteries in it. It's rechargeable. So I'm wondering, oh, and by the way, you know, I told you I've been playing Pokemon Silver and various other games. I haven't recharged it yet. And it's still showing, you know, all the bars. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's good on battery. All right. So let's do this beer. Ooh. Let's do beer. This isn't a, ba- a can here. Yep. This is Anderson Valley. This was provided by Cody. Beer provided by Cody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anderson Valley Cherry we- Ghost? Goss? Goza. Goza? I think is right. what we uh, decided right. it is. Goza. Thanks to Nick, and fellow listener and friend. And we've had a Goza before. We did. I love Gozas. I love sours. Sour beers. All right. Let's give this a shot. Um, this one is a cherry, which normally I wouldn't go for. Cherry. I get another frosted mug. Yep. I can put the other your other one back in. We can mm. refrost that one. Sure. This episode is clearly going to be a three beer. You can put that back in for me. There we go. Great. All right, let's uh, cheers this up and cheers it up. I'm gonna let you go first. Take a sip, and while you are doing that, I want you to make a mental note of what the answer is on that beer. It's good. It's refreshing. It's definitely sour. It is sour, and I I don't mind the sour in sours. But I have had some that are horrible. Really? So my neighbor bought, brought home some once and wanted to share it with us, and we were drinking it, and I couldn't finish mine. I had to pour it down the sink. Uh, I hated it. Bummer. I was like, oh, this is horrible. But this is good. Uh, well, this is every, uh, pretty there's good. been one sour I didn't care for, but I've had like 13 or 14 now, and I've loved most all of them. Um, I also just want to mention that when I was playing the the PlayStation Classic, yeah, I made the mistake of turning on Tony Hawk Two, yeah, and I couldn't stop. I did the same exact <laughs> thing. It, it definitely looked older than I remember. Yeah, you and I but it's still so good. I think you and I talked briefly about Tony Hawk when I first got my PlayStation because I think I told you, yeah, I'm going to play that game a lot. Yeah, and uh, that one wasn't one of the included games, right? It no, was. To- no. It was. I added it. But did they include the first Tony Hawk? I think they did the first one, I think you're, the first I think one's no. nothing like the other ones. No, the music on, on 2 is perfect. The The levels are perfect. I love the one where you go into the where the plane is there and you're jumping the plane. Yep, you know? and you grind a certain rail and it opens another yep. area. and yeah. crashes the glass in there. And, Very cool. And the, and the helicopter takes off when you grind on the rotors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome game. I love finding secret takes, yep. tapes. See, that's what make, made this game so good, though. The skateboarding is really good. Yep. But there's so many different goals. Yep. And it becomes a campaign, and it becomes RPG, because you're leveling up your character and adding more abilities. Like, it fits yep. all of my niches in an action skateboarding game. And and, and here's, here's one caveat to that game. Yes, there's time limits, right? Mm-hmm. But you can also free skate. So yep. 
they give you a solution. They're like, hey, if you don't that day, if you don't feel like doing the time limits, just jump into free skate and practice your yep. your, your practice, your... learn all the spots, figure it, figure it out, then go into the time thing and try to hit the goals in time. See, yeah, that's what Jet Grind Radio misses. They're like, mm -hmm. well, you that every time you play, you're going to play with a time limit, and that, that's just no fun to me. So yep. anyway, yeah, I love I love Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater Two. So it's funny how you and I kind of share the same wavelength sometimes. And you and yeah. I both actually went out and picked up a bunch of C64 titles, new stuff. We did, yeah. Um, I picked up Aches and Pains, which yep. I've been wanting for a while. And I haven't had a chance to play that one yet, but yeah. So I played this one through to completion. Oh, sweet. Um, it's the, the successor to Night and Grail. Yeah, which I did play through. Okay. So this is a Metroid-style game. Yep. Absolutely. And the graphics are just great. I mean, they're they're not over the top amazing but they're just really solid they look really good yeah and whereas you're a knight the first time now you're this um excuse me sorceress i guess or like this wizard yeah um but basically yeah there's the, none of the enemies are terribly difficult um but there are some big bosses that are really cool and are memorable um but you're going to different parts of this world trying to collect different things, unlock different things. Sometimes it's literally hitting switches, and then you have to go back, so it becomes kind of puzzly in that mechanic. Um, there's, but there's screens all over the place. Um, the cool thing about it is you start with uh, like this red fire-type attack, and you collect these gems. And the gems are, uh, when they hit your inventory, they're controlled by the F1 and F3 button on your Commodore. Okay. So that... Um, if you collect two red gems, your red becomes twice as powerful. However, you can hit F1 if you have a blue gem, for example, and switch your first shot, your first slot to a blue gem. Okay. Your second gem is still red. And there's eventually you get red, blue, and green, and you'll want to use those for different purposes. The blue one kind of shoots this, uh, at this like 45-degree angle up, so sometimes you need that for certain areas or bosses. The green one is kind of serpentine. It creates this like wavy... Metroid-y, doing this thing with my fingers. Yeah, sine wave. Um, and you need certain things for certain gates. Um, such a cool game. I mean, just running around, jumping, shooting things. Um, and I think the reason a lot of people had some issues with this is Night and Grail was a one-load game. Yes. One-dish game. Yes, it was. So I finally, and you helped me with this, figured out how to do a dual-load game <laughs> yeah, that was with a my night. SD to IEC. Um, <clears throat> that was quite a night. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> I was like losing my mind, and uh, you I think you called me at one we, point. We, we you were, were like, texting. You were going to bed, and you're like, I just thought of what it might be. And we were texting back and forth, and I got so tired of typing on my with my fingers. I was like, I'm just gonna call him, and then we figured it out. And ultimately, what it came down to was I was doing all the right stuff. It's not difficult to use this SD2 IAC for multi loads. No, you just create a file, which I did. In that file, you have to call it auto list or auto 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 uh, it's, something. It doesn't matter. You Auto make a list file. Dot list or something like that. that. Yeah. And so I follow the directions from the website and from the manual yep. perfectly. And you put the two different disk names in that file. That's all you have to do. Simple. But because I don't have a background in the Commodore, this is what I didn't understand, is I would pop it in like I do any other game. I'd go using my the launcher that comes with the SD, S2IEC, SD, uh, can't, SD2IEC. Yep. And I'd find that folder... I'd open the game, I'd play it, and try to load the second <clears throat> disc, and it wouldn't work. Right. And there's two buttons on the SDT, SD2IEC. One is um, one's really important. It's the disc swap button, which will go to the next disc on that list. And so I was hitting it, and it wasn't doing anything. Right. The other disc is like, go back to the main menu. It's something I've never actually used. 
Um, I think the new one actually has three buttons, but I have the two button version. Yeah. So what you taught me, and with this I didn't know, is well, of course the Commodore doesn't have a file structure. That's the software that comes with the SD SD two IAC. So I can use that to go to the game I want, open the the Commodore dot D sixty four file. This is talking tech. I should hit the button again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I wasn't doing is once I get to that file, I need to back out of the launcher and actually basically clear type new, yeah. clear the Commodore's memory while I'm in that vicinity on the disk drive and load the game manually from there because that's the only way auto the auto list file is going to recognize that I opened the first item on the list. Yeah, the key thing is every time you hit that button, it loads a game on that list, right? So you weren't hitting the button to load the first disc because that's not intuitive. You just want to load the disc normally, mm-hmm. then hit the button to go to disc two, right? It doesn't work that way. You have to hit that button to load disc one, then load it, then mm-hmm. play. Then when it says go to two, you hit the button and it will go to disc two. So I actually printed out a step-by-step yeah. thing so I don't forget that. Because that's one of those things, if I don't practice it, I'm going to forget it. Right. So I printed that out. I'm keeping that. And the f- Sound and like the- my mom. <laughs> I will keep a list on how to do it. She has little lists all over the place. Like, ooh, I need to learn how to save a file. Let me go to my list. Yeah, that night. my making her sound worse, worse than she is. but My head literally hit the pillow, and I thought, I know what's wrong. Epiphany. And then I got up, like, and that's oh, what that's I called right. you. Cody's an idiot. <laughs> no, because I forgot, too. I don't use my SD2IC much anymore um because of the ultimate 1541 too but it's neither here nor there but um but it it came to me because i did use that thing for years as my solo my only disc drive so yeah i mean it is solid yep so i love that game um you picked up a game which i also did end up playing here that uh yeah let's let's, i want you to pronounce it okay i'm gonna try la bay de moors (laughs) <laughs> what do you think it is i love that i have control over these sounds and you have no control <laughs> over these sounds well my guess is uh the first word, i mean you might be right it does start with an l but it's, i'm guessing that's i mean to a point abbey right that's it's about an abbey right yeah so it might be la bay uh and just more i'm saying that's of death right like muerto which is spanish for death but morts it yeah, sounds but- like it's abbey of death that could it's be the English but, translation. But I mean, I what, how do you pronounce it? I don't as, know. I think you're, you're probably right. You're probably La right. Bay des Morts. <laughs> sure. We'll cash that in. I'll buy that for a dollar. Anyway, that's a fun game. I That's one of the few games of the last couple months I've actually beat. Um, you go around. It's a platformer. It's kind of got some ZX Spectrum vibe going on, like the graphics. It it does, but they're actually really good. They're, they're very good. No color clash. It's like ZX Spectrum loading screen. Yeah, but moving. <laughs> it, it, it is what I would think the ZX Spectrum next is going to clean up. Like yeah. the ZX, you know yeah, what I mean? It's, a it's almost ZX like a cleaned Spectrum up next game. There yeah. you go. Uh, but it's a platformer. You could jump around. You are. It's a flick screen. I think that's what they call it, right? Where we play one screen at a time. One screen at a time. Jump to the next screen. Um, you're you're trying to collect crosses, and I think you collect twelve of them. If 12. I remember right, it's a really cool story though because it's yeah. actually based in history. I think uh, it, to it a is. point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think the devils came out and things were attacked, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, there. this monk is escaping persecution, and so these guys. It, it starts out with this really cool cinematic scene, which is not flick screen. 
The, no, it's not. The first, it's, the it's first scrolling, scene yeah. is scrolling, which is interesting. Those monks are chasing the dude. He's being, you. well, you're the monk. Oh, you're, you're the being monk. chased by crusaders, crusaders or something. That's right. That's right. And you just have to jump over a couple pits. Yep. You hide in this castle or this, um, not castle, what do you, uh, anyways. Cathedral or? Cathedral. Abbey. Abbey. There, <laughs> there you we go. go. That, yeah, since the name <laughs> of the. You mean the Abbey? Yeah. Um, so (laughs) I need to get you a second board so you can join me on this stuff. Um, but no, it is pretty cool. It's, um, it's definitely a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be, but, and that's what surprised me as well. But it it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's easy. No, because actually I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and try to figure this out. And I played for a good hour the other night and I think it got to seven crosses. Okay. But it's definitely a game that once you figure out that screen. Yep. Then you can go back and do that screen a lot easier. Yes, because so I pl- I'll eventually get there. I think I don't know how much time I spent on it, but I did. I, I I definitely would play it and then and then die. I didn't use save states or anything like that. I used my my ultimate sixty four, so there were no save states or anything like that. Okay, so you okay. I um so I I would play it. I would fail. I'd get to like five crosses or six crosses. So you used authentic ish hardware. Authentic ish is exactly. <laughs> um, and I just kept going and going and going. Finally, I got to... I mean, I don't want to give away the... Oh, well, I just, now I know. No. Anyway, I won't give away the... Oh. Spoiler alert. Because I beat the game, and it has a great ending. Uh, it's, it's kind of a twist ending. Yeah, I want to play yeah. it. Wanna, oh, man, you're busting, out some, you're busting out a, a chompy or a ch- crunchy. Uh, no, this is a cr- I'm going to eat the crunchy here. I'm excited about the crunchy, so feel free to join me. Okay, I'm going to open the chomp. This yeah, the is chomp. from... Uh, Not the chumbly wumbly or whatever. <laughs> Curly whirly. <laughs> this is from Tim, a.k.a. Pat. Tim. <laughs> uh, I'm going to forget it next time, too, and it's going to get even worse, but... I will let oh, you forget. Oh, Tim, sanction. Tim. Tim, sanction, sanction, Tim. Thank you. So you got to say it three times. You're going to take a bite now? I'm going to go... You go for it. Just, I'm going to go with the chomp. keep going here. I also went ahead and... Uh, this is a game I was actually... At first, I didn't really want to play. Hmm. To be honest with you, okay. Um, Hibernate one. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because it's the cool thing about this community is every time I mention one of these games, the the designer of the game contacts me back. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, and you know he he again. I hate to sound like a broken broken record. He sent me one of the first. Um, yeah, because Eric knows everybody test. in the scene, and I Eric's do. just in it, and I'm not. And it is no, but it is. I, I got to beta test it, and I hadn't played a text adventure since literally like back in my childhood days of the Vic Twenty. So it was so, fun. So I have n- I've loaded up like Zork and a couple other ones before sometime mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Just to see what they are. Basically, my main thing, let's be honest, I was a kid. I loaded them up, typed in all the cuss words, laughed at what they said, and turned them off. Right. right. Um, so Text Adventure, uh, I think we have some young listeners here, is literally a game where you turn it on, there's a paragraph of writing, and you can type in words to say what you want to do. It's usually, they call it parsing words or parsers. Yeah. But you've got, you know, you can usually pick an action and then a verb or action and a noun, and you try to do that thing. So if you're in a room, it says there's an exit to the east and the south where you can press south or type south or type S, you'll go south. Uh, You're in this room and there's a candle. Get a candle. You get a candle. But most of the time, you'll do something like grab candle, and it's like, I don't know what that means. Um, Pick up candle. I don't know what that means. Get candle. You got a candle. So you have to kind of fight with the verbiage sometimes, depending on how it was uh, programmed. Side note, don't eat the chomp when you're on the air. <laughs> Are you like a dog with peanut butter stuck on the yeah, top of your mouth? It's very chewy. It's very good, <laughs> but very chewy. So It doesn't sound like you would chomp it. It sounds like it's more of a uh, 
nosh or a nyan. It's chewy, and it, so not not good podcasting <laughs> material. Well, good thing is I'm blowing on my own wind over here right now. Anyways, I wanted to play. I had this romantic um, vision in my head, and of course, I'm using the romantic in the right sense of the word, not <clears> just the love stuff, but romantic. Like I had this romantic idea of me. Um, and I actually did this. I moved my Commodore monitor and my Commodore into my bedroom uh, and uh, put it on a little desk nice. I, I set up in there. Yeah. And that was the only thing in the room. So my wife was asleep and I was able to sit there at my Commodore and I made tea because oh, yeah, of I'm course. on the Commodore playing a, a game. I'm sure the guy was British that made it. I think he's German. Is but, he German? Okay. I think so. Almost all the stuff is from the UK. I don't know why, but um, you guys are doing great stuff over there. Um, so... I wanted to play through this text adventure and get lost in it and have the lights off and just be me and a cup of tea, like yeah. trying to fight my way through. It's my like first... a choose your own adventure. It's and I've fun. never played all the way through a text adventure. I've never played uh-huh. a tenth of the way through a text yeah. adventure. So I tried to do it and it was really good. It's very space oriented. You're basically mm-hmm. a, um, a woman named Olivia on the spaceship. She wakes up. Um, she was supposed to make it to her destination, but she didn't. Yep. And uh, the story is, uh, I mean, there's not, oh, let's be honest, there's not a whole lot of story. But um, not a whole lot of four story, but correct. Yeah, yeah. But as you play through it, you it's full of atmosphere. <clears throat> I mean, it it's is. all text. There's no sound or anything. It's full of atmosphere, and um, it's just cool going through here and trying to piece things together. That being said, I I'm sure it's a great text adventure. I really did enjoy it, but I had to cheat. A t- or no, I say cheat. I had to look up solutions all the time because there's even though he that the author actually wrote me and said he made it to make it kind of um lots of hints and lots of um, correct he yeah. used lots of uh what's the word i'm looking for riddles if you will to kind of give you hints at things right but there's just some things i would never think to do and right it, it, you really got to try everything and that is so because i was beta testing it i had to contact him a lot and i had to basically reach out to the community to ask hey what am i doing wrong here i don't know he may have used some of that feedback to actually add those kind of hints into the game but um, I had fun with it. Um, text adventures really aren't my cup of tea anymore, but as a kid, they were. Well, I really love the vibe and the uh-huh. atmosphere and reading the story. So I'm going to go back and try to find some. I'm, I think there's a, um, a website he actually led me to. Okay. It says if you get stuck, go to, I want to say it's CASA. Yep. Which is, I don't know what it stands for, but basically it's a repository for everybody's, all the text games, what they are, images, okay. maps, if you want them. Yeah. So that's another part I loved about it. I had grid paper. That's and I did too. And I've never done this as a kid. I had grid okay. paper, so I was drawing physical representations yeah. of the rooms, you know, showing where the exits were, naming the rooms, what's in them, so that I could look at my paper and. And I think I tweeted way back in the day because he told me that I could tweet like some screen, not screenshots, but of you know, just tweet about it. And I had my grid. I probably still have my map somewhere. I was making a grid map. I had a blast with it. I, I did. I had a lot of fun with it, and I got to the end. So I, I. I like I said, it takes a lot of time. Time I probably don't have anymore, so it'd be tough. He's coming out with Hibernated too. I might give it a shot. I want to play some more, but what I honestly, for for me and what I want at this point, yeah. If anybody can uh, send us some suggestions. I basically, I guess I want one that's not challenging. I want one that I can sit down, yeah. and a lot of the solutions are pretty straightforward. Yeah. And because I want to play through the game like a choose your own adventure, like okay. I want to, I want to go through a story, sit there. Maybe every once in a while, I think, hmm, that's not going to work. So how would I do? Oh, get this, do that. So when I first got my Vic Twenty, um, you know that uh, there weren't a lot of games for the Vic Twenty that mm-hmm. you could just walk down the street and buy. Um, 
but there's a guy named Scott Adams who made a ton of text adventures on the Vic 20 voodoo castle adventure land. Um, and they are, they're simple because obviously Vic 20 unlimited resources. They are literally verb noun, get lamp. Get, yeah. You know, I mean, there's no, well, there's hardly room on the screen for a whole lot of text. So I'm sure the rooms are like, you're in a room. You can go this way or this way. Yeah. Go North. Right? You're you know? in a room. There is this in the room. Yeah. So, those are good ones if you're starting out with text adventures, kind of get your feet wet. They're not easy, though. The ones in the VIC-20, I can't even remember back if I ever beat one of those games. Well, that CASA website apparently <laughs> does have a list of the games and community kind of reviews, and they'll say, like, how hard the game is. Okay. So I'm going to go and find some easy ones that are highly rated, and I just want to burn through them and enjoy them like a story. Yeah. That's what I really want to do. Right on. But I did like the game. Yeah. And I'm sure that people are getting these games. I, everyone gave it high reviews. I really enjoyed the atmosphere of the story. Some of the things just, I mean, it was fun to succeed at some of the puzzles. Yep. I enjoyed it Um, very much. One quick example of what, like, something that got frustrated is I picked up a flashlight at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So this is going to give away a little something, but not much. I picked up a flashlight at the beginning of the game, looked at my inventory, it says flashlight off. So first thing I do is say, okay, turn on flashlight. It says, okay, turned it on. Cool. So I went through the whole game with a flashlight on. There's one part in the game where... You're looking at a monitor and it's black. Yeah. And it's saying whatever that room is, is dark. So I'm like, ooh, I need to find the dark room and light it and light it up. Couldn't find it. Everywhere I went, I couldn't find it. I had to look up the answer. And I'm assuming because I had the flashlight on the whole time, it never told me that room was dark. <laughs> so I could never figure out what room was supposed to be dark. Right. That I was supposed to leave the flashlight in so I could go see it on the monitor. Yeah. So, anyways. Um... On PlayStation Network, if you're PlayStation Plus, you could down uh, last month you could have downloaded Rogue Legacy, mm. which is cool because it's made uh, the other Rogue game that I've been playing. Um, I think, can't remember its called, but it's a 2D. Uh, it's almost like Time Pilot, but Rogue, uh, but Rogue, a Rogue like Time Pilot. Is that the one I recommended thing. to you? No, it's just a game okay. that showed, showed up. Okay. Um, I played a little of it. It didn't quite work as well as I wanted to because I do love Time Pilot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to get used to this procedurally generated stuff. Um, it's interesting. It's worth the free download, of course. I think normally it's 10 bucks. On my Vita, Yeah. I, uh, I finally got around to playing Iconoclast. Tell me about that because... Awesome game. Okay, so um, what is that What is that company that uh, prints out the Switch games? Um, or There's a bunch of them now. It's gotten really which popular. Which one's the... The big one, the one that limited li- run, limited is, run. Is yeah. the biggest one. They, they, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had Iconoclast where you can get it on the Switch on a cartridge. Yeah. So I, I don't I, know anything about the game. If you enjoy Metroid, uh, Metroid style games, okay, Metroid style games, you'll like this. It's very, um, hmm. I don't know. It's good. Is it a you, good? Okay. Yeah, it's really good. You're, uh, you're in this like future world where the government's controlling everything, including what you do. And you're basically this person who wants to just help people out by fixing their how, your mechanic. Yeah. And you're trying to fix their houses and things. Everything is gear-driven. I mean, it's really unrealistic. Like, I'm going to fix your house because I have a big wrench. I'm going to crank the <laughs> screw outside your house. It fixes their house. Right. Uh, but basically, you're under attack from these people who know you're not doing the job you're supposed to be doing. And But it ultimately comes down to being a, you're going to go to this area you, have, you can't get out of the area until you clear this thing, and then you get a new ability, which allows you to go to another area. I mean, it's that it's that okay. Metroid style. It's really good. Nice. Um, I'm gonna try Crunchy. Yeah, go. Yeah, don't do the chomp. Save the mm. chomp for after the show. Oh, I love it. Is it good? Yeah. Do you ever 
it's chocolate covered honeycomb. Oh, nice. I don't know if you like this stuff, but I, I do. love this stuff. Yep. I do like it. The chomp was fantastic, but Is it good? Yeah, but you you'll have to take a little break. Just not conducive <laughs> from talking. To. Um we don't really need to talk about this much. I've been playing a ton of Gunbird, which my, I love. My goal is to beat that one. And that's on the Switch, right? Yeah, I'm playing it on my imported from Play Asia Thickio Collection One, yep. which has four games. We talked about it last time. And that one takes the flip grip, so you can yep. orient it right. I would love to be able to play it with a D pad, but I'm doing it with the joystick, the Joy-Con. Okay. Um, and you, there's one character I'm using that I can get to the last boss every time, but I have not quite beat the last bo- boss yet. So my goal is to win that game. Um, I purchased there's kind of a bummer because i purchased this on super sale yeah. on steam yeah uh, i picked up undertale and i see that th- that's a i see the cartridge at like gamestop all the time but i don't know anything about it so this game has been extremely highly regarded it gets like 10 out of 10s really um is, and if you look at screenshots you just look at the thing like my goodness that's hideous yeah um and i had to figure out what the fuss is all about so I did buy a copy, and it was on Super Sale for like 3 bucks. I bought it on Steam, nice. and then it went on sale on Switch for like 10 I'm like, I'm buying it again because I want to play it on the Switch. And I've got about four hours into it. I don't get it yet, Eric. Uh, I don't get that's it. That's a bummer. I think it's another one of these things where... Um, there, I mean, there are some cool elements to it, but I think it's one of these things where it's really story-driven. Okay. And, obvi- I mean, it's obviously not graphics-driven because they're terrible. That's And that's the charm of it. It's the charm. Yeah, it's very, very almost sub-8-bit graphics. I've seen the graphics on it. Very blocky. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of these stories that's so all over the place. You're in this, like, monster kingdom thing, and you don't know if people are your friends or your enemies, and uh, they're saying all kinds of bizarre things. There's lines that are funny, but I don't feel like I'm involved in the story. It's all over the place. And I'm sure there's some metaphor there. Uh, we've talked about before, like sometimes it, games seem to be getting really high ratings because they have these really deep metaphors, usually right. about de- like depression or yeah. mental illness or something, which no problem with that, but that's not why I enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing about the game is, you know how when you play a shmup, you're, a lot of times the, the manic ones, you're dodging bullets all the time? Definitely, yeah. So the battles on this thing are a mixture between turn-based J- JRPG battles yeah. and shmup avoidance mm. levels. So you'll choose to attack somebody or use a special ability, and you'll basically have almost like a golf meter where you try to hit it right in the center. The closer to the center, the more damage you do to them. Yeah. And then they get to attack you. When they attack you, a little box comes up, your little uh, heart, and they've got projectiles and things flying at you, and you're trying to make your heart dodge those projectiles for a certain amount of time. And then you get to attack again. Oh. So that part's actually really cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. But I honestly don't know if I'll, after four hours, I don't know if I'm going to go back. I I don't it, I don't get it. Yeah. And apparently the author, he's a one man, he did it all himself. It's his first game ever. Oh. And it blew up and the guy's made, I'm sure, a ton of money off of it. Yeah. He just released his sequel and I think he's, uh, he's taken a long time to do it. And I think rightly so. I think a lot of people are like, lightning in a bottle once. I doubt this guy is able to create that got it again. again yeah it's gonna sound it's gonna look um repetitive it's gonna look like you're trying to i don't know yeah so we'll see how that one goes this next one i'm very excited about okay let me uh without looking ahead don't look at my don't look at my stuff there i'm don't, not don't get too excited here i'm not i'm gonna show you something <clears throat> okay i bought this let me guess what this is hold on Ah, the Turbo Graphics. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's cartridge port. Oh, nice! Look at that. 
You can plug that back in there for me. Yeah. So during our our game night, Eric brought over his uh, what's it called Turbo, Turbo Booster, Booster, which is a device that goes on the back of the Turbo Graphics. The Turbo Graphics 16, of course, is a that's nice eight slash 16 bit system. <clears throat> yeah. Here's the box. Hyperkin. And I re- I read that you can do the mod, but I didn't want to permanently change my... That's why I went yeah. seeking the Turbo Booster. So the TurboGrafx-16 video game system. Um, typically, nice. you have to run power in the side, and then out of the box, it has this weird like dust cover that covers this big old port on the back. And then you can run RF out the side, um, which is like an antenna... You know, channel three, channel four, kind of, kind of thing, and the and the graphic quality is terrible. It's RF on RF, yeah. And that's my only way I've been able to do this thing. You brought over the Turbo Booster, which is clearly a, just a ploy by Turbo Graphics when they came out with this thing that extort more money out of you, <laughs> right? Because they put could have put those things right in the system. They could have because they had the pins in the cartridge port. Exactly. <clears throat> so they made this Turbo Booster device. You put on the back. The cool thing about that is it gives you your you know your video and your two audio outs. Yeah. It does also give you power. So you only have one your your device. Your power goes straight into that That's right. device only. That's right. So this device I just bought was only twenty bucks, which is cool because I've been looking forever. Which is good because a turbo booster nowadays goes for blood money. Exactly, turbo yeah. boosters. I was trying to find one, and yeah. they're all like one ten, one twenty. <clears throat> it's crazy. And I was getting close to buying one because I don't play this thing very much because it looks terrible, and I usually only can play it on my tiny little screen. Yeah. Um, I looked at mods, and they were. You know, someone's like, this one, I have my own personal one I can sell you at 65 bucks. It looks kind of janky, but it's yeah. cheaper than the Turbo Booster. Mm-hmm. So Hyperkin, and the links will be in the show notes, came out with the AV adapter for TurboGrafx-16. That's beautiful. It's The box is nice, of course. That's all, all their packaging looks great. They have that little edge that's kind of 90-degree um, angles on the packaging, which just looks cool. Yeah. Um, not To be honest, all, not all their product is, is great. Um, no, they have some kind of... Fisher Price kind of stuff. Yeah. But otherwise, but but that's a need that people needed because the Turbo Booster was hard to find and and the mod, while not difficult, permanently changes your Turbo Graphics. So yep, that's beautiful. I, I think it's a great idea, and uh, I will say that the composite out with the Turbo Booster, which is the same thing as that that thing. Oh, I'm sure. Bought. It's yeah. the same exact thing. Um, I'm I'm always been impressed with the composite output on the Turbo Graphics. I mean, I, I think it looks amazing. The I colors. ordered this yesterday. Yeah, and I got it. No, I ordered it two days ago. Got it yesterday. Okay. Plugged it in and like end up playing for like an hour. And even on my little 13 inch screen, I'm like, this looks flipping amazing. Yeah, I mean, when you play your Nintendo or your like Genesis, the graphics look fine. They look good. But I was always impressed with the composite output on the Turbo Graphics. It looks yeah. amazing. I mean, it, it's just beautiful. And I don't know. You're right. I, it's just silly they didn't include it with it. It's just silly. Well, it's yeah, the way to charge more. Yeah. It's got, that's the only reason they would have done it. Yeah. The uh, two things that are negatives, if, if you want to call that, far as the, this is 20 bucks. This thing's totally worth getting. In fact, if you yeah. own a Turbo Graphics, you have to buy this. Absolutely. Um, the old cover the desk cover doesn't fit on here with this plugged in yeah which... it fits in nice and tight so honestly I, I put it in once unplugged it just so i could kind of do the surprise reveal for you just now yeah i'm not taking this thing out again no that's now permanently there I, so the I, desk cover is never going back on here if i could tell you the truth i don't even know where my desk cover is because yeah. i got the turbo booster and it fits on there it's like i don't even know where my desk cover well, it's is funny you say that so <laughs> our, my buddy nick who came over and played yeah. during our, our my game night 
He uh, he was one of those weird kids. He never had a Nintendo. He grew up with the Turbo. That was his yeah, system. I, I knew no one with one. Yeah, and he never knew there was a dust cover. He's like, that was a thing. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> when we were talking that game night. He's like, oh, I know, I we never had that. Yeah, that came with it. Um, <laughs> so that's the one downside. The other downside, if you want to call it that, is unlike the Turbo Booster, the power, which even though it's powers in those pins, you can it's there somewhere. Yeah. Um, this doesn't address the power, so you still have to put the power through the side in a separate slot. Oh, that's, um, that, and that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, no. but it doesn't. This plugged in, kind of ugly. The last thing that I'm very curious about. Guess it's not that big of a deal. Why is it bright neon ass green? Yeah, they couldn't just make it black. <laughs> so this thing is neon green. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So the Turbo Graphics, which is known for being black with its uh, orange and yellow logo, now has a neon green booger sticking out the back. But. I love it for 20 bucks. It's I functional. was so stoked. And this just came out. Yeah. I mean, I two weeks ago, this wasn't available, I don't believe, and I would have ended up paying yeah. 120 bucks for a booster, potentially. I still need to get a turbo tap so we can play five-player games. That's right, five-player, because five turbo player. graphics is five-player. Yep. So that's that. I'm excited about that one. Excellent. No, that's great. I didn't know that was available. What a find. Well, that's like I said, that's the best part. I was looking for a solution, looking for that. I knew there was no other solution, so I was just trying to get a deal, and I saw that. I'm like, yep. We didn't talk about this last month, but two months ago, I wanted to remember this, I finished Mummy Demastered. You, and you told me you finished it, and you said it was a great oh, I game. Did. I did, okay. Yeah. So we'll pass that then. I didn't think we had brought it up, but it was <clears throat> it's a, a Metroid-style game. And, and was, that was, on, was super you, good. You played on PS4. Yes. Okay. PlayStation 4. Right on. Um, okay. It is also available on Steam and Switch and other things, too. Okay. Um, we're going to get to news later. We'll get to the Nintendo Direct. Okay. Uh, but you and I both played Tetris 99. Yeah, and I, I'm i horrible at it, and, and it's because of something you told me that I'm doing wrong. I didn't know you could select who you send the, the bad juju to like when you're playing the game. <laughs> juju. <laughs> right? I had no idea. So everybody was probably sending me bad juju because I was probably floundering about. So I've never, I don't think I've ever gotten above 90 on <laughs> my rankings on Tetris 99. That's, pre- that's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie, Eric. Yeah. So, well, I've got to admit, I've only played it three times. Um, I think I've played 15 games. Okay. And I probably averaged 50 to 70, somewhere in there, but I've gotten to 20. Okay. That's but, really good. Um, but the time I got to 20 is when I didn't know how the game worked. After I learned how the game worked, I got worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're playing Tetris. There's 98 other people playing the same time as you. Yeah. It's their take on a battle royale game to compete with like your... Fortnites. Fortnites and what's the other one? Apex Legends or whatever. Or I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get to choose that when you complete your lines where the garbage goes. So you can... I think automatically you pick whoever's attacking you, whoever's... Is that, is that what, how it works? I think automatically that's where it goes. Okay. But, um, I, yeah, you have to go online. There's no tutorial. You have to go online and figure, learn what the rules are. Uh, you can send it to the person with, like, um, the most badges, because as you do damage to other people and knock them out of the game, your power goes up. Hmm. So when I'm usually about to get some a big Tetris or something, a bunch of things, I'll look around the map and see who's got their... their um, screen almost full and try to dump stuff on them because if you're involved in knocking them out you get a badge which increases your power i got you so you're really so you just get more powerful 
But then you also have more badges, which other people can pick those with the most badges, and you can change it throughout the game. That's like the what I call the wound, wounded antelope theory. Yeah. Like, you ever play games on the school year or whatever, whoever's the slowest or the, the wounded antelope oh, yeah, yeah. Like, is always the easy target. Yeah, that's right. When you're running from a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be running faster, faster than, than somebody else. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it definitely becomes this... Uh, I think I won when I had no idea what I was doing because I was just... Just playing. Mediocre enough to yeah. avoid everybody's attention. Yeah. The first time I ever played Fortnite, I've only played it a couple times before I decided I don't like it. Um, I knew the game was all about being the last one to win. Yeah. And so when they drop you from the plane at the beginning of the game, they just drop people. You're in a map. You're going over on a plane. Everyone can jump out whenever you want. Mm-hmm. I waited until like I almost the plane was almost like past the entire island and then jumped out because no one else was there. And I like hid in buildings. And then the uh, the uh, this little area like the storm. shrinks the storm that's right it's the storm. shrinks yeah and so I was just hiding the whole time and I got third the first time I ever played the game yeah literally shot no one yeah um, I think one person shot at me I ran away and they got shot by somebody else so I survived just through attrition yeah I played Fortnite a couple a few times and I think I came in fifth once probably the, a similar way. Yeah, just similar way, yeah. and uh, like I, I told you, my, that was my son's big game for a long time. He doesn't play it much anymore, but he's 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 sunk hundreds of dollars in that game. It was really depressing when he Ugh. stopped playing. I was just like, really, you spent like every allowance buying some stupid costume in this game, and yeah, that's way different than you that, buying that, you know, Kingdom Hearts three and playing four hours and being done with it. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> like father like son. But he uh, he is super good at Fortnite, though. I'd, I'd sit down like in his room and watch him play for hours, and he would come in first or second almost every single game. Really? Yeah, he's wow. very, he was really good. And I told him he should jump into a tournament or something sometime. And he, he, he loves esports. He watches tournaments. Um, in his school, he's like known as the best Fortnite player. And, oh, really? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I know that guy's dad. Yeah. <laughs> Super proud. Is this one right. yours, right? This one what? Is this one yours, the Micro Kids? The Micro Kids. This is what I was going to show you. Since, oh, really? uh You brought in the board game, and uh, I brought in something different. This is a book that was rented, recommended to me on Twitter called The Micro Kids. An 80s adventure with ZX, ZX, Spectrum, ZX. Commodore 64, and more. Yeah. Gary Plowman. Yep. So I guess it is a fictional book, but it is based on like stories of his growing up in the 80s with microcomputers and things going on in his life in the 80s. So if you ever want to know what life was in the 80s for kids, it's yeah. supposed to be. That's cool. And it, the, all the images in here are screenshots of different old yeah. systems. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to reading that. There, You know, uh, and they're big pictures, little words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was so, a there was a guy on Twitter called uh, Rob O'Hara, and he oh had, I know Flack yeah Flack yep he um, I know of him he he came out with a book that was like based on uh, his nostalgia in the BBS stuff like B- the BBS scene mm. and uh, it was a really good book so I'm having so hoping this kind of has that kind of nostalgic vibe um, but his book was really he had a great podcast called the Sprite Castle yep. And, uh, he's I remember still... you heard me one time when I won one of his uh, yeah. Name the Tune right, or whatever. That's right. He has a bunch of other ones like uh, You Don't Know Flack and stuff like that. But I loved his Sprite Castle podcast. Yeah, I did. that's one I listened to. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, I'm looking forward to reading that. Have you heard of the Tick 80? Nope. The Tick 80 is a new quote unquote fantasy computer. It's basically like the Pico 8. In fact, if you go on their website, um, it, it's even laid out a very similar way with similar fonts and everything. Oh, okay. So it looks like a Pico, Pico 8 thing. You can buy the play games for free online instead of being, um, uh, uh, were they picture files? What were they? You mean they on were, the Pico 8? Yeah. They were little cartridges. Um, yeah, but they were picture files, right? Is the PIT or PIC or something? I don't, yeah, I I don't remember. remember. Anyways, this one does something similar. They use text files. Okay. So it's the same thing. Um, but I was looking at it. Uh, it looks like it's definitely in its infancy compared to the Pico 8. Yeah. Uh, but very similar. I don't know if they're trying to compete or just make a new landscape with a new fantasy computer. The um, But is it a device? No, it's another software-based fantasy computer. Okay. So um, for those who don't know about the Pico 8, it's basically a fake... Um, <laughs> we never quite quantified this, but it's basically a fake... An emulator for a system that doesn't exist is how I like to describe it. Yeah. Um, so it creates some software limitations, but it also gives you, if you buy the package, you can also program straight with the tools they give you. Yeah. It's and, really uh, a framework for making s simple little 8-bit games. And so people are getting really creative with the limitations of the thing, and they're doing amazing things. Yeah. I just saw on Pico 8, someone had, I saw someone mentioned that they were going to make a joke about, all right, let's see Doom. And then they realized, no, someone's already making Doom on Pico 8. <laughs> um, that would be something to see. But this Tick Compute uh, Tick eighty looks like it has a higher pixel density, so oh, you okay. probably get a little more freedom with the games. Okay. So, but people are already coming up with all kinds of cool, crazy stuff with it. Oh, cool! There's a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, I'll mention this really quick. Uh, another one of those game companies that's making physical games is Strictly Limited Games. Oh, okay. And uh, they had a release of R Type Dimensions EX for the Switch, and I was there right when it was time to buy it. They are out of the UK. Okay. Unlike limited run games, um, or Play Asia, which is out of um, uh, Hong Kong, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I went to buy this game. It was going to be like thirty-two pounds or something like that. Okay. And so I went in there. I got it in my shopping cart, and then it was. And then they added ten pounds for shipping because it's US, and I ended up being like sixty-five bucks. I'm like, I can't do that. Nope. So you said, no, pull no. out. Gosh darn it. But it looked so cool because I do want to get R-Type Dimensions EX on the Switch, which is the first two R-Type games and kind of like uh, the Monster Boy games. You can switch back and forth between modern graphics and the original graphics. Yeah. And sound on the fly. Is it a digital download, though? Yes. Okay. They do have So if you want to play it, you could. You yeah. just wanted the, the cartridge. And again, I think the digital is 20 bucks. So if the physical is going to be 35 or maybe even 40 yeah, is worth it to me. And they had some really cool added like posters and things, feelies in there. Yeah. But not 65 No. Um, just like you, we find ourselves in GameStops regularly and going, why are we in here? Yeah. Uh, I did that recently. And the only thing I left with was a new copy of Just Dance. Uh, my girls. For the who, girls, yeah. They love those games. Yeah. And, we, and honestly, I... I'm trying to get myself to do it with them because it's a good exercise. I always end up sweating. Yeah. By the time we do like five songs, I'm sweating. Yeah. Um, so I need to do that more with them. But while I was in there, I'm like, well, I'm already buying the game. All right, how much is the membership? And the main reason I like the membership is because of Game Informer. There's one right there. Yeah. The magazine you get. Yep. And I, I still get that. And what I love about Game Informer now, though, is for the most part, I can skip most of the articles and stuff. They just talk about like 
the politics involved with different manufacturers and layoffs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which I'll touch on a little bit here in a little bit. But um, what I'm really starting to like is they're like coming up in review section. There's a lot of uh, retro inspired games that they list in here. Yeah. And they give them great reviews. They they treat them right. Um, there was rumor that GameStop was supposed to get a lot more into retro than they are. Well, um, online you can buy retro games off of them. Yeah, but and, I, and I've done that. I've bought. Uh, oh, have I've, you bought really? I've purchased some GameCube games in the last few years. Um, not too far back, but uh, I've seen I've seen some things. You know. <laughs> yeah. Is game is GameCube not? A lot of people consider that on the border, but no, it's and it's retro. It's retro to me. It's retro. Again, to me, it depends on the type of game. So yeah, Luigi's Mansion is a great game on there. Well, it's, and I've been looking for that one for for a couple of years now, and I, I can't find it for inexpensively. Speaking of which, Game Informer right here, Luigi's Mansion Three for the Switch coming yeah, out. It's coming up. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, there's some there's some good stuff actually coming up. I'm pretty excited about and. Uh, Luckily, most of it's either on the PlayStation 4 or the Switch. So now that the Vita is dead, it's a great system you never owned. I feel bad for the Vita. It's a great system. Yeah, I've, I've seen the sentiment on uh, Twitter is similar to yours. Like, what a great system. Sorry, I wish it wasn't dead. But it's looks like uh, Sony's doing everything it can to kill it. Yep. But getting back into it real quick. <laughs> My Commodore, <laughs> yeah, a few days ago, crapped out on me. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I already told you that uh, Tim Sanction helped me out, and you helped me out try to figure it out. Yeah. So I borrowed your dead test cart. Yep. Which is cool, because if your Commodore doesn't even power up, it's supposed to help it flash. Yep. You count the flashes. Mine wouldn't even flash. Okay. Which limited it down to like four things. It could have been the PLA. It could have been the VIC chip. It could have been, excuse me, it could have been um, a couple different things. Um, I always assume anytime something goes wrong, I need to recap it. Yeah, which I usually is usually start good there. anyways. Yeah, I usually start there because that's uh, pretty easy to do. And uh, which is funny because Tim actually had different advice. He's like, "Don't do that unless you have to." He said, "No offense, I don't know your soldering skills or anything, but either way, unless you have to." But I've fixed so many things with caps. Yeah. So um, I'll actually give a shout out here to console five. Yeah, I've gotten I How got you... a I got my uh, my ColecoVision recap kit because I had a ColecoVision that gave me the fits for a year trying to fix it. Yeah, but I, one of the first things I did was got um, a ColecoVision recap kit from them. So I got myself a Commodore sixty four cap kit A yep. and a cap kit C. <clears throat> So my good Commodore that works and or always has worked and you helped me put together years ago is a C, which is a, the newer, kind of newer bread bin. Yeah. Still a bread bin, which is the, the boxy brown one that people know. Yep. But my other one is an A. Now, the other one always is powered on and worked well, but colors, uh, the text is off. So um, I ran the, I didn't, the dead test car I didn't need for that one because it was powering up and everything. So you also let me borrow your what is the other device called? It's then? a di just a diagnostic cartridge with the, all the harnesses. So he's got harnesses that plug into every port and it yep. tests everything. It tests everything. Um, if you if your Commodore 64 displays a screen, then you should use that one. If it doesn't, you use the dead test. 
So I'm going to need to get both of those regardless. Yeah. So the dead test, I know the future is 8-bit. I'll have one of those, so I'm probably going to grab that. Yeah. I don't know where to get that yet. They said they have that coming, the uh, the full harness version Yeah. coming, but um, I'll have to figure out where to get that. But I ran that on my good one, and it found no errors except for the SID chip. Okay. I don't think the SID chip would change the text. I could be wrong. Hmm. I might swap the SID chip just to try it. You should, because I, I don't know. It could be pulling too much power do you know what i mean it could be doing something weird so i'll try that first yeah but i've got caps just in case my other one it will power it wouldn't power off on at all but it would have a really dim led which told me there was a power issue yeah and And that could be a cap if i jiggle the power i found out eventually if i jiggle the power and get it just the right angle it'll turn on now okay and then i ran the carton and said everything's fine once i got it powered up it's like everything's fine but if I unplug it and plug it back in, it won't turn on again. I have to jiggle it and work it around. Well, that could be a so bad. Is either a bad switch or a, could be a bad cap. switch or the even the DIN connector could be could be having a little short in there or something. I mean, if you wiggle the cable and it will work. I wonder if there's a short in the 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 socket, the DIN socket. Yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. So, anyways, I've got a cap kit. I'm hoping that fixes one or both of the problems or all of them because I actually do just love capping things, anyways. Yeah. And these things are big and chunky. Um, getting my solder gun isn't difficult. Now, this is funny. I don't know when you ordered from them. They gave me three things. I only ordered two, Eric. I got my Commodore kit. Yep. A. Yep. C. And a fireball candy. Yeah, I got... I, <laughs> I still have my fireball from them. You yeah. kept it? Yeah. <laughs> gave me one fireball candy, which I yep. thought was hilarious. But um, I don't have an opinion on them yet, except they gave me a fireball, so that's nice. But I'll try the caps. They look solid. Yeah, my ColecoVision did have a bad cap, so I mean... it. It's, you know... I believe it. That's ColecoVision. I mean, you have to have a good power supply. Those fail regularly. Those fail... Yeah. It is um, very hard to get a power supply that actually was decent. Yeah. Um, Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to skip that one. This is... uh, To me, this is news because on my pinball machines, I've been working on soldering and doing all kinds of board work and stuff. Yeah. And I'd never bought a desolderer. I got the soldering gun that has a hole in the middle and it has a, a bulb. You literally depress yeah. it. So you melt the solder, let go of the bulb, and it sucks in as much air as the bulb can hold. Yep. And that's, that's how I've been that's doing That's the old school one, yeah. Yeah, and those are like 20 bucks. Yep. From there, the next step up has always been a full soldering gun, which is has a vacuum attached with a little pump. That's the, that's I have one of those. And, for example, Heiko, I think, makes one that's really popular, and they're like 350 bucks and up. Heiko makes a great one, but it's really expensive. I bought the clone. <laughs> so, and I've been going on Amazon and, and other websites trying to find things in the meantime, mm-hmm. up until about a year ago, then I stopped looking, because I just, I, I'm like, whatever, I'm not going to spend 350 on one. And the best one I found, there's one for like 175 but it was an off-name brand, and it just showed up one day, you know, made in China or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, for 175 it's not worth the risk. I don't know. My, but I, now, yeah, you let me know that you picked one up. Yeah, about the S-993A, if it's a company like A-Y-O-U-Y-E. Yeah, and it's a, it's a Chinese knockoff of the hack, of the Heiko. It's worked beautifully for me. Did you see that tweet where I took those CIA chips off my C64 board Mm-mm. and I sent them to a guy on Twitter because he needed two of the CIA chips? Okay. Um, each Commodore 64 has two CIA chips. So I desoldered one off an old motherboard in the garage. It took me about five minutes, ten minutes or less. Yeah. Just make short work out of desoldering stuff. Yeah. And these were 40-pin chips. 
And so, so how much was how much does that thing run? That I think I bought mine for one twenty nine. Yeah, See, that's amazing. Something like that. And it, so at that price, I'll get one. It works great. It works great. I'll have to save up. Man, yeah. I'm not just going to go willy-nilly, but I'm, I'm going to get one eventually. Yep. That's... I have a rework station, too, if you ever need to borrow it. It's like the gun that's like almost like a super heat gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can use it to kind of go whole areas on PCBs to melt all the solder, and you can just yeah. pull, pull things up. Gotcha. Cool. Um, You got another uh, physical thing to show off right there. Yeah. So I got... um. Did you ever play Katamari Damacy? We on talked the PS2? about it a little bit. That was the one I was telling you about that I've heard. It's a great game, but they just did like a straight port with no changes at all from the original. It's it it, it is they upgraded the graphics. They did. Yeah, HD. They added okay. some cutscenes, which again I don't really care about, but they <laughs> they are they're cute. Um, and they they added a couple other little things, but not much. It's basically just an HD rework of it. Mm-hmm. But I got I I had the original one on PS2 back in the day, like when I had my PS2 way back, and I loved the game, and it's just not one I've thought about much lately. But I just kind of got the bug to get back into it. it have you ever played Katamari Damacy? Only games? a little bit, but I've always wanted to get one. I thought about getting this, to be honest with you. Well, it was either this or get one for my PS2. Mm-hmm. I could slap it on the hard drive or whatever. But I was enticed by. The the soundtracks on these are amazing, and they're going to sound better on the Switch than on the original PS2. Um, and I, I I just think it's it's a fun game, so I decided just to kind of spend the money and buy Very it. Cool. I've got I think we talked about it last time. I got a PSP one. Okay. Yeah, um, there's a like, bunch of sequels. Like, I think it's we love Katamari is the one we, I got. We love Katamari. There's a Katamari Forever. There's... I don't know if you remember me telling you or mentioning it, but. You met him now, Dustin. We met him at the game night. Yeah. He was the one that wrote in. He's a Nintendo fanatic. Yeah. And he got that game. He wrote to us after listening and said, you have to get the game. It's amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like I've been playing a ton of it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I only... So, but by the way, this is the thing I told you I got today. So, mm. I haven't played, but I, I beat... The, I uh, beat... I just completed the first two worlds, the first two levels. And I, man, the, I just I don't remember much about it from way back. So yeah. it's kind of a new game to me, and I'm just glad it's in HD and it it is truly Japanese. Yeah, no, I love, that's what I love. It is truly Japanese. The music, uh, it's very J-pop kind of music. So I have to admit, I didn't want to bring this up because it's kind of embarrassing, but it is what it is. When I picked up a big game of games from Play Asia, yeah. there's one in there called Galgun. Have you heard of this? No. So it's again, it's a truly Japanese game, and it's not. There's like no nudity or anything like that. But it's like it's it's, it's it was on super sale, so I had to pick it up just because I'm so curious. But yeah. it's literally a first person shooter where you're fighting off women who are attracted to you. <laughs> and I just had to like I have, I have you, to give it a shot. Now it's that you so say over that, the top. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, and I think, and I think they get. It. I actually have not even tried it yet, but they. I mean, for whatever reason, Japanese are obsessed with their like. You know, yeah, I don't even want to say some of the stuff, but yeah. it's, it's not, I guess it is pervy. It's not nudity right. or anything over the top. I just have to try it and be like, this is ridiculous and laugh my head off. But <laughs> um, most likely I'll sell it because I don't want it hanging around. But um, this is a fun fact I learned about. We, we've been talking about Mr. Driller a bunch. Yeah, we have. I learned that Mr. Driller is officially, according to Namco, Dig Dug's son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew. I, I actually knew. Oh, really? That. You I probably mentioned it last show, and I didn't hear it or something. But <laughs> no, I actually. Like, huh. I was listening to a podcast a while ago, and they went into the whole 
I guess mythos, the whole mythology, the canon, of, the, yeah, 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 the whole canon of uh, Dig Dug, and there are tons of like uh, family tree. It got of, weird of Dig Dug, and it, it got does weird. Yeah. So yeah, um, this came to my attention today. Actually, listening to another podcast, mm-hmm. we had talked previously, and we were talking about. I was telling you how you know I don't like the Japanese or the Japanese the uh, Sega Genesis controller. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that, and you love it. I love it. Yeah, I don't like it. And we mentioned how they came up with the six button one, and like that thing is terrible. And you're like, oh, I thought it's pretty good. Like the Saturn one, the or six button Genesis controller. Six, yeah, it's a lot like the. So you say that, and I was like, no, not at all. They're really hard to use and whatever. Okay, maybe I'm mis- misremembering. No, you you probably remembered correct. I was completely unaware. Okay. So I was listening to a podcast, and they were like, the Model 1 six-button controller. I'm like, Model 1? You mean there's different models? This is the one I have. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> that's the six-button I'm aware of. Okay, yeah, and that's not the one I was talking about at all. So this thing is tiny. Yeah. It has tiny little buttons. Yep. It's really difficult to use, and it came with this. The official, I don't know if you've seen one of these, Model 3 Sega Genesis. I have seen one of these, but not locally. So I've that seen is, them online. That is the pared down. I have the whole box and everything, because I saw that at a yard sale like Man, 15 this, years ago. This is totally like the price-reduced budget version. There's like That yep. button doesn't even feel good. No, everything on there is, and in, instead of a power light, it's just that neon tape underneath. Yep, the orange. So that when you push up, it looks like it's bright, and that means, hey, I'm on. Yep. Um, this won't play some Genesis games. Really? I didn't know that. It's like the heart, like anything <clears throat> extra beyond what's normal won't play on here. Um, wow. You only got, yeah, you don't have any options. You have the two controllers, you have a, your audio video out and an adapter. That's all you get. Wow. So, they must have been blowing those things out. Yeah, I mean, this thing is super cost-reduced. But anyway, it came with that controller. Cool thing is it does have turbo. <laughs> yeah. And slow, which means they pause on and off constantly. Yeah, that's not the six-button controller I remember. This is the only one I knew about, so I was educated today. Because so. the one I remember is more like the Saturn one. It's not exactly yeah. the same, but it's more like that. That sounds very useful and nice. I yeah. Would, yeah. Uh, two things mm-hmm. left, and then we will get on to the battle of the systems. Okay. Uh, since my SID chip is bad, mm-hmm. I was considering buying one of those $20 replacement SIDs that yeah. I've seen online. Mm-hmm. Opinions? I've read that they're not too bad. I mean, you're going to get... SID chip, by the way, sorry, we're talking as if everyone knows everything. SID chip is the sound chip for the Commodore 64, highly regarded and, uh... Basically, the cost of Commodores have gone up because people want the yeah. SID chips. A lot of people just take the SID chips out. And... The sound interface device. I remember there was, a, when I f- was getting right back into the Commodore 64, probably 10, 11 years ago, there was this real concern because people were harvesting SID chips out of Commodore 64s and then just throwing them away or tossing them on Goodwill without their SID chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The sound interface device chip is probably one of the most highly regarded sound chips of any computer ever made because it has a crunchy analog um, glitchy almost sound chip that is pretty amazing. Are you eating that one I told you not to? No. You're, you're doing Basically, right. I'm having a curly whirly. Yeah. Which basically looks like dog poop. Does it taste like dog poop? Mm-mm. They taste Caramel good. and chocolate. Cool. But man, I'm not going to be able to keep eating that because it is just stuck in my teeth. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was worried because it almost looked like taffy, like it was in the shape of taffy. And I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm eating taffy on, on air. It'll be chewing yeah, it forever. Thought, for whatever reason, I thought it was going to be like a chocolate-covered gummy worm or something, but that's just chocolate and taffy, like, or and chocolate like, and caramel. Okay. Whew. So uh, my opinions on the, the the fake Sid chips or the synthesized ones or whatever whatever you want to call it, I've heard pretty decent things about it. You're going to get... I, I'm I mean, not an audio guy. I mean, so, I like audio, but if it's 95% of the way there, I'm more than happy. So there you are. I'm not like the hipster audio guy that's going to be like, nope, I can tell those registers aren't correct or whatever. If it sounds good and it's not tinny, like I can recognize something that's more tinny or or not bassy enough or too bassy, but I can't tell the difference. When I first turned on a Commodore and you told me about the SID chip, yeah. I wasn't expecting bass. And when I first heard it, I'm like, my goodness. Because yeah. I mean, everything was this, you know, NES. Yeah. And then the Commodore comes out and it's straight up. Like, yeah. What on earth is It's bassy and especially the bass lines are pretty incredible. And they do these really high pitched arpeggios and it's, it's, it is pretty cool. It is cool. So I, I haven't heard anything bad about the fake Sid chips. I mean, and I don't want to say fake. They're just, uh, they're synthesized. Yeah. Sid they're just chips. replicas, I guess. Well, they're I digital know. too, right? Yeah. The actual Sid is it's analog, an analog which analog. I don't understand how that is, but you said it is. Yeah, well, I mean, they. From what I understand, they have analog samples or something in them. Hmm. I mean, I don't. I'm not an expert on that, so I, I don't want to talk out of my butt on that. Yeah, but I uh, know it, it sounds cool. Yeah, my last thing I want to make up, uh, mention here on catching up is my purchase for today. Okay, because you and I both made a purchase today. Oh yeah, what's so yours? I've been going computer crazy lately. Yeah, and I I don't know why because again I had my Commodore, have my Amiga. Those are my old computers. And then recently, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try the Coco 2. And I picked up a Coco 2. Yeah. And I stopped to order the cart. And I still need to learn the commands to get my Coco 2. I haven't actually used my Coco 2, really. I right. turned it on and learned some Coco Basic. but um, So I need to dig into that. But now I've got my Spectrum potentially on its way. Right. Which I really want. Yeah. And I went ahead and just ordered a TI-99 4A. Oh, nice. The silver, <laughs> the silver black one? I got the silver one. Stainless steel Texas one. Texas Instruments. Uh, with a couple of controllers, a couple of software packages with the box and everything. Oh, nice! And um, and there's a lot of cool aftermarket stuff for that. I think for forty bucks you can get the SD card with a uh, cart with the. Um, mm-hmm. I have that the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So, I went ahead and ordered that, and that should be here very shortly because it's actually in California. Yeah, the TI nine nine is one of those systems. It was very like the Vic twenty was very cartridge heavy. Yeah. So there are tons of cartridges, and if you get the the cartridge that emulates other cartridges with an SD card, mm-hmm. then that's really all you ru- really yep. need. But I have the Nano Peb, which is the thing that is the peripheral expansion box, but it's shrunk down in this little box. I have the Tippy, which is another little device that gives you network capabilities, so you can connect to BBSs and things, and it emulates hard drives. Um, th- there is a big world. There's a lot of hobbyists into the TI-99, so there's a lot of different peripherals and things for it. It's a pretty neat little system. I'd say, you know, honestly, you're going to get a lot more mileage out of the TI than the Coco. Oh, really? The Coco was fun for five or six games, and it's not a bad system at all. It's fun, but there's not a whole lot after that. You know what I mean? Oh, really? There's not okay. a lot of... There's not a whole lot of peripherals coming out for it. And it, the Coco 1 and 2 were a bit limited. The Coco 3, it was more akin to the Amiga 
It had a but lot it's still more pretty power. limited because there's yeah. not very many out there. That's right. Well, it's a lot more rare. I've been looking yeah. for one. I haven't been able to find one. I saw one on Goodwill, but yeah, it was going for like two hundred something. Yeah, they're very, they're they're much they're they're very rare. So. Well, what I really like about the TN ninety nine, I expect <clears throat> not to play it that much, but I love these computers that have their own look. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to get a plastic one. It was going to be that that sheet mm-hmm. metal looking one. Yeah, well, there's and that's a... why I want the rubber key specky. Yeah, and that's why I'd love to get one of those cool looking MSXs with like the candy looking yeah. cases. And there's a technical difference between the stainless steel TIs and the the beige plastic ones. There's actually a difference. Oh, really? TI said, "I don't want. We don't want like Nintendo back in the day. They don't want. They didn't want third parties coming out with cartridges." Oh, okay. So. They were coming out with their own cartridges, and then suddenly these third parties started sneaking in. So when they came out with the price-reduced TI, they made it not... It would not play the third-party cartridges. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of the hard one to really get around. So you want the stainless steel I was going to say, one. those were much cheaper. Yeah. And I considered it, but I'm like, I don't want a boring-looking one. Like, Yeah. I mean, no offense to the Amiga. It's a great system, but it's a boring-looking unit. Mm. And <laughs> I just pissed off half of our listeners. <laughs> right. I actually um, like the look of the Amiga. I think it's I like pretty the cool. Six, well, you have the 1200. I have the 1200 and the 600, yeah. And the six, I like the 600. Nah, 1200 is actually pretty boring, I'll be honest. But I have the big 500, which looks just like a Commodore 128 or the old, the new C64. C64C, yeah. And they're boring looking. They're just these beige boxes. Hmm. I mean, they're still cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I love them. I would still want I still would love to pick up a 128 or something. Yeah. But it's the same reason that, um, again, talking to Tim uh, Sanction from the Future was 8, but... We were talking about the Commodores, and I told him mine mine wasn't working. He's like, oh, is it a bread bin? I'm like, yep, it's a bread bin. Like, all prideful. He's like, yeah, those things are super um, sensitive. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll just stop working. And so he uses a a C64C, right? That's his his go-to because it just works. Yeah. I'm like, I I can't get myself to do that. I want to just keep. I want my bread bins to work. That's yeah. And I my want the bread bins. My favorite C64 is a bread bin, but I have a 64C that I've I've taken the motherboard out and actually sent it to someone else because I just wanted the case. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. what my ultimate 64 is in. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, then it is time to get our battle on. Yep. Oh. But here's the button. <laughs> Battle of the Systems! <laughs> Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. Is the battle this month. NES versus Master System. You played both? I did play both. Did you play on original hardware? I did. did um, oh. I started off not. I started off playing a the Nintendo one on my NES Mini, and I was struggling with it. And uh, so I played it on the original because you were mentioning the lag was bad. Well, anytime you play on a flat screen, there's going to be at least a little bit, even if you have it pretty low. Yep. And that game is so. Well, I was having time trouble accurate. doing the wall walking on NES, so like like you know straddling the walls. Mm-hmm. So I switched to the, and it was easier, but still, well, we'll talk about it later. It wasn't my favorite dynamic in the game. But so I played it on the original NES and I played it on the original Master System. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So what did you think about the NES version? Because this is the one that the majority of our listeners are going to know. Okay. So if we're going to just jump right into it. Um, I say that because I've been looking at our <clears throat> our stats. Yeah. And uh, our American listenership is 
gone gotten much larger, yeah. whereas our UK listenership percentage-wise has gotten lower. Okay. I don't think we've lost anybody. We've just gotten a lot more American listeners. Well, yeah. Which then, we're in America. We I have, guess that makes sense. And we have some Australian <laughs> listeners. We've got a couple in Canada. We've yeah. got a couple in uh, uh, Scandinavia, Germany and stuff. But um, our two heavy hitters are America and, and the UK. So Yeah. Um, I didn't start out with the NES. I started out with the Sega Master System version. So Well, I'm going to ask you to start with the NES. Okay. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> so... Playing through it, I mean, I I liked the game. Uh, it was it was you know fun. We we both played Ninja Gaiden over the years. I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> the the only mechanic I really had trouble with on it was the wall walking. Like I just was not very good at it. Like you know straddling the wall, going back and forth to climb certain areas. Um, I also. Something was weird about the game, and it wasn't my setup because I played on three different systems. The colors seemed washed out to me. It was a very huh. odd palette. Um, okay. I, I, I just couldn't get over that every level seemed to have kind of washed out colors. I don't, I don't know if you found the same. So when I was a kid, I, I remember friends having this game. I never played it a ton. Okay. I remember always being like, wow, that game's awesome. I don't own it. I would love to own it. Yeah. I never really played it until, honestly, about two years ago. Okay. And I started playing it. I'm like, hey, I'll give it a shot because I got, fell in love with Castlevania, and these are kind of the high-end games that uh, a lot of Nintendo players want to go to. Right. And I started playing it and couldn't stop for like three days. I loved it. Okay, cool. But it is very gritty. Yes, um, the cutscenes are key. We're looking at one right now. I have it playing here. Right. One of our uh, listeners suggested we do more playing games while on air. <laughs> so I always have no problem with that. I don't want to be boring, though. I'm a, in fear of being boring. I'm trying to keep my uh, mic here in front of me, so hopefully I'm not making a bunch of noise. Um, but these cutscenes are a key part of this, and I don't think I've ever seen cutscenes like this until this game. So it's kind of this small movie uh, uh, letterbox top and bottom movie screen and you've got uh parallax ninjas running you know the ryu or ryu um you know running i just everything screams like n intriguing ninja there's a his sword right there with a dragon on the hilt and there's story here yeah you can skip it but it really does look cool and it's very cinematic yeah um but here you go. Yeah, it is kind of washed out. You can see a Ninja Gaiden. It's kind of pink. That's what I was talking about, yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't pop. I mean, I hate to, you know, sound like a hipster, it but it doesn't it really pop. It absolutely doesn't. It, it's very, I use the word gritty. Yeah. It's almost like whitewashed jeans compared to normal jeans. But, as you can see here, the, I mean, it's just so um, accurate when it comes to attacking things and hitting the sword at the right time. Every time you jump, you do a somersault, which just looks badass. Yeah. Um, jump, you can just go back and forth. There's that boxer guy. I'm doing a terrible job because I'm trying to talk and play at the same time. Typically, the first level I can get through without getting hit once. Um, there's these dogs that kind of look like weird blue spider crab things. Yep. <laughs> but the funny thing is, you talked about the wall walking. Yeah. You literally hold jump and just press back and forth. And you just like hold you and you just hold the jump button. Yeah, you never have to press jump again. Just back, back. Yeah. Back. And um, they actually retain that in the Sega Master System version. Yeah, controls the exact same way. And for some reason, though, I had an easier time with the Sega Master 
systems jumping like the the wall walking basically one thing i didn't like about the game is the time limit um not that it really gets in your way too much you know i never even noticed there is one i don't think it ever run out of time there was one level i think it was level three on here that after i got past the second boss yeah that i almost ran out of time i think i was down to 15 seconds so i'm playing the first level here and i'm already in the bar at the beginning of the level yeah and I'm attacking this guy. So the game is also known. You get a huge health bar. Yeah. There we go. I beat him. Um, and so it takes you get a lot of hits, but it's not easy because there's lots of enemies. Um, there are. Yeah. You kind of have to be pix pixel perfect to a point. But you get the feeling of being a ninja. I don't know how to explain it better than that. Like the controls are just so tight. I'm going to say in my opinion because I can tell you don't agree by some of the things you said. Um, see right now we're looking at another cutscene where a woman comes over his shoulder he's kind of looking over his shoulder at her um, she's actually this is part's bizarre everyone should be able to beat the first level so I'm not going to give too much story away here she shoots the guy yeah and he wakes up later in her uh, in her care I guess and she actually apparently twinkleized him yikes and she had to get him out of there to protect him and yeah. explaining the whole story and what's going on and um, the story is completely different than the Master System version. Right. Um, it's actually a whole lot better, to be honest. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But the story actually has a lot of twists and turns, and there's actually a lot of story for the very few cutscenes it has. Yeah. Um, you got this devil statue, and now I'm in level two, which you're in that kind of this underground cement factory thing. These guys are always funny. They're like these guys with uh, motorcycle helmets on that attack you with bats. <laughs> um and you can jump and attack lanterns. In the first level, it was um, these little boxes that were hanging in the air. I don't know why they were hanging in the air. Yeah. In this level, there's these lanterns that are on the wall that you attack, and that's how you get like your extra power, you know, and you're as in um, kind of like the uh, question mark blocks in Mario. Um, there's boxers that are attacking you here. These little dudes. But um, you go left and right. It's a action platformer. Uh, but you definitely have ladders and stuff. You climb up, you get there's verticality involved. Yep. And um, and getting the different weapons is a big deal. Well, I found myself grabbing a specific weapon that I liked and then skipping like weapons I didn't want. Yep. You, you know what I mean? So there's Absolutely. a lot of that. You don't have to get a weapon if you if you hit a lantern or whatever, and the weapon drops you don't want. You just don't grab it, and there's no penalty for just leaving it behind. Absolutely. Um. It's kind of it's got the flying enemies, kind of like Castlevania, but the knockback is not nearly as severe. Yeah. Um, one of the best uh, power ups is a spinning attack, where when you jump and spin, <laughs> you actually uh, your knives come out and you're attacking while you're spinning, which comes in a lot of handy. I, I don't found know, the one that had the fire balls that kind of circled you, and you were basically invulnerable while you were running. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. That was probably my favorite one. Um. But most of the attacks, like the the shurikens, the ninja stars, if you will, like that. Yeah. Uh, you actually have to hold up an attack to use. So I'm already at the second level boss here. Oh, that's not true. I'm a, I've gone outside of this building now. This is where these like mummy things show up. And now for some reason, there's like military guys attacking me. Yeah, and they just keep running though. <laughs> so that is definitely something that's very inherent to this game and a lot of Nintendo games is the respawn of enemies when you back up and go forward again they'll show up again yeah at the same time when the guys are running if you move them off the screen they disappear yeah so you can use that to your advantage 
Um, I don't know this game that, like you said, it's I'm gonna call it gritty, but it is kind of whitewashed the, the way it looks. Yeah, uh, graphically, this game. See, that's uh, my favorite weapon right there. The, yeah, the spinning uh, fireballs run through some of these guys. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that I didn't like this game at all. I mean, again, they're so similar, the the Master System to this one. There are things that are very similar. So you're never going to get that far away from the paradigm of this game. It's just the, some of the little nuances, like the color, like the sound, are, are different. I'm having fun. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, when you hear... When you hear criticisms of the game compared to the Sega Master System or or even comparing the systems themselves not the game. They always said that the Sega Master System was a little bit more powerful than the original Nintendo. Graphically, yes. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, and and probably other things. Yeah. And so I think that the Sega Ma- that kind of shows itself in this particular game. Boop 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 boop. So I'm attacking the second boss here. Yeah. He's going to attack me with that thing. So the second boss is this giant guy with like this uh, spinning, I don't know what you call that weapon. Yeah, just a spinning thingamabobber. Spinning thingamabobber of death. Here, I get a, <clears throat> one more one more damage and he's gone. So while we've been talking, I just beat two levels. But there's eight. And um, I can get up to level five pretty quickly. And then it yeah. gets to the point where you have to use continues repeatedly. Now yeah. that's something I really do appreciate this game. About this game, it is very hard. You have to be very accurate. But you learn... Um, go ahead and make all the noise you want. It's cool. <laughs> Was I making a lot of noise? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you do... It becomes muscle memory. Yeah. And I could play these first three levels over and just enjoy it. Just, it it's this rhythmic Yeah. Once you memorize that, the levels... Oh, it just feels yeah. good. And I, just, I can play those first three levels over and over and over again and love it. I'm on Act 2 now. So now I found this guy and I won't give you more secrets away because I think everyone should play this game if you haven't. Yep. Um, especially people in the UK who... The NES wasn't that popular over there. So they might not know about this game, but this is a brilliant game. You do have to play it on the original hardware yeah. because of that. The I did find that out, yeah. So I think we both got our opinions of the game over there. Um, but yeah, the continues, that's what I was going to say. Uh, when you die, you go back to the beginning of the level. Yep. And you get to keep going until you die three times, and then you go back to the beginning of the level again. There's about two or three checkpoints throughout each level. Mm-hmm. So although it is very difficult, you can sit there and just keep playing from the continues. You don't like have to start at the beginning of the game again. Gotcha. But every once in a while, you might want to just because the beginning feels so good. You want to get your stamina back up, your mental fortitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, very cool. So quick rundown. Um, see what I wrote down here. We already talked about cutscenes, uh, the huge health bar. Uh, it's important in the in Ninja Gaiden, you always want to move forward because if you're trying to back up to try to attack one enemy or deal with one enemy, you typically are going to respawn other enemies behind you and you're going to get overwhelmed. So the, one of the goals is you want to run up to somebody, attack them once. This is key. In Ninja Gaiden on the NES, every enemy takes one hit to kill. Okay. Until you get to a boss. So it's, again, that's part of that, you know, quick ninja reflex thing. You, yeah, like the flow of the game. Jump, 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 attack, jump, up, over here, jack, attack. Um, you're always doing something. It feels, you're always moving forward. You feel a lot of progress. You got that wall cling. Uh, when you cling to a wall, you can't just scroll up a wall. You can't just climb up it at that point. You're stuck there, and you have to jump off to another object and kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Um, there is a trick that you can almost can't do with the classic because of the lag. But on the NES, you can actually jump off and push yourself back onto the wall, and you'll end up a fraction higher. And so you can actually kind of wall climb that way by jumping off and going back to it, mm-hmm. which is kind of key. In Ninja Gaiden 2 and later on, you can actually climb straight up the wall. They kind of, if you want to call it, fix that or change that. 
Um, uh, up and B is the special. Um, oh, the, the power-ups. This is key. So a big part of what you're collecting, uh, I'm on the third level now. Instead of lanterns, now we're at random birds in the sky that you attack to drop the special items. But you also can collect up a certain amount. I don't even know what that icon is. But you actually add to your collection, kind of like in Castlevania, hearts are not health. They're abilities to use special weapons. Right. This is the same thing. Uh, that little purple squiggle square thing. I don't know what that is. It must yeah. be some kind of kanji or something. But um, that's how many specials you have for your special weapon. So depending on what weapon you have, it'll use one, two, or I think five of those. Okay. So you have a limited amount of like boomerangs you, you can use. Usage of that, yeah. Or your spinning attack and stuff. Yep. Um, so I wrote down the visuals are gritty. Um, the music is killer. Yeah. Um, I'd turn it on right now if I could, but uh, all the music in this game is highly regarded, and a lot of people have it on soundtracks or... Um, yeah, it's very, uh, very adrenaline pumping. Exactly. Yeah. It fits perfectly. Um, level one, you're in the streets. You eventually make it to a bar and fight a brute. Um, I kind of already mentioned some of these. You go to a factory and then the ruins. Level three, you're at, you actually wake up in a cabin. So now you're at the woods around a lake and then you climb up this mountain. Now you're in the snow. Um, the, uh, they got, you fight this samurai guy at that point who's, shoots these it's weird he's jumping but he shoots these projectiles at you you can kind of cut them down to get back to him so you kind of have to fight through the projectiles to get a ch chance at him um level four you get to a jungle and then there's still four more levels past there i don't want to name it all um but every single level has completely different enemies completely different bosses um and you kind of have to figure out what they all do and figure out how to deal with each one which you learn so what's your opinion on the master system version so the Master System version is probably the one I played more just because I enjoyed it more. Really? I okay. felt that it was a lot more smooth. I felt like the, like the colors were brighter. Um, I, I liked the dynamic where you can grab levels and pull yourself up. Yep. You know, that wasn't on the Nintendo version. Correct. Um, so like in that first level when you're going through the forest and you can grab the branches of the tree... So yeah, the whole it, first force level is almost primarily you grabbing branches and pulling yourself up onto them. Yeah, so and it's, I, I get the feeling it's there so you can learn that that's what you have to do in certain mm -hmm. levels to jump and grab things. Um, otherwise, the gameplay was pretty much pretty similar to the to Nintendo version. Um, just those, I, I, I dare say they're the cosmetic changes like mm -hmm. in the Sega Master System. Um, and it just made the game more feel more appealing to me i mean hmm. graphically um and and honestly the movement was a, i thought a little touch smoother on the sega master system i mean the the controls are great on the nintendo it's very crisp and it works great um just felt the sega master system seemed to have a little edge there interesting okay yeah. so i disagree with almost all of that okay I, I do agree that it's more colorful okay the palette they used and everything uh master systems as a whole have very bright colors yeah and so i definitely give it an edge there yeah but where it made up in color, I think the detail of the levels, the grittiness, that wasn't there. Which, to me, the whole point of this... I mean, this they feel like completely different games. One feels like you're playing through this kind of tongue-in-cheek cartoon game, yep. Master System. Whereas Ninja Gaiden on the uh, NES, it, you feel like you're in a serious ninja action movie. Right. Uh, you know, with, and it's actually got some drama, and I don't feel like... Um, I mean, everything in the first one, in the Sega Genesis one, is very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, 
Two completely different games. Obviously, that's the whole point of this segment. We play. We didn't mention that again, but the two, two compl- games with the same name that are completely different. The story is completely different. The story. It was funny in the mega in the mega. Uh, I keep wanting to say mega drive, the Master System version, because mm-hmm. you would go and be like, "I'm going to go attack this bad guy," and you'd kill him. But then you find out you didn't actually kill him yet. He's like dying, and then he tells you he wants you to help him by do something. And you're like, "Okay, I'll help you," even though I just fought you and killed you. Yeah. And then you go to the next person, and they do it again. <laughs> Uh, oh, but what you really need to know is this. And then so for some reason, you're trusting all these people that you just fought to the death. Um, one thing I noted on the dynamics is that you could duck on the Sega Master System one. You can't yep. duck on the Nintendo one, right? You're, yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you had to duck because of projectiles or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So to me, this almost felt like it had some <clears throat> Shinobi elements in that, in that Yeah, regard. you're right. I would um, say that's, that's apt. Uh, you definitely ha- shared the huge health bar, so that's common yep um the fact that you can stick off walls and jump on walls is is a similar gameplay mechanic yep i personally thought the wall jump on the master system was terrible oh you did see i thought it was stuck to the wall and then when you jump off you don't have any control over the jump you just jump like halfway across the screen it's this huge jump yeah so to me whereas the nintendo version you're you can use it to your benefit and bounce back and forth real quick and be pretty accurate with it this one if you jumped on a wall you're going to jump way off and so if you jump on a point they want you to you'll land on a platform but if you're trying to wing it and in the heat of the action you miss it you're not going to land where you want to land okay um the hang on the ledges thing was pretty cool i like the change there um in this game this was game breaking in my opinion mm. now, so let me up front i want to say i'd say i'm going to give grades right off the bat here because you can already tell where my where my allegiances right. lie. Yeah, I would say Ninja Gaiden on the NES is an A, a game. I would I wouldn't give it a plus simply because um, there are some frustrations with respawning characters and yeah. the, the washed out look. Even though I love the graphics, they could be punchier. Okay. Um, I would give Ninja Gaiden on the Master System a B plus. So I love both these games. Everyone yeah. who owns these systems should play these games. Okay. Um, but I did find this kind of game breaking and the master system version, um, enemies took more than one hit at first they didn't, but you got the later levels. They took multiple hits. Yeah. However, if you got a power up, you could use it infinitely. I did notice that. Yeah. So I got to the point where I got the, in that one, there was this spinning fireball thing, kind of like on <clears throat> NES one, but you could shoot it. So I was just avoiding any other power ups and just shooting the crap out of things. And it became really easy when you had that. Okay. Um, because that is what I did. Yeah. I rather enjoyed it. And I did enjoy it. I did <laughs> yeah. enjoy it, but it was it, it's not how it was designed. There's yeah. parts of the level you're like, that was easy, but if I didn't have that, that would have been really difficult. Right. You realize, oh, I eventually found the way through the game, and it's kind of breaking, if you want to call it that. That's fair. Um, I felt like things were a little bit larger and slower, including your actions, so I didn't quite get that same ninja feel. Okay. Um, when you hit with Ninja Gaiden on the NES... You hit attack. By the time you let go of attack, your attack's done. Like, it's almost instantaneous. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a wind-up and a slowdown with the Master System 1. Um, and the difficulty didn't necessarily increase. I didn't think with the Master System 1. I played straight through the game. Okay. Um, in one city. And um, beat the game. The bosses were... It didn't, it didn't take very much time to figure out how to beat them. Right. And so, again, I just played all the way through the game. I think at last boss I had to play three times before I beat it. 
but it, it does have the what I do like. It does have that continue from con, from your continue thing. Yeah. So I don't have to start the hell game over. I just played from the continue points. I think I got to the third boss or fourth boss before I di- I, I didn't go any further. I just ran out of time. Yeah. Yeah. There's and it's similar. There's eight, <clears throat> just like uh, the NES yeah. one. Um, completely different story, which was still enjoyable. But the cutscenes were still still scenes. They didn't have the cool parallax and the the music and the effect that the NES one did. Um, I also found, found found this kind of funny. In the first level, there's these when you jump down the first well. There's these scrolls. Everything is a scroll, by the way. If you attack the scroll, you get the power. You up. hit the scroll, the power up falls from the scroll. Yeah. Um, when you go down that first well in the first level, you can clearly see that there's scrolls in the wall. So you can just walk through the wall to get them. That's like the secret. It's almost like a little hidden area, but kind yeah. of like it's almost like a little transparent wall. Yeah. And I didn't find that in any other levels. I don't think it's just the first level had two like right next to each other. Right. Yep. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I wrote down here every time you kill a boss, you help them. <laughs> Which is just kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, where's my other sheet here? Darn it. Oh, here it is. I want to run through these two because these are pretty funny. Some of the, uh, Sega Master System version, you start in the forest as we talked. Yep. yep. There's lots of trees, and you're. I definitely like the mechanic, which changes up the gameplay completely to me, where every level has these platforms you can grab from the bottom and pull yourself up. Right. That changes the gameplay enough to me that they felt like similar games in theme and some of the abilities, but they felt completely different to mm-hmm. me. Um, See, and I, I, I felt the games were pretty similar. I mean, I, there were added mechanics of movement, like ducking and... Mm-hmm grabbing in the Sega Master System one. Um, and I guess I would give, I guess, more props to the Nintendo one for, I think, crisper movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, but other than that, I thought the, it, they were both very similar. I didn't feel like it; those made enough to make it different. Again, you, know I, I mean? you need to play both. They're yeah. both great. Yeah. Um, the first level, uh, you're again, you're in the forest, and there's bamboo spikes everywhere. Yeah. Apparently they, which makes some sense. They cut the spikes, and make bamboo spikes. Yep. And you fight the sumo guy, which is funny because he'll walk at you and you attack him, and then eventually he'll run at you. He and charges. You jump, yeah. you jump over him. He, he and lowers then, his shoulder and kind of like charges towards you. Yep. And then as he does that, he hits the wall, and four ninjas fall out of the trees with swords. The little red ninjas, yeah. But they go all the way through the ground. They just disappear. Yeah. So they just fall, and that's it. They're um, just, like, trying to hit you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really could have just been, like, acorns or something. It would have <laughs> made more sense. But the ninjas just fall and disappear. Yep. Um, in the second level, um, now that you've attached a sumo guy, he's like, while he's trying to talk to you, I think he gets killed while he's telling you something. And then you find out, so. oh, the Yakuza killed him because he was about to say something. Yeah. But then you're in, instantly in Tokyo and some Yakuza boss comes out and talks to you and says, oh, that sumo guy didn't get to tell you much, huh? I wonder why. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> so it was these guys. Um, now you're fighting in the streets and eventually a factory, which is similar. And you're fighting the Yakuza. The boss in this level is hilarious to me because there's like the the head... Yakuza chief boss, whatever you want to He's call him. He's just sitting in a chair, Sitting right? in a chair. Yep. Literally just sitting there, like, chilling. And you just thwack him. You just sit there next to him and attack constantly. They, all the other fighters are jumping around you, throwing things, but they're not directing anything at you. It's, like, on a pattern, on repeat. So they're just throwing ninja stars randomly. A lot of stuff's happening below you. Every once in a while, you have to turn and take care of one that gets near you. Yeah. Or jump over a ninja star. But the boss is just <clears> sitting there, and as you hack at him... Again, he's got a huge life bar like you do. He bends over. He eventually over. starts slumping. Yeah. And he gets, like, really tired. Yep. <laughs> eventually, he just dies of boredom or something. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Uh, 
And of course, he says, oh, I'm not your real... Sorry, Mario, your princess is another castle. Right. <clears throat> you want to go fight this samurai guy. <clears throat> so now you're in, like, ancient Japan with, like, telephone wires. So I guess it's just an old part of Japan. Fighting off samurais and eventually make it to a temple. You fight this samurai boss. Um, and then at level four, it becomes a, a robot that bounces back and forth. But again, some of these bosses were just so easy. Yeah. Um, they weren't... None of them are... There might have been one or two where I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting, but for the most part, the bosses were pretty boring. Yeah. Um, like, I, I know... <clears throat> so, you you gave grades, which which is good. I didn't I mean, think you, of them ahead of time, but a, I just want to make, a, it, make sure it's known that everyone... I love both these games. Yeah, and I, I think I would do similar ones, but probably step down a whole grade letter oh really okay i didn't think these were as great as i mean they wouldn't be a's in my book so okay i would probably actually i and you know i know we're leaning towards this but i mean i would give the sega master system probably like a a b and then maybe the nintendo one like a b minus i found them so similar but i i i i I know you like the grittiness of the nintendo one i thought it was just kind of ugly i could say that you know what i mean um so anyhow i i oh, i love it though they're both I'm playing it again just because yeah. i'm on level three and now there's leopards attacking me they're both similar enough to me that they uh the differences don't matter that much do you know what i mean but i just give the edge because i think the sega master system one's pretty prettier yeah so that's pretty much it but i'm still playing you can keep talking <laughs> <laughs> i love this game absolutely love this game yeah, I, I like the game. I, I don't know if I love it, but I do like it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. All right, so uh, split decision. Yeah, so I think it's... Ultimately, try both. You still gave Bs. You gave two Bs, so... Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, after that, where do we go from there? Oh, I think we uh, it's time for Eric's take, actually. Oh, Eric's take. <laughs> Yay! I can't find my buttons today, Eric. There's a button on here somewhere that says Eric's take. In light of the fact that our Pixel Guide and co-host Cody Hoffman received his first VIC-20 a few days ago, I thought I would talk about my history with the VIC-20 and a few great games to play on it. In the early 80s, while in junior high, I used my first computer, a TRS-80 Model 4, in our school's very first computer lab. This infected me with the fever for computers, and I relentlessly badgered my parents for a computer. It was around this time a friend of mine got a Commodore 64. It was amazing. It had great graphics and sounds, and, and the, the games on it just blew away just about everything that we had in our junior high lab. Um, I really wanted one, but the price of these was still relatively high. Um, for Christmas, my parents opted to get me a Commodore VIC-20 instead. The price on these had been greatly reduced due to the demand of the Commodore 64. I was still very happy. I had my very own computer at home, and that was something new. Um, I read every single page of the owner's guide, which was an excellent book uh, that came with it. 
Um, I saved my money and bought several cartridges with amazing games such as Gorf, Omega Race, uh, a lot of really great text adventures by Scott Adams, such as Voodoo Castle and Adventureland. Um, I spent just so many hours playing on the VIC-20. Um, I started getting magazines around that time and typing in games. Um, unfortunately, I did, still didn't have any kind of device to save or even load games. I'd spend hours just typing them in out of magazines and playing them until I had to turn the computers off. Um, and then I would lose everything and I'd have to go and start again typing something new in. I remember I'd leave the computer on for a week at a time and hide the uh, power light by putting, putting something on it so that my parents wouldn't see it. Um, I remember one game in particular called Looper that... Um, a friend of mine, we took turns typing it in, and then we played it for a week, and, uh, and then we had to turn it off, and I remember writing down the high score so that next time we would play it, and we eventually did type it in again, and um, finally when I got something to record uh, programs with, I finally earned enough money just from odd ends around town, mowing lawns and uh, allowance and things like that to buy a data set. A data set is a tape recorder to, uh, that allows you to record um, any program you type in and you can load it up again. Um, that made a huge difference. I had the VIC-20 for probably about two years before I saved enough money to buy a Commodore 64. But those years with the VIC taught me so many things about computers, such as programming, it even made me a good typist. Um, it was just an incredible experience. Um, here are a few games I really enjoyed. Gorf. Gorf was uh, an arcade port of a shoot 'em up game where you're on the bottom and you shoot up and there's not I mean it, there's varying levels uh that challenge you with different um goals but the game while pretty basic is just a lot of fun and it is one of the seminal titles on the Vic 20 Another one is Omega Race which is probably my favorite game of all on the Vic 20 Omega Race is kind of like Asteroids. It's got vector-style graphics. You fly around. There's a square in the middle of the screen that has your high score. Um, and you basically can't go through that square, but you fly around and you try to shoot enemies. And um, uh, just a great game. Another seminal title on the VIC-20 was uh, Radar Rat Race. Radar Rat Race was a maze game where you would go around the maze as a um, mouse, and meanwhile, other mice would chase you around, and your goal was to get the cheese. Um, just a lot of fun. Another great shoot-em-up was Demon Attack. Uh, Demon Attack was another shoot 'em up that was, I believe, an arcade port as well. Um, this was kind of one of those games that um, made people think twice about the VIC-20 because the graphics were just so good. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, another one, another great game was Seamus.
Seamus was a game kind of like Berserk, where you went around a maze trying to, but this time you try to collect a key to get to different levels, and um, you basically went through a maze and shot things. It, it just, just a great game, very basic game. Um, and then the other mentionable titles um, were all the Scott Adams text adventures. They fit really well at home on the VIC-20 because it didn't require graphics. It was just text adventure, but the 22 columns on the VIC-20 made sure that you could read the text very clearly. Um, just a lot of fun. Anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, I will talk to you next month. Welcome to Cody's Big Review! Cody's best days firmly playing this title and wants to give you the full, unadulterated truth. This week's title was Altered Beast. So tell us, Cody, how good is it? Here we are, uh, first $100 Turbo Graphics 16 edition. This is Cody, and uh, if you haven't heard the segment before, it's basically a uh, what would I do if I got a brand new system and I had $100 to spend on physical games um, as a collector, as a new machine owner, new system owner, what would I pick up? And and as I've already mentioned, uh, this month I'm doing the Turbo Graphics 16, also known as the PC Engine, um, in Japan. And um, the Turbo Graphics 16 um, was it was a system that wasn't owned very much here in America. Um, I actually didn't know a single person that owned one. I saw them every once in a while, you know, advertised in comic books, things like that. And uh, you know, I knew of Bonk's Adventure. Um, was kind of their mascot bonk this little caveman guy um but it was a, it's a machine or a system that i've always wanted as a kid it looked so cool you know in the advertisements um i didn't exactly know much about it um but now that i'm older hey i own one and it's probably one of the, the systems i most um enjoy uh being able to own um because it was something that was so out of reach, but so wanted, I guess, as a kid. Um, so I do have one now here, and I have an EverDrive, but I do have a few physical games. Um, I like to have, you know, the real thing, the real article. And um, that being said, if I if I didn't already own one, I need to pick up uh, some games to enjoy and collect and play. For 100 bucks. what would I pick up? Well, this system, um, the games have gotten very expensive. So let's just say that again. This is another one of those systems where, you know, um, a lot of Nintendo games, you know, there's some ones that are, are very expensive, but 20, 30 bucks isn't expensive. You know, Nintendo games, those are kind of the higher, uh, they start to get pricier and pricier, but you can get a lot of games under 10 bucks. Um, Genesis, even more so. A lot of games under 10 bucks. Um, lots of different systems 
that you can you can pick up some pretty good collections for a hundred bucks. This is one where you where we're gonna have to get creative here again to make it work. Um, most games that are of decent quality start at twenty five bucks and go up. Um, I'd say on average you're looking at sixty to eighty bucks for a loose game. Um, if you're looking at those. So how do you pick some games for 100 bucks? How do you start this thing? Well, first of all, it's important to note that you know certain systems I collect for differently uh, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Bare cartridges are fine. The little cardboard boxes are usually beat up and ugly, and the case, uh, the uh, casing on the shell, if you will, of a Nintendo game uh, presents well and it has the label on it. Looks nice. Um, with the Turbo Graphics, I would love to say that. I collected them complete in case. Um, they are in a... I guess I should explain how they look, right? So the the games themselves are on uh, what they call Hue cards, but they're these little... Um, they look like a credit card, um, not too much bigger than that. Most of them are white, and they have a label on them uh, identifying the game. Um, Mine are kind of loosely stacked over here, and you can't tell what game it is except for to pick up the stack and kind of shuffle through them like a deck of cards. Um, it's really a cool medium to keep the game on. I think it's uh, it's unique and different, and um, it's cool to slide the game in and play them. But the casing they typically would use for this, you would have a, a uh, slip cover for the game, a, a see-through transparent slip cover, and then that is held in a CD case. Um, and the, the CD case actually has this little tab that holds uh, kind of friction against the, the Hue card itself to hold it in place. Um, but yeah, the, the CD case with, you know, uh, a, a jewel case, if you will, back cover and then a rule book slash front cover. And that's how these things um, were sold. And, and I would love to say that's how my collection looks, but it does not. Um, so I'm actually going to probably go out and find some of these games I've kind of researched for this segment pick them up because I do want to have um, you know a, a collection reminiscent of what the system uh, had to offer and what it was about so um, the games that I'm picking out here are games I think are great games but again bang for buck is key so uh, let's just jump right into it how about that um, I wanted to at least include one game with a case um, and I was left to my own decision to basically have to ixnay that idea because we're just not going to get enough games for hundred bucks if we start throwing it in a case. So uh, that that we'll put a little asterisk on there and say, hey, we're we're lucky enough to get a case for one of these. That would be awesome. I, I suggest uh, making sure we get a case in there so we have the the actual product. That being said. I am going to go ahead and start with the aforementioned Bonk's Adventure. Um, the pricing I pulled up here is current as of today from um, just looking through eBay and things like that. Um, I like to use the video game. Um, I'm trying to see the name of it right here. It is the, it's just called Price Charting, but um, pricecharting.com. And they have a pretty good uh, handle on rough prices for games. They have a loose price and a complete in-box price, as well as a new price. Um, I don't know how accurate those are, because these games are 30 years old. But, um, 
for the most part, I, I kind of went off of that and then looked on eBay to see how accurate it was and uh, if I could find some a little bit cheaper to try to sneak another game in here realistically. Um, but the TurboGrafx-16 is known for shmups, so I'm going to go ahead and start right off the bat here with the best bang for your buck shmup, in my opinion, which is Sidearms. Now, Sidearms is a mech game. Um, I typically do not care for mech anything. For some reason, just playing as a you know robot vehicle or whatever you want to call it, a mech, um, it's just kind of a turnoff for me. It just doesn't do much for me. And nothing wrong with it, just for whatever reason, it doesn't grab my attention. Um, but in this game, it's a uh, it's a shmup, and you're a mech. However, you can get power-ups and things, and you kind of um, transform between a, a ship or a mech. And it's just a good, um, I want to say, side-scrolling shmup, although there are parts of the game where you go vertical as well, down and up. And... Um, you're collecting all kinds of power-ups, shooting all kinds of ships. Um, I really wish I had more to, to, to kind of go into there. Um, but it has the fluidity that a typical TurboGrafx-16 shmup has. They have this feel. It's just amazing. I love the shmup feel on the TurboGrafx. Um, so the sidearm garm, uh, game does not disappoint in that regard. Um, there's bullets flying everywhere in this game. You quickly power up. There's power-ups all over the place, and you're, without, you know, being a minute into the game, you've got, um, you know, like a triple laser shooting forward. You've got, um, small starbursts shooting on all your diagonals, and you've, you've got things shooting in front of you, things shooting behind you. Um, but the key feature about this game, the thing that really makes this game cool, and I love this feature. I wish more games did it. Um, is that if you press, well, if you look at the controller, there's a button one and a button two. Um, if you press the right hand button, you're going to shoot to the right. Whereas if you press the left hand button, you're going to shoot to the left. And so the levels are designed in a way where you do have stuff coming from, uh, all angles and sides. And you might, you're not, you're not always delegated to kind of hide towards the uh, left side of the screen because everything is coming from the right. Um, you kind of can hover in the middle or know it's coming up and get to the side of the screen that you want to shoot the opposite direction from. Uh, kind of adds some interest, some some strategy to the gameplay, and um, just you know, just a great solid shmup. Um, I've put some time into this, not a ton. I'd love to get back to it some more. But the key thing here for our first $100 is that you get a great shmup, which is what the system's known for, and it's going for. Um, it's only going for about 14 bucks loose right now. This is a game I do own right now and uh, pop it in from time to time. And I typically use my EverDrive, but uh, sometimes it's just fun to pop the actual cartridge in. And um, the this is probably the one I would suggest you get a case for. Uh, the complete in-box uh, price is about $30. But to try to make my argument um, as viable as possible, we're going to go with the non-cased version um, so we can hit our $100 mark here. Next game. Uh, I like to mix up the different uh, types of games because if you're only going to own a few games here with your first $100, you want to mix it up and have variety. So the next game I put on the list is uh, Legendary Axe. Um, Legendary Axe is a side-scrolling action platformer, is what I'd call it. Um, it kind of feels similar to a Castlevania game, but it's not. It's there, there. You can actually jump in the air and attack while jumping. 
Um, you have some move control over your movement while you're in air, which Castlevania does not. Um, but it's definitely kind of got that um, methodic move forward, stop, deal with the enemies, move forward, stop, deal with the enemies uh, gameplay. Um, also, you can go up, you can go down. There's vines to climb. The theme on this game is you're like a uh, jungle Tarzan, you know, archetype, kind of a per character. And, uh, you know, shirtless with a loincloth. And you've got an axe, which apparently is legendary. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I, I dug into the story too deep. I don't know how much there is to dig into. But um, it's just, it's a solid, fun game. Pretty highly regarded. And uh, very prevalent, at least here in the States. Um, it's funny because a lot of these games uh, have titles um, for, for the TurboGrafx-16. They're just kind of these generic titles. And some of them are really good, and some of them just aren't great. Um, but Legendary Axe uh, falls into the uh, just pretty darn good category. Um, you're attacking spiders. You've got... Uh, the. There's a lot of character in this game. The art is, is pretty darn well done. Um, I'm guessing the artist or some, some of the pixel pushers that worked on the Bonk series of games worked on this because there's facial expressions on the enemies. Um... There's kind of just, just a lot going on here. I highly recommend this game, especially when a loose cart is around the $20 mark at this point. Um, great game to add to the uh, the first, five, uh, first $100 collection. Next on down the list, what genre have we not touched yet? How about a dungeon crawler? Or in this case, a game called Dungeon Explorer. Again, the generic titles. Um, if you look at the art on on this game cover art again, you're not gonna be drawn in by it. It's a game you'd have to play, um, but it's actually pretty refreshing uh, in the way it changes kind of some of the dungeon crawling typical mechanics. I would describe this game as a cross between Gauntlet because it's definitely this top down uh, multiplayer, and that's key uh, top down multiplayer game. But it kind of has more of an RPG. Uh, tilt to it. Uh, so I'm going to say, you know, Zelda meets Gauntlet. Um, you start off in a village and you can go into the, into the doors. It, uh, the RPG aspects here are pretty minimal compared to like a, a Legend of Zelda. But um, you're going in there and talking to people and they're telling you things you need to do and and you're um, uh, trying to, you know, save a king or again, haven't gotten so far into this game to understand the full storyline. But uh, the combat is what's pretty cool about this. It's definitely got that um, that gauntlet thing where you're a top-down. You can be a thief. You can be a mage. You can be a fighter. Um, I think a cleric's in there as well. And uh, you've got these monster spawning zones, like a nest, if you will. So you'll be top-down going through different uh, areas. I mean, I say dungeons because the gameplay is dungeon-like, but, you know, forest or through a castle or through an actual dungeon. And... Uh, there will be spawning points where character, you know, creatures, either a bug or a um, some kind of demon, was coming up out of the ground. They're just coming out at you, so you're trying to take those guys out while at the same time shooting the nests, so that once the nests are destroyed, they won't keep respawning. And um, but that multiplayer aspect is what makes this so good. A five-player limit on this game, so you kind of have to know the hardware to understand that the the multi-tap for for the TurboGrafx-16, it's called the TurboTap. And um, 
there's only one player port on a turbo graphics or a pc engine and if you get the the turbo tap you plug it into that that connection and you get five why five i don't know i've never seen five on any system before or since but it is five so you get five ports and what's kind of cool about the, this game you hold down um a button when the game starts and it will count up how many players are holding that button so you all hold it at the same time and then once everyone's holding the button it'll show on the screen how many people are holding down the button so say if you're doing four players everyone holds down the button until it says four and then the first player lets go and the game starts with four players so you guys are all you're, it's like gauntlet you're do, all doing it at the same time but you've got these rpg elements um graphics are uh, they're not amazing but they're solid they're interesting um it just looks like a really good time only problem with this game is I've got to get four other friends to play it with me, or at least one other friend to play it with me. Um, so it's not something I'm going to be able to really play to its full potential very often, because I typically game by myself. Yes, sad story, I know. Uh, but Dungeon Explorer game is selling loose about $22. Now, uh, I, you know, I, now I just realized, I think I mentioned this game already, but didn't go into it, but the... Um, platformer game the um, that I really wanted to add to this list to kind of cover that aspect of gaming here is Bonk's Adventure. Um, so Bonk, as I mentioned before, is the mascot or was the mascot. They were trying to push for the TurboGrafx-16 to complete against, compete against your uh, Mario. Um, this actually came out before the Genesis Um you know, in theory, uh, it was the 16-bit system that came first. Although in reality, and you can look this up and go into details, it's not, it's not actually 16-bit. Um, it's kind of an 18-bit, 16-bit hybrid. But um, Bonk is a small caveman. And this game, again, it has a ton of personality. NEC did a great job creating an interesting world. Um, Bonk has a few different... Uh, First of all, very vibrant colors, uh, very, again, expressive faces. Everybody in this game has big eyes, and they can um, make facial expressions to make it very interesting. But Bonk's ability set, uh, he's a little caveman with a huge, huge head, just a massive cranium. And, um, you know, he can run, he can jump. Um, his attack is to either do a headbutt, which is actually a very short-range attack. It's very hard to actually hit somebody with that. So what you typically end up doing most of the time is you'll jump in the air and hit the attack button, which will cause him to flip his head downwards and then um, kind of attack the ground. It's not as um, direct and aggressive as like a butt stomp as you would do in like a Wario game or a lot of games nowadays do that that butt stomp. Guacamelee does it. Um, but it's kind of a, uh, you can still kind of angle it downwards and hit enemies from the top. Um and then the, as you're going through these levels, you know, you're taking out, um, I don't even know what these things are. They almost look like the Pac-Man ghosts, um, but on legs walking around. I don't know. But mostly uh, gators, lizards, dinosaurs, eventually um, there's water levels, kind of like your Mario, uh, but you're typically in the water for short periods of time and jumping out. The first level is very cool. And actually, the whole I mean, the whole game is very cool and creative. You're going through this landscape and eventually... You get to this part where you realize you're kind of on the back of a dinosaur and you're trying to avoid the spikes on his back. 
you get around to his head and he's sleeping. He's got a cap on, like a ball cap. Um, again, just kind of bizarre craziness, whatever. And then you do one of those head stomps on his head. And the dinosaur wakes up and freaks out, opening his mouth and letting his tongue roll out. And you're supposed to crawl into the dinosaur's mouth. Um, why? I don't know. But the next level now, you're going through the dinosaur who apparently has just tons of uvulas, which is that little dangly thing at the back of your throat. They're hanging all over the place, and saliva is dripping, and you're, there's creatures living in there, so you're trying to avoid them. Um, very cool game. Very cool game. Um, very reminiscent of the Triple Graphics and all the advertising that was done for it. For me, this would be a, a must-own um, at the price point, at the quality of game it is, and just because it screams Turbo Graphics 16 from when I was a kid. One thing I haven't mentioned yet in all these games um, is kind of a cool feature that I don't think any other manu uh, system manufacturer has put into their stock consoles um, controller is a turbo feature. So the Turbo Graphics 16, I guess that was a, a play on that. Um, one of their main, I'm going to call it a gimmick, but it's actually pretty cool, is both button one and button two, their two jump attack buttons, whatever you want to call them, have turbos that are optional. And you can have them off. You can have them like uh, partially turbo, which when I say turbo is like a, an auto fire. So you have like off, you have, um, I want to call it rapid fire, and then you have like turbo fire or something like you have There's two different levels of turbo you can use where they uh, fire repeatedly. And uh, one of the interesting things in, in Bonk is when you get to that first boss, um, it's all about jumping on uh, and using the head attack on the boss. What's interesting is if you turn that turbo all the way up, it's almost game-breaking to a point. Um, you can hold the attack button, and he flips down and up and down and up so rapidly. He basically is just doing cartwheels in the air. And you can go to that first boss and just do that and basically float in the air with this. With this um, I mean, you can't call it cheating because it's built right into the controller that everybody owned. Um, found that interesting. Uh, some of these other games really uh, benefit from it as well. So a game like Legendary Axe, you would definitely want to turn it off. Otherwise, jumping would be terribly difficult and you'd be attacking all the time and it wouldn't work. It'd, it'd break your game in a bad way. Um, going back to sidearms, you want that turbo on and it's up to you how, how much turbo you want, but um, you can just hold down to fire constantly rather than tapping the button over and over and over and over again. Um, so again, it kind of leads to the sh the shmup nature of the system. Just another reason it's so good at shmups. Um, so so far we've got sidearms, we've got our side scrolling shooter shmup. Uh, we've got legendary axe, which is kind of our ha if you want to call it hack and slash um, adventure platformer. Um, we've got dungeon explorer, which is our RPG slash dungeon crawl action gauntlet game. And then we've got our Bonk Adventure game, um, our mascot platformer, which every system's got to have one, right? Ever since uh, Mario came out, every system's got to have a mascot platformer. But that leaves us with $25 to spend. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a, a, quite a few games in this ballpark that I thought about. But what I ultimately ended up with, even though it's redundant, the shmups on the system are so good and we have not done a vertical shmup, which is my favorite genre on the system. And uh, at the $25 range, you can pick up Cybercore. Now, this game, um, Eric actually introduced me to. Um, it's very, 
once you've played a few of these vertical shooters, they do have a very similar feel, and that is a good thing because the feel is dead on and perfect. I've already kind of talked about it. It just feels like butter moving your ship around and firing things. It's very cool. But Cybercore, um, it's an, it is another one of those vertical schmups, but I do love that they got a little creative with this. The theme for this shmup is um, insects. So your your ship that, of course, when you get power-ups and stuff, it changes and morphs around, um, changing colors depending on what type of shot you have. And it's kind of insectoid uh, styled. But the in the game itself, you, you know, there's these flying moths that are attacking you and there's um, all kinds of beetles and... Um, and just the graphics are really cool, neat, interesting. I love the attack patterns. You feel powerful, but at the same time, you have to dodge a lot of bullets. It's um, it's not a manic shmup, uh, you know, where you're constantly dodging bullets and just trying to stay with you. I mean, you're definitely trying to attack things. That's the primary goal. Uh, but there's enough bullets on, on the screen and things going on to keep it interesting. What I love about it as well, gameplay-wise, is that it's kind of doing the old-school um, shmup thing where... Your primary attack fires, but then your secondary attack drops bombs down below, kind of forward, um, maybe a third of the screen, a quarter of the screen that falls and then blows up on the ground. So what's fun about this game is you've got things attacking you, but then there's water underneath and these sea monsters pop out. And you can't just shoot those things. You've got to use your um, bombs and drop them uh, at the right time in the right spot so that they'll fall into those ground-based enemies. So you've got two panes of enemies to attack here. Now, there's a lot of games that have that mechanic in it, but this is the first game that I've played where the, the gameplay is so smooth as well as having that mechanic. Um, typically, the games where I see that that bomb-dropping mechanic, they're kind of older games where um, you know the, the scrolling is kind of rudimentary and the ship patterns are kind of straightforward. They just come at you and shoot straight down and... I mean, it's kind of jerky. Just um, they're they're good games, but this is does it on pun intended another level, right? Two levels. Um, just it's really solid, really fun. I've played almost all the way through this thing a couple of times. Can't quite beat it. Um, it's easy enough that you're going to get pretty far on your first shot, which is, which is a plus for for me and a lot of people in my situation where we don't get that much time to game. We can't sit here for four hours a day and attack this thing, get better at it. You know, I'm going to be playing this in 30-minute bursts. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get an hour and try to get one whole playthrough in. Um, great pickup. So um, that's it. We got Bonk. We got Legendary X, Sidearms, Dungeon Explorer, and Cybercore. Uh, Cybercore is that last $25, by the way. That takes us right to 100 bucks. A um, <clears throat> couple of honorable mentions. Actually, know it. Um, there's so many honorable mentions, but um, I was thinking about Bloody Wolf. If you haven't tried that game, Bloody Wolf is hilarious because it's kind of your um, uh, Ikari Warriors. If you played um, uh, the second Contra, which is, um, oh my gosh, I'm t t Super C on the Nintendo. Every other level, the, the even levels are kind of this top-down shooter level. That's what this is. It's a, it's a run and gun, but it's... Um, it's kind of a top-down, not isometric, but top-down type running gun. Uh, you know, your typical uh, G.I. Joe kind of type guy. I think if you put your name in as all A's, it'll automatically change your name to Eagle, or the other character you can play will become Snake. Uh, it's hilarious because right when you start the game, 
the entire storyline is put in front of you. It literally says, um, <laughs> I wrote it down here because I had to see it. Your mission is to rescue the president who has been kidnapped. That's what it says. And then you go do it. Uh, the first boss, when you finally get to him, his name is Shotgun Guy. Um, that's what I would call him, but that's also the name that is written on the screen. And it's hilarious because um, although the gameplay is fun, it's just so corny that it, 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 none of this stuff makes sense. Um, he uh, will start attacking you and you attack him. He gets to a certain point that he calls in reinforcements. He says, get over here, I need help. And these guys armed with guns get in front of him in a single line to block you from hitting him. And they have guns, but they don't ever fire. They just sit there and absorb your bullets. And so you kind of have to throw a grenade at him, clear him, so you can attack the boss again. Um, but a cool little game. It comes in at about 30 bucks. Um, a lot of people rate this one pretty highly. I wouldn't say it's a great game, but I think it is entertaining. It's fun. Um, definitely the cheesiness, the corniness of it is, is a plus. Um, and then so many other great TurboGrafx-16 games that I would love to uh, throw in here. But many of them just kind of break the threshold. We played Alien Crush um, this month for our our uh, contest. That's a $22 game. Um, I do really love that game. It's got that kind of shmup butter feel. But for a pinball game, the um, reason I didn't throw it on here is the games are just too long. It's not a difficult pinball machine. So you can easily find yourself playing over an hour on that game. Um, a lot of people like the game China Warrior, and that might be a good one to get if you just want to get a full, complete game, because the loose cartridge is like 13 bucks. I think the full one's like 20 And these have to be the largest sprites I've seen in, in any game, uh, potentially ever. I mean, these things are huge. The gameplay is garbage, though. Um, some people apparently like this game. I think it's nostalgia. It's not a good game. Um, but it is an interesting historical piece from my perspective. So that's it. First $100 Turbo Graphics Edition. Um, great machine if you don't have one. Definitely pick it out. Make sure you have more than $100 to spend, though, because you're just touching the iceberg. Um, again, a lot of these games, the, the, the solid ones that you're really going to want to play are in that 50-plus range. So, all right. Thank you much. We have a quick news segment today. <laughs> We're already at three hours and 50 minutes in. So you know what? Um, we'll have to wrap this up in under six hours because most iPhones only hold like 16 gigabytes of data. And I, don't right. want, I don't want to max anybody out That's with right. one episode. Um, well, let's just read down our list here. I'm going to start right off with Reggie retired from Nintendo. Let's open these beers first. Okay. So I got this... Uh... This is from Revision Brewing Company. It's called Eric. The Eric really needs some some more beverage. I do. <laughs> he doesn't care about Reggie. Blonde he cares about Revision Nevada. Blonde. Envy just, Nevada. Envy would be Nevada, right? Because I think the brewery's in Nevada. Yeah, I would think so. That shape in their middle there looks rather Nevada-ish. Yep, and it's just a grow. It's just a uh, blonde ale. It's a so. very white and silver can, which makes me think this is like a Diet Coke or something. Yeah, something when I saw it, it looked like a soda can. All right, well, let's open that bad boy up. Pour it right in the mic. I want to I hear the... Uh, sure. We got to get the news going, though. I can talk news. Hey, Reggie uh, leaves Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. We're that doing the double pour. Looks refreshing. It, yeah. It's coming at the nick of time here. 
Like refreshingly fresh news. All right, cheers, my cheers. friends. Cheers. So, what's your opinion on Revy, uh, Reggie? I gotta be honest. I'm not the hugest Nintendo fanboy, so I'm not either. I was hoping he had an opinion because I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't know much about Reggie other than I mean, listen, he he was there during like uh, I know he was there during the disaster of the Wii U. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, the height of the Wii, the disaster of the Wii U, and the yeah. and now the height of the Nintendo Switch. So he's he's been there for everything, and he seems to have kept a, his head on, and he wasn't fired that we know of. <laughs> that we know of, yeah. You, you never know when people leave companies yeah, if they're well, actually the back, is, door, back. A lot of I think a lot of people like to make opinions based off what they see on the internet and stuff. And yeah. So uh, I think a lot of people had a good impression of this guy because he he showed himself as a fun-loving guy. Yep. Um, a lot of people didn't mention that he was like a professional question dodger. So yeah. he's definitely a company man. I mean, he was right. he was doing his job, but he did it in a way that people liked him. Yeah. So on the opposite side of the coin, this, this is us actually trying to react to real news. Yeah. Typically, most of this news will be, again, news to us. Whether it's news to you or not, I don't know. We record once a, once a month, so a lot of this stuff happened like a day after we recorded, and so our episode came out after the news. But yeah, um, there's a big uh, to-do, and people are getting up in arms and making all kinds of statements and decisions based on this whole Activision layoff thing. And I haven't read I haven't read much about this to be honest. So I just want to make one point here and I don't have an opinion one way or the other. Okay. But the the vast majority of people out there, almost everybody, I think, you know, every podcast mentions it and the big thing people have issues with is Activision laid off like 800 people. It was like 10% of their staff after reporting that they had just made record revenues yeah. on their games. Yeah. So if you just take that at face value, mm -hmm. you're going to be upset. Yes. Here's what. I don't know any of this for a fact. Right. I don't know anything about their data or their people or what the decisions were made. Okay. But I, I, I want to pr pr provide a counterpoint, not an argument, because I'm not against anything that people are opinion, have opinions on. You don't know the whole story. No, one, no. None of us know the whole story. So, for example, um, revenue means money coming in. Yeah. So if they made more money coming in than they ever have before on their games. That's great. Yep. Does that mean that they're rolling in money and they can afford everybody? No, because what if they paid more than they've ever paid to make those games? Right. It doesn't mean that they're profitable. It means they made more money on their games. There's a big difference between the revenue and the gross, and, and you know, the, yep. you, you have to look at a lot of different variables. <clears throat> and these are what ifs, but that that statement that was made was in the middle of a... Uh, if you want to call it a compliment sandwich or a reverse compliment sandwich, which was their um, reports to their shareholders. Yeah. So first of all, when you have a business that's corporately traded, unfortunately, you care more about your shareholders than you do your actual day-to-day -day transactions up at that level. Right. Which is unfortunate. And it doesn't have to be that way, but a lot of times it is. Yeah. So if their you could stock market price just dropped... Yeah. Regardless of how much money they just made, they just lost a ton of money. You can reword that as saying that they're they are more concerned about shareholders versus employees. You could yeah, I'm, I'm not right? I'm not picking any side of the coin. Yeah, you could re you you could reword that to say that. And what what I don't like is when you hear that the CEO just made a record breaking bonus of two hundred million dollars, and then mm -hmm. I mean I'm not saying this that this is not Activision, but you hear this all the time. CEO gets a huge bonus, but they're laying off 20% of their staff. 
Yeah. And that to me is capitalism going wrong <laughs> because now you're, I would say that's a dirt in the face. But it's one of those things, like if you took, I don't know, I'm, again, I'm playing, I don't know what yeah. the bonus was or what of that. If you took that right. and divide it amongst all those people, would you really save that many jobs? Probably not. That wasn't the issue. Right. I don't know. But what I do know from what I, again, what I don't, I don't know, but I have heard that that statement was made in the middle of this sandwich, uh, uh, the conversational sandwich reported to shareholders where they basically had to give a bunch of bad news. Yeah. And so they put bad news on one side of it. Right. Put that little positive in the middle yep. to let their shareholders know, hey, there's a positive in here, and then gave them more bad news. Yeah. And everyone, of course, on the other side is looking at just the good part. I don't know the whole story. I'm not going to dig in the story. I don't want to make an opinion. I just want to say, before you get up in arms about anything, I don't yeah. care what the topic is, if you're going to make an opinion or voice your opinion, make sure you understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Because um, my guess is most people only are regurgitating what they've heard. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, we, we need to have the whole yeah. story to make any real good decision. It sucks when people lose their jobs. I, I, I highly there. doubt a company that makes record profits is just going to lay out their stuff because that wouldn't make business sense. <clears throat> you would say, right. let's keep rolling. This is going great. There's got to be other reasons besides, hey, we made a lot of money. Let's cut the fat and yeah. just try to capitalize on this one opportunity. Yeah. doesn't make sense to me. There's more there. So. Yeah. My opinion, not my opinion, my thought process i guess i don't yeah. have an opinion anyways let's get to some more fun news okay um let's see what i put here next analog you've heard of these guys i have okay so they made the original system was the analog nt which is nintendo and their first system was like 500 bucks it was a very premium system i remember that when it first yeah. came out people were like oh, people aren't gonna pay 500 dollars for a nintendo clone nope but people did. Some people did. And it yeah. was cool because it had a lot of really good features. It was made out of, like, I mean, this thing, you could drop it from a tower and it would survive. Right. Um, then they came out with a, uh, I forget what they called it, but a co more cost-effective version. Okay. Um, which was a kind of a plastic molded thing. I didn't really hear about that. Okay. Well, that came out with a Nintendo version. Okay. Um, that was about 189 bucks. Yeah. So now they are they have announced and are, I think they're pre-selling the analog, um, well, I have here on my notes MG for Mega Drive, but in the States, it's called the SG, I think, the Sega Genesis. I did hear about that, yeah. Um, which is cool. Um, actually, sure. uh, I have pictures of it somewhere somewhere on my computer I was going to show you. But anyways, um, it comes with an 8-bit dough controller. That All their systems come with 8-bit dough controllers. Nice. So that's part of that price. Yeah. Um, and it comes with the new MG30. Again, the 30 line, right? Yeah. So, uh, Mega Drive or yeah. whatever it is, um, which is neat. But the thing that caught my interest out of all this, because I'm not going to buy another Genesis. I've no. Got I many uh, options. Yeah. Um, although they do look cool. Um, they had announced that if you buy their new analog MG, mm -hmm. it comes with a new unpublished game that they had found. And they're, it, it's included, on, I believe, on the system itself. Oh, it's like burned on there somehow. So it's like I'm a assuming it's kind of, yeah, yeah, like a master system or something where you have a game yeah, built yeah. in. Yeah. That's um, cool. That's really cool. And that cool. is cool. Yeah. It's very cool. But... So I saw it on Twitter, and I saw the game, and it looks really cool. The uh, the game is, um, in 1994, a company called Digital Illusions, which produced some games. Yeah. They want they say here, they canceled a AAA 99% complete Sega Genesis game called Hardcore. Well, they were going to release it under a name, I think, Ultracore. They have to, for legal reasons, change it just to be a little different. Okay. Um, but it comes on the system. So my first comment was, that's awesome. I'm not going to pay $200 for this game. I really hope they release a cartridge. Yeah. 
The game looks super cool. So did you didn't hear if they were going to release it on a cartridge or not? I looked around today to, hoping that they would announce it, but no, I think, and it makes some business sense that they're going to milk they it. They want to make with it an exclusive, system. yeah, and maybe come out with it later, like a year into its life. Or That's something. what I'm hoping. Because yeah. if I saw this, I'll be honest. If I saw this thing for sixty bucks, maybe not, but forty bucks, I'm going to buy it. Um, it looks that good, huh? What kind of game is it? It looks uh, almost like the. Um, exploration action adventure kind of turrican style game yeah but the bullets are crazy it's like gunstar heroes meets turrican wow and it looked really cool i just uh, you have, have to check out some videos of it well the third thing that could happen is somebody buys this downloads the rom <laughs> and then distributes it we pop it on oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll pop that out soon but yeah somebody's gonna pop that out and down and, and that's what I, honestly that's something i would worry about because if this was available right now to buy i'd buy it but if it's not available I want to play that ROM one way or another. Yeah. Um, I would hope they announce that it's coming out, so I hold off. Yeah. But I want to play that thing. Yeah. Because so, I think most people are like you. They're pretty honest. They they don't want... They want to buy it, but if it's not available, <clears throat> then you're going to do whatever you got to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't pay $200 for a system just to play one game. Right. Um, the 2018 D-Make Jam was, mm. was uh, open from Itch.io. Okay. Which I love D-Makes. Yeah, me too. So there's all kinds of really cool games on there that people like already showed on there. They showed um, like a Legend of a Zelda Wind Waker game that was D-made for like a Game Boy Color type palette. Yeah. Pixel thing. Anyways. So all kinds of people are putting things together on there. Um, it's To my knowledge, it's uh, still open or even though it's 2018 D-Make Jam. I don't know when it closes, but people are still putting out stuff. It looked really cool. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, is this yours right here, the next one? The Ultimate 64 or the R16K Compo? The 16K Compo. I, d I didn't put that on there. Oh, okay. Well, the um, <laughs> it was me. I thought you might have done it too. But no. in a similar vein, the 2019 16-bit uh, cartridge uh, Commodore 64 contest is is, out, under, is, is it underway? underway. Oh, cool. So people are applying and putting games in. So some stu some good stuff always comes out of that. Great stuff comes out of that. And then eventually you know, two or three of those games usually are... Fledged out and made into full releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one here is the Ultimate sixty four. As you know, um, I, I have two missing features that I really want to have, and those okay. one of them is they're going to make a user port expansion, so you can actually plug stuff into the user port, like modems and stuff like that. Okay, still not there yet. But the the, the second thing I wanted is finally here. You can now switch between NTSC and PAL on the fly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's a firmware update that just came out a couple days ago. I just downloaded it and applied it. I tested it out. Works like a charm. That's cool. So, I mean, they fixed a bunch of SID stuff. Now they've done this. I mean, the thing is getting nearly perfect. I haven't been able to find a game that doesn't run on it. So, I yeah, mean, it seems I love almost that solution. It's very near 100% compatible. And, you know, I have both SID chips in there. So I don't use the the FPGA SID implementation that's on there. I actually use real SID chips, mm -hmm. and um, I just yeah, can't. It's got a software based one or a FPGA. Yeah, based if you one, don't or? have a SID chip, it, you can use the FPGA based one. Okay. But I, I, I've been using the real ones, and I haven't found a game that doesn't play on it yet. So I mean, it seems to be very, very compatible, and the, and uh, the guy always. I don't know if you know him on from Twitter, A L W Y Z. I don't know. He wrote a CCGMS, which is like a terminal soft software. He actually put in hooks to work with the ultimate 
64. So you can dial up BBSs now using the Ethernet port in there. So you can connect to BBSs. You can. I, I, I mention this every time you bring up BBSs. Here, I'm going to get a picture of you. We'll put this on okay. Twitter. Boom. With the pixel guide? Is it is my belly in there? Is your belly? I want to make sure I get your belly in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of these days you're gonna to have to explain BBSs to me and what the catch is. I mean, because sure. I don't. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Okay. Again, right now I'm just like I don't get it. I don't get that. I mean, I understand if it's nostalgic, but yeah. if it's not to me. Is there anything there for me? I don't know. I connect to BBSs every night. It's one of yeah. my relaxing things where I chill out and go on a BBS and chat with people. And there's a ton of people that are on BBSs that aren't on Twitter. That that's the only way I communicate with oh, them. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's yeah. already something I didn't know. That's almost like a message board or it, text it, message. It's very know. much like a message board. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's firmware 1.10 apparently. Yep. And, so. and TSC compatibility now. So, so before was it PAL only? It was PAL only since oh, its really? release. Okay. Just, just the ultimate 64. Which Not really the... didn't matter if you had HDMI out because most, Flat screens can do both. Right, most can. So yeah, you're right. But when you got a game that was PAL only, it it wasn't going to work right. If it was, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm sorry, if it was NTSC only, it wasn't going to work right. I mean, it would display, but it wouldn't. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So now it's everything. You play anything. So that's pretty cool. A company called Super Impulse. They make these really tiny little micro arcade machines, and a lot of people make those nowadays. Yeah. But theirs are so small that. I saw a finger next to one, yeah, and it's like you could press both buttons and mush, move the joystick with one finger. Yeah. Like it was almost too small. Yeah. But they came out with these kind of cool looking. I'm not sure my opinion on them, but uh, Super Impulse Limited came out with Micro Gamer Arcades, which is these all credit card sized arcades. Yeah. So still, again, I don't know my opinion on them because they're, they're, they're about the size of a credit card. Yeah. And the buttons on the side look great. The screen in the middle is vertical, so all the games are vertical. So even though you've got this wide system, the screen's vertical. So the screen is tiny. It's literally, it looks to be the size of two pennies stacked on top of each other. Um, but these are old school arcade games, you know, Pac-Man, Centipede, Galaga. I don't yeah. know for sure which ones they are, but... Um, and I have one that's monochrome that I got a long time ago. I kickstarted it probably 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I got it. It's credit card sized, has buttons, and you can put different games on it. And it sounds I like an Arju Boy. That's the one. That's it. Okay. The Arja Boy. Yep. I have one, and I love it. I, I put Flappy Birds on there, and that's like the only game that's been on there for the last that's two years. That's your Tetris years. for your Game Boy? Yeah. That's your, your Flappy Birds machine? Yeah. Both my kids have, have, have picked it up and gotten hooked on it, and then they just you know put it down. But uh, it's it's a neat little system, but I have to admit, I haven't swapped the game out at all. It's just yeah. a neat little pastime. And so I actually saw those. They are actually available on Amazon now. You can buy Argy Boys for okay. like 55 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I, got, I should get back in that and see what the scene is like just to see what games are out there. Yeah. I, I, when I was on there, there was only like maybe 25 games total and half of them, you know, of course. It's funny because that, that scene has continued to thrive, yet our uh, pocket chips failed. I would never have guessed. I thought it would be the other way around, but yeah. hey, it is what it is. Yeah, you haven't looked into that updating it yet. No. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm in fact, really... I'm very close to selling it. Um, I saw you you mentioned a few things on Twitter about how there might be a way to save it still, but I saw them going for like 100 bucks on Twitter or on eBay, and I'm like, it's just collecting dust. According to this guy, you can update it now by doing tweaking it a little bit, and then it's pointing to different repositories. So you can update it. You can update Pico. You can get it all up to date, like like yeah. mine. So it would be play more like mine. I'll, I'll look into it one more time before I give up on it. Okay, um, but. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, these credit card games are, they're actually, I mean, they're all individually licensed, so they've got, like, Pac-Man's, yeah. it's a Pac-Man, but it is transparent, so you can see the guts, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Um, but they're 20, I guess they're going to be 20 to 25 bucks when they come out, so they're okay. kind of a lot for what they are, to be honest. Yeah. Um, if those came in a little, like... Is it color or monochrome? It's color. Okay. Not a color. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, if they were in a blister pack, like, on the shelves in Kmart for nine ninety I'd probably pick them all up. Yeah, if they are fifteen ninety or fifteen bucks, I might pick one or two up. I'd love At to 20, have like twenty five, maybe not. I'd love to have like a Vectrex uh, asteroids kind of deal in in that form factor. That'd be pretty. Fun. Anything vector based would be really cool. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it wouldn't be real vector because you'd have a huge tube. No. But <laughs> no, but um, this is cool. Sam's journey coming to the NES. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I I hadn't heard that at all. So wow, th- that's okay. interesting. So they they announced that and they have some screenshots. Interesting thing. It definitely looks like an NES game because it's got that look. I don't know if it's just the shape of the pixels or how the sprites are made. Uh, it definitely looks NES. To be honest, I mean, it looks really good. Yeah. To be honest, the C64 still looks better. Yeah. Good. Which, it's kind of chunky. You know, I, I kind of like the chunkiness of Sam's Journey. The, yeah. I'm almost, uh, yeah, because NES sprites are usually all very similar in size just because yep. they typically, to make those things, you take two sprites and put them on top of each other from mm-hmm. what I've learned about programming yeah. there. And so everything's two sprites tall in an NES game. So this is no different. In fact, when we played Super Homebrew Wars, all those sprites are either one or two sprites big. Yeah. They're full one size or a full two size. So, yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Do you know when that's supposed to come out? Are uh, they just working on it? They said they're working on it. And, and are uh, they just going to come out with like a cartridge? See, I don't know, but again, I have not purchased Sam's Journey yet. Yeah. So um, that might be my way to play it. I know 25 bucks for, I know I have my uh, my mini now. Yeah. 25 bucks for uh, for for a digital only game is still hard, even though I know it's a small publisher, homebrew uh, kind of a thing. So that one's still hard for me. I would love to own an actual cart, but I can't because I don't have a system that can play mm-hmm. a Sam's Journey cart. Right. Because it's PAL only on cart. So I'm still struggling with how to play that game. Um, uh, again, if it was 10 bucks, I'd probably digitally download it. Or if it came out on an NES cart, I'd probably buy it. So yeah. I'm still, I, I want to get to it. Uh, but there's so many good C64 games out now. I don't know if it's there. There are. <laughs> it, is, it is really good, though. I mean, I've... I've been playing it here and there for since I got it, and uh, every time I pick it up, I really enjoy the you know half hour or so I spend playing it. Do you save state it and uh-huh. continue? I don't save state it, but it actually in? it actually has really nice save features. So oh, the levels cool. don't take that long to get through, and every time you pass a level, it saves. Oh, cool! Very so cool. this and it and the nice thing is it like the um, the old Kirby games. It tells you the percentage. So, like, hey, you're 23 percent done. You're 47 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. So you kind of get a feel for it. And I, you know, I've saved it. I have PAL C64, so I can play it natively on a real Commodore 64. And I think I'm at I think for I think I'm at 47 or 52 percent like done with the game. Okay. So I'm not you know I'm inching my way towards it. I just you don't... could use the different suits and stuff. Yeah. 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 I need. I want to play it. I do want to play it. Yeah, the ninja but there's suit. so much other good Commodore stuff I want to play that I can play <clears throat> easily right now. And again, I I think once you get Sam's Journey going, though, you're going to love it. I'm sure I will. It's it's your type of game. I'm going to skip this next one for now because we're talking about C64 and there's a lot on here. Okay. Um, the uh, Tenebra uh, t- Macabra. 
Tanabra Macabra. Tanabra Macabra. I think that's right. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, and I've heard a ton about this game, but I honestly don't know much about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many good games came out quickly. Um, yeah, that Abby Dillas Mort game. <laughs> I've been playing that one first, but I want to get to this one. However, the cool thing about this one is it came out on three different Commodore machines. It came out with the C64, yeah, the Vic 20, yeah, and the Plus Four. That's a game by Digital Monastery, yeah. Um, don't tell anyone, but I have a bid in on Shop Goodwill for a plus four right now. Well, as long as it doesn't end before this thing airs in like four days, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, so the Vic Twenty is what I'm going to play this on. Cool. I want to. I want to try a homebrew on Vic Twenty. I don't know how much they get. Or usually, when I see homebrew on Vic Twenty, they're kind of um, basic. But I looked. Have you seen the actual video of the Vic Twenty on this? Uh, I haven't. It looks. It looks good. I mean, does it, does it take a memory expansion, like an 8K or something? A lot of the homebrew games that come out for Vic Twenty take like a memory expansion. They, so. It probably does. I mean, I'm looking at this thing. It so you'll be set up with the penultimate. You'll but the, be now they to... have my penultimate. I'm all about this. I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah. Um, thanks, Tim. Uh, but yeah, if I could play this on the Vic Twenty instead of the C64, is a good opportunity for me to do that. I'm stoked. This game looks really cool. It kind of looks like the Abbey Desmort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're, oh, I'm sure we're butchering that. Yeah, we're going to butcher all of it constantly. Someone needs to say that correctly <laughs> and send us the WAV file or the MP3 of them saying it correctly. And after that, you can help us explain how to say Tenabra Macabra. <laughs> we're going to get there. Tenabra Macabra. I think you're, you got it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, because it rhymes. I'm used to saying macabre, but whatever. Yeah. The game is cool. It looks kind of like that Abby Desmort game, except the cool function here is that you go into a dark room, Yeah. and uh, lightning will flash every once in a while. <clears throat> and when lightning flashes, you get a brief look at the platforms. Okay. However, I think you have a little torch. There's a small little sphere of light around you. Okay. But for the most part, you're kind of memorizing where you just saw something to land on. Yeah. And hopefully you don't forget it and land on the spikes. <laughs> and you're trying to get yourself to a torch on the wall that you can light, which will light up the room. And, then and you... once you get there, you can see the exits and it's kind of like a save point, if you will. But then you can go to other rooms and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, but it's an action platformer. It okay. looks pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, have you heard about Lunark? I have heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. So, so uh, the cool thing about this, it's a Kickstarter. I think it's over by now, but um, I'm sure it got passed. Um, it's created a game created by Thalamus. Yeah. Who's making games forever. They have been. They, even make, they actually make a lot of the shmups I actually re totally uh, raked on last time. <laughs> yeah. Again, the games are good. They're yeah. just not a style that works for me. Um, but... Thalamus does make some other styles of games that I've absolutely Thalamus enjoyed. Thalamus made some great games. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're on on. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to piss them off because they're on Twitter too, and I want to make friends with them and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, talk about some of their other games and stuff. Um, but yeah, they're known for making also uh, what's the um, Uridium? No, Armalite. Yeah, Armalite. Um, so, anyways, Lunark is coming out on the C sixty four and the Spectrum next. Oh, cool. So that is a reason enough for me to get it. So a lot of these games are doing this, however. Uh, the, well, first of all, the game is uh, kind of like a flashback um, out okay. of this yes. world That's kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah. So kind of that rotoscope. So I did see something about that, yeah. And unfortunately, it's another game style I'm not huge on. Me either. 
which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. But if assuming I get my Spectrum next in a reasonable amount of time here, um, if this comes out, I'm going to buy it, any game I can find for the next because I want to support that scene. Yeah. I want to have physical next games. And who knows? Every every genre has a gatekeeper game that I, I call a gatekeeper game where if you don't like the genre, there's bound to be a game that that you get for that genre that you play and you go, you know, this isn't bad. I like this. And then you play Dead it. Cells. And then it just pulls you into that genre. You know what I mean? So, Dead Cells. Is that... For you. For you, yeah. You said Dead Cells when it comes to procedurally generated yeah. roguelikes. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, these I put here almost as a joke, because at this point I just can't handle it anymore. I just laugh. <laughs> do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And I'm So the- not only is, uh, oh, a new Dizzy game prototype was discovered. This time it's a Mega Drive game called Fantastic Dizzy on the Mega Drive. Yeah. Ooh, wow, that all of our twins happened to find another one of their hidden games lost to time. Yeah. And then right above that was, oh, a new Dizzy adventure for the ZX Spectrum called Dizzy and the Mushroom Pie. Mushrooms yeah. Pie. Yeah. I, I I know a lot of people apparently, I think Spectrum was kind of where this one started, right, Dizzy? Yeah. I, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to upset or alienate half our listeners, but I was never a big Dizzy fan. Oh, and that's fine. I, I mean, you know, I've never really played one, so I don't really have an opinion on it. Yeah. I'm just laughing because I know originally it was like a really big character mm-hmm. and kind of akin to a Mario or something or a Sonic that we'd have. Yeah. Um, I know that was my crunchy. Yeah, those are good, man. Um, so these, uh, I'm just licking the chocolate off of the caramel. <laughs> um, so I have nothing against the games or the designers. I just can't understand how every single month there's some new Dizzy some thing, new thing that was magically found. I feel like they have just have this archive or they're just making games to try to keep themselves on top of the headlines or something. It's just it's almost comical at this point how Dizzy yeah, stuff keeps getting popped up. And I hope it's just not like a weird money grab, but I can't think that they're making enough money to risk their reputation. Do you know what I mean? This can't be worth that much. Well, yeah. Right? Well, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, the puzzle game their dizzy puzzle game that they were advertising in their attic with that video yeah uh was all the, all that proceeds were going to go to some charity or something so again i don't think there's any ill will here i just it's it's i've almost lost all interest in any of the dizzy stuff even yeah. though i've never played one because it just keeps popping up constantly and i'm like all right we're getting dizzy fatigue i'm getting dizzy with the dizzy that was a bad joke ah, old towers this looks cool this i'm excited about Okay. Have not heard of this one yet? Nope. Uh, have you ever played... There's an, uh, an iPhone game that was kind of hot for a brief moment that I really liked. I don't like a lot of iPhone games. Right. Um, it was called Tomb of the Mask, which Never sounds lame. Um, the problem with this game was the problem with any iPhone game. It was a free-to-play model. So you got hooked for about an hour, and you got to the point where you're just like, I don't want to play this anymore because I'd like to just play the game. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um. So anyways, this game has a very similar gameplay, and I don't know how to describe it. If you saw it, you would know. It is it is a puzzle game. Okay. I'll call it an action puzzle game, uh, <clears throat> where there's all these little dots or gems or whatever it is you're trying to collect coins, and you can press a direction, and your character will shoot in that direction until you hit a wall. Okay. And that's essentially it. So you might press up, you hit a wall, and then you say, do I go left or right? And then you hit a wall there, and then you go down until you hit a wall, and your goal is to get all the dots without dying. Of course, there's certain places where if you stick there and hit the wrong direction, you, you'll hit a, some spikes and die, or the enemy, enemy will go back and forth, and you have to time it. 
Yeah. Basically, you just go through level, try to collect all the what's it's the okay. Um the, the graphics look great. Looks really good. Um, looks really fun. Lots of levels. Colorful. And it is free to download. And so it's out already? The Genesis is out. I'm not sure. Sh- I think this, I think actually it was ported from a Spectrum game. So you you wrote that here. So ZX to Genesis. Genesis. But this one is a Genesis Old Towers. So I think they're both Genesis. I'm sorry. They're both Old Towers. ZX and Genesis. Okay. So um, I downloaded the Genesis one. I haven't played it yet because that's the only thing I can play right now. Okay. I can't do the Spectrum one. And no, I will not emulate. Um, I will wait for my Specky to come. Yeah. But the Genesis one, I haven't seen the Spectrum one. The Genesis one looks good. So I looks really good. Maybe I'm just had too many beers now. But the, let me ask you this: the ZX one is is already out, but and it was an old game, right? And then they I don't got know if it was old. I think it's okay. a newer game, but it's okay. ported to Genesis now. I got you. I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got this melted piece of caramel in my hands because I'm trying to lick the chocolate. I just need to stop. Yeah, we were. You were talking, and I was hoping you'd keep talking because I ate this crunchy and I couldn't. I was chewing. I was like, "Oh man, those are good though. They're very good. Those are very good. Crunchy wins. Thank you guys. The crunchy is has been my favorite so far. I'm gonna save the curly whirly though. <laughs> it's called a curly whirly. I can't get over that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk uh, not being able to talk for ten minutes while I chewing. On yeah, I stopped. That's why I'm trying to lick the chocolate off of the uh, curly whirly. My chomp is still wrapped, and I think it's gonna stay that way. <laughs> Until I'm done with the podcast, because everyone everyone wants to hear my spit noises as I lick my li- my fingers right now. It's just great. Um, we've already talked about this, but I'm so flipping excited about this. Uh, the the Bio Evil you heard of? We've talked about this before. I don't know if you remember this. I do. Okay, so I did play the um, HD remake of Resident Evil, the first game. Yeah. I've never played the game before. That's my first introduction to it. Okay. They did fix the tank controls. That's good. Um, Was it more like FPS kind of controls? Yeah. Well, if you remember, when I went to your house <laughs> and we tried the PlayStation Classic, I tried Resident Evil because I wanted to learn what you meant by tank controls. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely like you tilt to the right, then go forward, tilt yeah. to the left, go forward. Yeah. Um, so the HD fixed it, but it was still pretty slow paced. I really wanted to get to the story. Yeah. But um, So I want to play the game. I want to see the story. But I don't feel like playing the old... It did feel a little too old. I heard Resident Evil 2 is much better. Okay. So I'd like to try that eventually. I know they just came out with a, a remake of that. Yeah. Which has been selling like crazy. But BioEvil is a Sega Genesis uh, recreation of Resident Evil 1 in an isometric form. Wow. But it, I was looking at some of the level, the screenshots. I'm like, I've been there. I've played that part. Like, that's exactly it. I know exactly... like. The perspective's it, only it, changed, it's but it's the same. Yeah, yeah. but I recognize the room instantly. I'm like, yep, I know where to go. I know what to pick in that room from right here looking at it. It looked really cool. Um, it now has sound. Is it the only update? For the most part, I don't like to discuss news on projects that are in progress. Yeah. I want to talk about what's out. Yep. But this looks so cool. I had to bring it up again. Um, it says now it has sound, so I don't... And the funny thing is... Hopefully it's close. I've, I've not gone through too much of any Resident Evil game. Like, I do it just enough to get really upset about the controls, and then I quit. Then I rage quit it. So yeah. I've never gone through. So this, the fun thing is, it would be interesting to, this would be almost like a brand new game to me. Like, I wouldn't know the difference. You know what I mean? I just. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of like me. I played game. probably the first three hours. <clears throat> yeah. 
and so I do know enough of it, but I do I actually again I really enjoyed the ambiance. I enjoyed the yeah some of the puzzles and stuff. But um, I'm over here changing the uh, the background video here on our PlayStation. I really like that skin on that auto bleam for the PlayStation Classic. I, I, I might have to consider switching to that. Well, when you say switching to it, you can just buy another USB and put more games on the yeah. auto bleam, and you keep your other one. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of this thing. Yep. Um, are you familiar with Klonoa? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to find a game you're not too familiar with to to see if I can find something else to introduce you to. Yeah. Um, so far, I've seen all these. R-Type Delta. That's a good one. Uh, Silhouette Mirage. Nope. I haven't seen that one. That's a treasure game. Uh, yeah. Um. Vicky. Oh, I'm sorry. Ricky and Vicky. Yeah. Have you heard of that at all? I have not. It's a brand new 7800 game, which you don't get a lot of. No. Um. This thing, I, I, we have the link in the show notes, and um, it's sixty bucks, but uh, you get a full, brand new, you know, cardboard seventy eight hundred looking box, shrink wrapped. The cartridge is see through orange, looks really cool. Yeah, um, and it comes with a couple feelies and I think a manual and stuff. And I looked at gameplay of this, and it's amazing. That what kind of game is it? Uh, it's a, a platformer. Okay. Um, but the fact that this is on a seventy eight hundred, it looks like a you know. Yeah. Um, I've been trying hard to win a seventy eight hundred on Shop Goodwill, but they're 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 creeping up in price. Are too. they really? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I got mine pretty inexpensive <laughs> actually. So, yep. And I really want one because it plays twenty six hundred games too, right? It does. And yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about the day because I, again, I want to have my solutions for all these systems. I don't have a Harmony cart yet, which for the which I do uninitiated. That's that'll yeah. play a basically Atari cartridge systems. I think it does a seventy eight hundred as well, doesn't it? I, I don't think mine does. No, maybe it doesn't. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. But the cool thing about the 7800 is all the games are pretty dirt cheap. They are. Even complete in box. And there are multi-carts for the, for the 7800. So. But, but with the price of carts, I might as well own the real things. I mean, yeah. the multi-carts literally half the price of like the entire library. Yeah. So I don't get a real thing with boxes. <laughs> I don't know. My, that's my thought. Yeah, the, the um, nice thing about like on on Shop Goodwill is they'll lots come up on seventy eight hundreds all the time, and they'll have twelve, fifteen, twenty games. Yeah. with the with the console. Yeah. So. Um. So, anyways, that game looks really good. Uh, I suggest you go look at video of it. Will do. Have you heard the uh, Mojan? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Mojan Twins Anthology on the NES was announced. Okay. Now this is really cool. So the Mojan Twins. Uh, I guess they've been making all kinds of homebrew for years. They now. have, yeah. You're familiar with they, they did some C64 I, stuff. I bought a C64 cartridge of theirs. I can't remember the name of the game, but it's a purple cartridge. I remember it because it's sitting up on my shelf. Um, don't remember the game, but they also have some ZX Spectrum games. I know that for sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they, they've been doing a lot of little homebrew games. So this is like, I think, five of their NES games all, okay. all on one cart. Oh. And the cart's like bright green, if I remember right. 40 bucks. Oh. So I'm like, I might do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the games are, I think, free to download regardless. Yeah. But getting them on a cart with the, you know, the box yeah. and the whole thing and being Absolutely. able to support the guys. and Yep. Um, pretty cool. The C64, you asked me about, I talked about this, I think, at my, my party, and you had not heard about this yet. Which yeah, was like the full size. Really surprised me. Yeah, like the full size one. I, I, well, I asked you. I'm saying, have you heard of the? I mean, I, I, I was talking about the C64. What do you mean by the C64? <laughs> like, right. What is this definite C64 item? It's basically the mini that just has a keyboard connected to it. It's a C64 mini. Yeah. Without the mini. Yeah. It's a yeah. 
And uh, there's a couple of videos on online that um, I guess must have been a, it's a YouTuber, but must yeah. have been friends with, with these guys or something. But he shows them, and there's a slight there's slight size differences, but they're almost identical. I mean, to the naked eye, you'd have to look compare next to each other. They have to be yep. right next to each other for you to tell the difference. But yeah. it's a C64 Mini. I'm guessing the exact same guts. We don't know for sure. Yeah, inside of the full case. Uh, the I want to wait to see what the complete like list of things that are included with that. Yep. Because if 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 there's not anything different at all other than just a you keyboard, already have an ultimate. I already have the ultimate, so I really don't. It doesn't interest me. The mini was cool because I could plug it in downstairs, tuck it away behind the TV, yep. play game, quick game here and there. And it's just so damn cute. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the novelty of it is cute, but the full size one, the ultimate's just the same thing. I mean, other than it's supposedly better because it's got a lot of uh, proper hardware simulation yeah. on it. So I, I don't think I'd dive in on that one to be honest. I want to see what it is. Yeah, I'm very curious what the price point would be because the mini came out at eighty bucks. <clears throat> yep. So now let's imagine. A full working keyboard. I'm guessing. I'm there, and they're, I'm sure they're trying to make it budget price, so a lot of people can get in on it. Yeah. I'm guessing 150. Yeah. Probably. So I bet. And that's I mean, too high could, for if, me. If they could do 120, that would be pretty cool. If they can do 119.99. That would probably get more people. Yeah, on board. Like I said, we got to see because I want to see what comes out. I don't know how the, they could do it for 100, but that would be the perfect price point. Yeah, I want to see what ports are in the back, if any. It's probably just going to be HDMI and power. Um. And they have to know that that uh, this if they made that product, that it's a different crowd than the the mini is because yeah. the mini was really made kind of like the classics were yep. to kind of get people who are like oh I remember this when I was young let's buy one yeah whereas this a full working keyboard a big thing this is going to be more for nerds like us yeah the interesting and we thing- typically either have this already what's going to make this What's going to put this between the real thing and the mini? What's the difference? There's yeah. got to be a difference. I will bet you dollars to donuts that it's going to have real joystick ports on it, though. And that would yeah. be cool. because now well, I'm you assuming can, it would. Now you can use whatever key, you know, cool 80s joystick you wanted to use or modern Ben Jedwards joysticks or, you know, whatever you want instead of having to have that mini mm-hmm. joystick. I think No, I think it did have USBs when I saw the video. Well, we, we're going to have to see, because uh, that would be the killer app to me. That would make me go, hmm, okay, I, let's think about it. If I'm it. not mistaken, yeah, I think if you look at your controller, you bought a back secondary controller, right? Yep. I think it says the C64 controller. Hmm. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Check that out now. I don't think it says the C64 mini controller. Yeah. I think they intended that to be the controller for both. <laughs> that being said, I, I don't think they're completely oblivious to the fact that those things are snapping like crazy. And they're going to have to revise it one way or another right. before they sell it again. I will say that having a, the keyboard work, though, you I, I have a Stella adapter, which is basically a USB to nine pin converter. Mm-hmm. So I could still use my real joystick on there and it would be OK because the menu keys I could use the keyboard for, you know, I use the keyboard oh, for gotcha. the menus and stuff. So, gotcha. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, they might surprise us with some cool feature that, you know, you never know. Just a keyboard is probably not going to be enough for me to be interested, though. Yeah. No, I'm trying to figure out where it fits. Yeah. Um, we talked about this briefly last time. We talked about the Switch and how the Xbox streaming service. Yeah. Uh, you knew more about it than I did, but basically how the Switch might take on the Xbox Live. The Xbox Live yeah. structure. I don't know how. And I haven't heard it. any more details about that. Um, 
Well, I heard one big thing that a lot of different sources are actually spouting. Yeah. So it's not coming from one place, but a lot of different places have apparently been mentioning this. Okay. Um, there has been, again, they are rumors, but from what I hear, they are somewhat substantiated rumors. Okay. That uh, some of the Xbox games and Rare games are being considered for the Switch because of this. Oh. They mentioned it specifically Halo. Yeah. Cuphead, which I'm very excited about. Oh, nice. Yeah. Gears of War. And then they said potentially a lot of rare licenses because Nintendo was the original, not the original, but yeah. the Nintendo 64 era, rare was like most of their really good games were rare games. Yeah. And so um, they think a lot of those might make their way back. Make their way to the Switch? To the Switch. Back right. to Nintendo products. I'd be pretty impressed to see Gears of War on the Switch. Gears of War was... Uh... Was was a was a a technical marvel on the Xbox. Oh yeah, on the Xbox One. Yeah, so I, I'd be surprised if that actually made the jump. But that was on the when you say Xbox, the first Xbox. Gears, Gears of War was on the no. first Xbox, wasn't it? No, no, no. The very first one was on Xbox 360, I think. Okay. And then the modern ones are on the Xbox One. Yeah. Like I think there's two of them on the Xbox One. I, it's a little fuzzy on that. Maybe the Xbox 360 one can make the jump, yeah. I guess, but it, it'd be tough. I mean, okay. yeah, well, we'll see. I'm more interested in how they're going to integrate the online play of Xbox Live on there. It's going to be very strange. The funny thing about this is kind of like uh, there's certain games that maybe want to buy a Switch. Yeah. Like Golf Story, some of the ones that typically yeah. a lot of people missed and yep. don't care that much about, but I want a Golf Story. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I jumped. The only like one of the very few reasons I want an actual uh, to an Xbox platform, yeah, specifically Xbox One, is they came out with that rare collection, yeah, which is like twenty bucks. Right, it came with like forty or thirty rare games, a ton. I I wanted some ZX Spectrum games. There was like some uh, Jetpack was on there, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so cool. Like I want that that collection. (laughs) Yeah, and that if that makes us jump the switch, I'm buying that in a heartbeat. Yeah, except it won't be thirty bucks; it'll be sixty. (laughs) All right, maybe forty. Um, Dust on Switch. It's coming out physical. I don't know if you heard of that game, Metroid style game. Yeah, heard amazing things. Getting like nine point five out of tens, ten out of tens. Hmm. I want that. Okay. Uh, but we talked about this just before the podcast. So I already know your answer. But did you watch the Nintendo Direct that everyone's been talking about? I have not. I've never watched the Nintendo Direct. Nor so. have I. Nor did yeah. I ever even know what that was yeah. until I was. On Twitter, because Twitter shows me stuff that I've never paid attention to before. Yeah. It was like, Nintendo Direct is coming out in like four hours. I'm like, yeah. okay, I guess I'll check it. Like, I didn't need to catch it out while it happened. Yeah. I purposefully but, don't watch it because I know that 10,000 Twitter people on my feed are just going to talk about it and I can get the summary in 10 minutes instead of watching some, you know, two hour, three hour thing. Yep. Actually, it was only, I think, 30 minutes. Okay. It wasn't that long. Okay. But it was hilarious because. It's um, it's random. I guess they do a, every a different person does each one. Yeah. So it's a different person from Nintendo, and they're you know the it's J- Nintendo Japan. Yeah. So you have this Japanese guy speaking Japanese, and then they're subtitling. They're not subtitling. They're talking over it in English. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work, but it does, and it's kind of charming. But it's hilarious because they have nothing to say. Yeah. So they literally are like, "Here's some new games that are coming soon," and then they do this weird like snap thing where they point their finger in there. I don't know if that's just how... That's the Switch we, thing. Is right? that a Switch that's thing? That's the little Switch logo thing, right? Because you it? know when the little thing docks on the... When you play a Switch game, it's like... Oh. 
I'm gonna yeah. do this more times. <laughs> I just, it looked so corny, and they kept doing it. But then they would watch, they would go through a couple games, and they're pretty exciting. And we'll go through them in a second. And they'd be like, "We'll talk more about some of the upcoming games." But first, here is you know, I can't, don't know the guy's name. So and so and so to update you on a few things. And every time it went back to him, he said the same thing. He's like, "So how is it looking so far?" Anyways, here's some more games. Yeah. So he literally did nothing. Yeah. It literally just said, here's a break between games, I guess, so you can freak out for 15 seconds by yourself and then back into the game. Yeah. And they did that over and over again. And then every time he said, here's some more games, snap, yeah. points his finger at the sky. Um, it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. But I'm just going to run down the list and we'll just go real quick on these. Yeah. Super Mario Maker 2. Okay. I'm looking for some uh, I, feedback. Yeah, I never got I never got into Mario. I never got into Maker 1. That was only on Wii U, right? Wii U, and then they they, they just made did. a 3DS version, but it was uh, really cut down. Okay. So a lot of people, like the, the Wii U one got an A, and the the 3DS one got like a D plus. Never, I never got into it, so I'm not excited. I'm not going to make anything with it. I think it's really cool. Okay. Um, I have I personally don't care about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I don't either, but I've heard that they're really good games. Okay. That's just what I've heard. Is that a fighting game? Uh, I don't no know. No idea. I have no idea. All right. That shows our interest level. Exactly. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Just not doesn't hit my. Yeah. Um, this I'm interested. They took such a small game and announced it, but Box Boy plus Box Girl. I never heard of it. So Box Boy is a little puzzle game. Okay. You're a box and you push it around. Yeah. It kind of falls in that trap of where I don't care for it because it's kind of a puzzle game. Yeah, one way to do it, and you try to figure it out. Yep. Um, Captain to- Toad Treasure Tracker. Ooh. Which was. I've heard the Captain Toad games are kind of fun, but aren't they puzzle-based, kind of puzzly games? They're like 3D at platformer, but yeah, I guess they are kind of puzzle-based, but it, this this looks good. Okay. Um, now, they mentioned Bloodstained Ritual of the Night here. Okay. We already knew that was coming out, though. Yeah. But I guess it's more real now. I'm very excited for that. Um, the cool thing is they came out with the... It, so this is the Castlevania, basically, game. This is the... Um, the Castlevania that we want that Castlevania is not actually giving us nowadays. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Mega Man until they came out with Mega Man 11. Yeah. They came out with, uh, what's it called? Mighty Number no. 9. Mighty Number no. 9, yeah. Unfortunately, that game Did... fell flat, apparently. Yeah. I, I, I still haven't played it. I bought a copy for like a buck and a half <clears throat> digitally Okay. to try it, but I, I know it's going to be a disappointment, apparently. <laughs> so anyways, this game is supposed to be that, and it looks like um, Symphony of the Night. Oh, it looks very. Uh, but it's heavy. You, you haven't played Symphony Night on the uh, PSP, but not. they kind of redid it, so it's still 2D gameplay, but it's kind of got 3D graphics. Yeah. So people are mixed on it, on yeah. the way it looks. But while they were making that game, they said, "Well, until, until then, we're going to come out with um, what's it called? Curse, Cursed Moon." They basically made uh, a spinoff of that game before this game even comes out. That looks like an NES 8-bit Castlevania game. Okay. And it's ten bucks on almost every system. I've heard great things. I really want to play it. Yeah. But I'm more excited for the fact that that game, the 8-bit version, um, is actually, I think, on the 14th, so in three days. Mm. Limited. I think it's limited run games. is releasing a limited run physical copy of it. Oh, wow. And it comes in a sheet that looks like an old NES cart, uh, um, Konami box. Oh, that's neat. It looks super cool. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get that, hopefully. Cool. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I've been playing Builders 1, and it's fun. I just haven't had a ton of time with it, so I'm hoping to get back to it. Dragon Quest Eleven, Which I really want to get. Okay. Yeah. 
So I heard that they're coming out with that in Japan, though, first on the Switch. Yeah, it's huge over there. Dragon Quest is huge. Though, Dragon right? Quest is huge, and, you know, it's been on the PS4 for a while, this one. So mm-hmm. it, when it comes out on Switch, I heard it's going to be on the Japanese first. Then it's going to be, it has to be translated into English. So it's going to be quite a ways off. That's what I heard. Gotcha. So anyway. Uh, Disney <laughs> Some Some Festival. Right. These little Disney toys, but... The game actually looks like it's a party game. Yeah. I actually, the funny thing is, even though the license has no interest to me, yeah. The little party games probably honestly are really fun. Yeah. I'm sure my family, if we actually got it, would play the crap out of that thing. Yeah. Um, this is something I don't know a lot about. I've seen it though. Starlink. The yeah. Just battle for Atlas. I see the toys like in GameStop and, uh, it doesn't look like a bad game. I've seen footage of it and it looks actually pretty decent. Because I've always considered getting it because I keep seeing there's like this $80 starter pack that's always on sale for like 20 bucks. Yeah. And with it comes like, with a huge box. It comes with, with like two or three like, of the ships, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but so, it's kind of fun to try for 20 bucks, that big old box. The game doesn't look bad at all. I just didn't want to get into some game that had collectibles because then I'm like blowing all my money on like little toys that are going to sit around my, you know, I just, I don't need yeah, that. Yeah, I don't do that at all. I don't need that in my life. Actually, I don't collect very many toys, but... I, I have that mentality that could be become an issue very quick for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My buddy actually just told me he, he's he got tons of music gear. Yeah. And he collects, I mean, the guy, every time he changes a band, he has to buy new all new gear, but he doesn't get rid of anything, so he's just got tons of this stuff. Oh, wow. But I talked to him recently, and he's like, yeah, I have a new addiction. He started collecting those Funko Pops. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. That, gets, that gets bad quick. Yeah. Uh, Rune Factory 4. Yep. Yep, that's the title. I've heard that Rune Factory is a great game. I've never played any of them, so I have no idea. Yeah, There's, yep. there's so many games out there. I'm yeah. sure a lot of them would be great, and I would love them if I knew exactly which ones hit my yep. my, my buttons. I don't know what Onanaki is. I don't remember that one. Nope. Tetris 99. Uh, what is this, Tetris 99? <laughs> we talked about that, yeah. Yeah, I'm still, actually, I'm, I'm st- I can't say that I love it. I want to figure out how to I, I'm not. I'm not like instantly drawn to Tetris 99. I'd I'll like play to a be, few games every once in a while. I'd like to be 60th. better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish if I wish I understood it better. Yeah. Uh, Dead I'm, by daylight. Dead by daylight. Don't remember that one. Deltarune. Don't remember that one. Damon X Machina. This Damon X Machina one was a free download. Hmm. I don't remember if it was a demo or if it was a free to play thing. Um, I think I did actually download it just because it was free. Okay. Um, now grid autosport that's exciting to me yeah i love simulation car racing games but i think grid was kind of arcadey simulation was it and wasn't it off-road or am i thinking about a different game i don't think it's off-road okay but i'm i am a car guy i love yeah uh like european sports cars and stuff and yep um having that on the switch i would actually be able to play it a lot more yeah the funny thing is i got really into gran turismo 6 Mm -hmm. and a couple other games and I, the, a big part of that to me is I became, I, again, I, I wasn't one, but I became a kind of snobby about it where I didn't want to play it with the controller. So I actually went out and made out of wood my own racing rig and I yeah. bought the wheel and the pedals. Yep. And of course that's for my PlayStation 3. So once I, play, I played that and I played a lot of Dirt 3 Yeah. and I loved it. The sad thing is it's actually harder with those controls on, than it is on the controller. Yeah. Um, that's what I ultimately found because I went and invested in a, in a wheel and every in the whole the whole shebang, and I found I played better with the controller. <laughs> yeah, and that just made me kind of go. Ugh, yeah. I want to. Yeah, 
Um, I'd love to get a real racing rig and actually get really into it. Yeah. But the problem is systems keep changing. It's going to become really expensive. So. Yep. But handheld, I'd love to get that. Hellblades, as soon as sacrifice. I'm really excited about that one. Uh, that one got it's a shorter game. It's like 12 hours. I want to say. Okay. So it's something we can actually play through, Eric. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a really amazing game. Um, and now this one is about some some person who has um, mental issues. Okay. And I guess you hear things like little whispers in your ears. So you're supposed to play with headphones and stuff as you kind of like your mind starts doing playing games on you and you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Hmm. But it's like a first person action adventure game. It looks really good. Okay. And then I don't know. I, everyone's really excited about this Astral Chain game. I don't know. I've so, never heard about it. It's something new. Never heard of it. This last one though is the uh, I'm going to say polarizing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to use it right. Yeah. Okay. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Yeah. So it's redone and I I've seen this. It's it's um it's just a, like a facelift, right? Off of what game? Um isn't it off of Link's Link's Awakening or So when I when I first heard that, yeah. For whatever reason, I know it's not right now, but my mind was thinking the Super Nintendo game. Right. Which I've played that game multiple times, and yeah. I can't, for whatever reason, it's not clicking for me. Okay. Even though everyone loves that game. Yeah. <clears throat> then I heard people talking about it, and though Link's Awakening is the Game Boy game. Oh. Which I haven't played. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've played that one either. So at first, when I heard it was, the, I thought it was the Super Nintendo one, I'm like, oh, not interested. I see the new way they did the graphics, and I'm kind of on the fence if I like them or if I don't, but I've already played that game. and It's I, almost like the 2.5 kind of... Yeah, but it's like super bubbly. Yeah. That's um, right. That's right. Kind of cartoony, kind of yeah, chubby-ish. Yeah. Cherubic. Chir- <laughs> Cherubic. That's a good word. Um, yes. But anyways, it's the Game Boy game, which I've heard great things about and I've not played. So this might be something I eventually pick up. Sure. And I say eventually because I know they put a lot of money into this, so it's going to be 60 bucks. It's not going to be worth 60 bucks to me. Yeah. I'd rather go play the Game Boy, actual Game Boy 1. For five. Yeah, maybe ten. I'll load it up on the BitBoy and try it out. Right? Because I've never played it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. So that's the uh, Switch Direct. Yep. I, you just let me take care of all the news, don't you? I do. I'm tired of talking here. I've um, got one coming up. Just do right. one more there. Neo Geo Pocket SD. That's been out. Yep. And I've been wanting to get that potentially. That's another one where... The cost of the thing isn't terrible, but there's not a whole lot of Neo Geo Pocket games. I already have a pretty good collection, so is it really worth getting that to finish the collection? I don't know. I've right. been on the fence about that one. Yep. But they're in the process of making, and they've been doing a lot of Twitter updates, the Jaguar. And I think it's actually they actually spell it J-A-G-W-I-R-E. Yeah. Jaguar SD. Yeah, because that's so, like the American way to say it. Jaguar. Yep. Not Jaguar. Jaguar SD. So that'll be really cool. And... um I think they actually put out something recently, like, please help me make label art for this because my art sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's well, kind of funny. It's nice to know your defi- your own deficiencies, right? Yep. But that'd be cool. Of course, you have to buy a $400 Jaguar yeah. to use it. Um, which is a joke I kind of made about the VIC-20, which is I was interested in the VIC-20, but really I want to buy the, I wanted the VIC-20 because I want to be able to use the penultimate cartridge. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> Not a, the other way around. That's a good reason. Yeah. Um, that's a good reason. So it kind of be like the same thing with the Jaguar. I never had a lot of interest, but now that there's an SD card, it's like I kind of wanted the Jaguar so I can use the SD. Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I had one. I gotta find one. I'd love one too, but again, it's almost gone off the radar as far as what's realistic. Yeah. 
there's other stuff I can buy at a reasonable price now that's going to go that way anyway. So. So did you see my Retro Fighters Nintendo 64 controller? You never showed me the physical controller. Okay, no. I'll have to show you sometime because I really like it. It's very ergonomic. It makes it more of a standard controller. It makes the Nintendo 64 a lot nicer to use. So the guy, same guys with uh, at Retro Fighters are um, coming out with a new Dreamcast controller. And very cool. your VMU will be able to fit into it, your rumble packs. So it's got those two docks. A lot of people complain about that. I actually like the Dreamcast controller, but... Sure. And I, I, I know. And second that, to the 64 controller, people complain about it. And so. that's the way I feel about it, is it's it's not bad. It it uh, It's usable to me, but I'd, I would love to have something a little more ergonomic like a PS4 or Xbox controller. And that's what, exactly what this is going to be. So everything's cool. just kind of reconfigured and mapped and from what i can tell it looks like it has high quality uh, analog sticks high quality buttons um and they have a kickstarter and i i actually did kickstart it so we're going to put a link to the kickstarter thing but okay. I, I don't know if by the time this will be published if it's over or not i know they reached their goal we're not though. big on research right so <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we're just two guys talking to a microphone hey i, I think people really like would would like new dreamcast controllers so that this is pretty good news so anyway so the, the quality of the n64 one was pretty darn good very good and really? and it did I need to try it out it did ship with a defect like one of the buttons when you press a button and then a shoulder button oh you mentioned that. the buttons okay. would touch so for free they shipped out a fix so i already installed the fix and it's good to go cool so can't complain about that so this is definitely not news because apparently this was released like over a year ago okay but a gentleman named uh, Oliver Radford released okay. a device called the Radpad. Um, I just realized it says 95 pounds. I don't know why it says. Oh, that's the cost because it's 95 pounds. Yeah. I put LPD. Like, you put LBS. Pounds. Yeah, but that, that's fine. LBS. Uh, anyways, it's a Vectrex controller. Yeah. What's cool about that is um, it's got a completely different layout. I don't know if you've seen this thing. Yeah. But it's got like a large metal rotating. So it still spins and has it apparently has the feel of a Vectrex controller. Yeah. Uh, with the four buttons that are kind of at an arch, so they're more natural to your fingers. And this thing, instead of being a straight line like a standard Vectrex controller, is kind of like that Neo... Not Neo Geo, but... Um, yeah, like Neo Geo MBS. Yeah. Uh, where it's kind of at an arc. Yeah. So that actually... Buttons. I only have one controller for mine, and the stick is a little loose. So it'd be nice to get... I got lucky. Get... My stick is nice. Is it? Yeah. Really I nice. I could use a second controller slash replacement for the first controller. So So it's funny because it's almost like the Commodore with the SID chip. Yeah. The Commodore, you can buy a, a Commodore 64. They're about like 100 bucks right now. Yeah. SID chips are like 80, which means the Commodore minus the SID chip is like 20 bucks. Yeah. You're paying for the SID chip. Yeah. The Vectrix is similar. Yeah, uh, they're they're going for like three hundred bucks, and the controllers themselves are like one forty. Like yeah. half of the cost is that controller. I've found like I've gone <laughs> looking for a player two controller for mine, and yep. I they're just way out of my price range. There's no way I'm going to pay that for it. So well, it's funny. So again, when I got my deal on my, you're going to hate me for this because you don't sell anything. When I got my really good deal on my Vectrix, yeah, uh, it came with two things I sold instantly and almost paid for the rest of it. Because it came with like eight games, including some box games and and uh, overlays. Yeah, but it came with two controllers. So I w- sold one controller right off the bat. I think at that point they're like a hundred bucks. Yeah, and then I sold. It came with a game called Star Castle. Yeah, I've heard of that. Which it, which I sold with the overlay, and it was like <clears> one hundred and twenty <throat> bucks. So oh. I was like two twenty right there, 
and that was almost I paid I didn't pay a whole lot more than that for the whole unit with games and overlays. Wow! So I got a great deal on that thing. Yeah. Of course, now I'm like, hmm, it'd be nice to get a second controller and a copy of Starcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I can't complain. I'm loving that thing. Yeah. Um, Dusk, this is cool. Have you heard of Dusk? I haven't. Okay, so Steam uh, first-person shooter game. Okay. And they're kind of doing a couple of these now. So it is, if I remember correctly, uh, I'm trying to remember which one this is. Um, oh, shoot. It's embarrassing. Right on the right, live to tape here. I'm trying to remember. It was a game that is being recreated with, I believe, the Quake engine. Okay. So it's a new game being made. It's not homebrew. I, I, I can't remember who's putting it together, but there are people who have worked with the Quake engine in the past. So it's a new right. Quake engine game. Okay. Um, so you get that old school, fast action, you know, WASD spacebar PC yeah. game, um, which I love. And there was another game we mentioned before, which is based on the build engine. That's what it was. That was what what was interesting. If I remember correctly, 3D Realms yeah. is putting this game together. Okay. Which is funny because 3D Realms created the qu- the uh, build engine, which is what Duke Nukem, Shadow Warrior, a couple of these other games are. Do you remember that engine at all? I do. Oh. Yeah. And then the uh, build engine was what like Doom and Quake eventually became. Right. And so they're actually using, I think, the competitor's engine at this point to okay. make the game. But it, it, I believe it is made by 3D Realms. Okay. This could all be completely wrong, but if my memory has any sensibility at all right now, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, we're just gonna hope that's correct. Do I have a fun noise for that? No, I don't. I'm looking for some fun noises here. Let's see. <laughs> um, we'll just throw Japan in there. Japan. <laughs> it must be late. NES Maker. Have you heard about this device? I have. Yes. Okay, so yep. it's a software tool program. It actually started. They have a really good. Uh, YouTube series of videos, like 30 videos on how to use NES Maker. And yeah. it's not a simple program. No. I mean, they make things simple compared to doing straight machine code. Yeah. Um, but I watched a couple of them just out of interest, but they're making, people are starting to make NES games with this thing. Apparently it makes it much easier for people yeah. who actually know how to program. Yeah. And they're having a contest right now, so all these cool new NES games are popping out. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um... I mentioned this on Twitter. I I, I, re, I forwarded it or re, retweeted it. Um, Capcom magically all of a sudden all these Capcom soundtracks are just on Spotify. Oh, that's great. Which is really cool. Yeah. And then someone else responded to my tweet by saying there's a couple other companies that have done that as well. Yeah. So a lot of these video game companies are just putting their soundtracks and stuff on Spotify so you can listen to, which is neat. That is neat. Uh, the next one was uh, there is a a um i guess you'd call it a sequel to bruce lee called um return to fury or return of fury yeah i saw this i'm a hard, I'm, t- I'm having a hard time keeping up with all these bruce lee yeah inspired games so they're then that's the key they're bruce lee inspired games there was even one called bruce lee 2 a few years back uh, so that's the first one i tried i'm like oh that's cool because yeah. I, I did actually play the first bruce lee at that point and that wasn't that wasn't no way related to bruce lee somebody it was an homage or something it wasn't none it of very the similar pe- gameplay mechanics yeah i i don't know it didn't get super good reviews from what i heard so i'm i'm a big fan of bruce lee i played it back in the day and it's an older commodore 64 game it's from like 1984 i think yeah 
Um, but and then it, two years ago, Tiger Claw and came Tiger out. Claw, which is not again related to Bruce Lee in any way. It's just a kind of a different game. It's got like certain key Looks elements so that are similar. similar. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is like you and me arguing over Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, but I mean, those, they're so different. And the you're characters like, no, they're are not. tiny in and Tiger Bison. Claw. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the same. This one uses the same exact engine, so all okay. of the stuff is exactly the same. It's just like they just recreated new levels, okay. or, or just not recreated, but created new levels. Has the same enemies, same Bruce Lee, same Green Yamo. Exactly. Same components within the levels, like the level blocks, I guess you'd call them. So this is as close to a real true sequel as you're going to get. Okay. And um, it's free. You can't beat that. So you yep. might as well just download it. I've downloaded it. I just haven't had time to play it yet. But I've watched a video or two on it. It looks awesome. So it just looks like it's the same formula, same great gameplay. So cool. Something to look I know a lot to. of people love that game. I... I tried to get into the original and i have a hard time with it really it's just again you mentioned the wild west of the commodore and it's just like this i love collecting the lanterns but you're just trying to fight these guys off who just keep replenishing and mm -hmm. when you're climbing there's like these walls of vines or whatever and nothing seems i'm used to the nes where you go to a ladder and you go up the ladder and there's it, you click to the ladder like you go up the ladder where this game you can like walk up halfway on something like nothing's set in stone. It's like everything's kind of. Hmm. That's what kind of I liked about it. There's a yeah. little bit of free form to it. And so I, yeah, so I'd have to get used to it, I'm sure. And it's probably yeah. something you're used to because that's what you played as a kid. And now that's. Yeah. 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 Cool. So. Um, kind of piggyback on that. Tiger Claw was released on the Amiga. Yep. I read about I heard about that on the Amigos podcast. I actually, I listened to that episode too. That's just like you. That's become my comfort food. Yeah. I listen to um, the Amigos every time and I listen to. Uh, um, the Retro Warriors, which I've talked about on the show. That, yeah. Um, anyways, and then um, Power Glove. Yeah, Power another, Glove 2. Another 16-bit C64 game that became fully-fledged yep. Amiga game. Yep. Um, so those were released. Check them out. Right on. There was a Wargroove patch. Yep. This so, was huge. So I, the, I, I popped this in there because I read that it was a very large patch, patch for Wargroove. And what I was shocked about is is supposedly it makes the game a little easier because mm -hmm. um, I guess the game was too hard. Uh, you would think that me, <laughs> Eric Nelson, would be very sensitive to something like that. I never thought the game was punishingly hard, and I'm not playing it on easy. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about that? I mean, well, I, I I wanted to print up the whole list of things they changed, but I'm not going to go through it all. But a couple of things that made sense, like when they showed a screen showing like which enemies that do better damage against other enemies yeah i always ignored that because i couldn't tell the pictures apart okay so they fix that oh so that's now nice. when you go down there you, they'll enlarge that so you can actually see what that's good so that's a good thing and i heard there was some animation differences and you could cancel they made cut animations scenes. quicker yeah. so that instead of canceling the cutscenes, you can still watch them they just happen quicker yeah so you can keep the charm without cutting that out yeah uh that was a, I guess a, a complaint um i think there's more ways to save during the battle oh that's um, good there's a couple. Uh, it's all it's all quality of life stuff. Yeah, and every single thing they changed, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And frankly, I, I I'm only like I said, I don't think I've progressed any further than what we talked about. Like maybe five or six sections in, or or little towns in, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I heard it gets really hard after you get to um, 
what they call World 3. Okay. Which so, I just got to. So I'm hoping maybe these <clears throat> quality of life things will make the game more palatable to me down the There's road. also a slider. I don't know if you've seen that. I did. I actually haven't seen it yet. I've heard about it, but okay. I'm trying not to adjust it, but there's a slider. So if you're like, I'm just going to make it like 2% easier, you can do that. That's cool. I mean, yeah. the game should be fun. If it gets yeah. punishingly difficult, then it's not fun anymore and people are just going to give up on it. Yeah. And I haven't gotten there yet, but the big thing I think was, like you mentioned, there's battles that last 45 minutes an hour. Yeah. And so now there's ways you can do like one save in there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I thought you could save in a battle. You mentioned that, but I think they said they added that now. Huh. I could have sworn I was saving and literally getting out of the game. Mm-hmm. Not just the little Nintendo Switch where you just shut it off and walk away. I thought I was saving in the battle, but maybe I wasn't. But I think this is you can save in the one spot in the battle and then keep playing. And if you die, you can go back to that save. That's a checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah, like a checkpoint. Okay. That's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about you can save, walk away, walk play away. a different yes. game, go back and just Continue. resume within a battle. Yeah, That's always this been is saying there. you can you actually create a, a checkpoint. checkpoint of some sort. That would be helpful because yeah. I've made I make stupid decisions like later in the yeah, game. Yeah, I think everyone's played for thirty minutes and you made one decision that right as you clicked it and watched your guy walk off, you're like, oh shoot. Yeah, and I've done that a few times. And you have to start the whole thing over again. Yep. Okay. So I'm willing to give that a shot. Dun, 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 dun. This was a little bummer for me, and this just kind of brought me back to reality because we talked about this. I'm like, why don't I want to pay as much for a Steam game? as I will for other games. Yeah. And more on top of that, why would I be more willing to pay for a physical than a digital? Yes. As we all know, more another game company, Telltale Games, yeah. recently went under. Mm-hmm. I heard um, about it. If you remember, one of my favorite franchises, Sam & Max, yeah. which became the newer version, it was a Telltale game. So if I go on Steam right now, you will see that I own... Sam and Max Telltale Season 1 and Season 2, but I only have the first episode downloaded. I've played it. I went to go download the second one. And you couldn't do it? It's not there anymore. Uh, I own a game that I can't play. See, that's I nice. paid for and own a game I can't play. See, and they should, the whole, ref- they should refund I, I don't like Who's going to refund it? Yeah. There's no company. Yeah. Because you so didn't have it, it downloaded, right? It got real. Yeah. I didn't have it downloaded because I was going to download it as I played them. Yeah. Um. Let's hear the sound. <laughs> but it's just making it real. Uh, yeah. I've seen a couple other games there that I had on my watch list. Yeah. A lot of Cthulhu stuff because I love Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. There's one game that's been on there forever on my watch list and it just said it's not available. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe it'll come back. Never came back. I, I got to agree. That is a real bad downside to digital games. And I got to admit, I could have downloaded uh, Katamari Damacy re-roll but mm-hmm. i was i had that in the back of my mind i was like well what if it just gets pulled for some reason so i went and got the cartridge and if you hold on to that game for two months and don't like it you can sell it yeah you're right i mean there's there's a lot of benefits but yep um resident evil zero and one are going to come out in a physical game for the switch okay and are these the re i've heard uh, they are hd re- the remake versions are their controls fixed uh, yeah i believe so Okay. I believe so. That might, what be, I've heard. that might be interesting to me, because uh, like I said, I've tried hard to love Resident Evil games, but and I do not love them. Before you even touch those, okay. my goal is to get you to play this damn game. <laughs> Which one is it? Resident Evil 4 is coming out on the Switch. Okay. Everyone's fighting to have a... Well, I say everyone. 
on Twitter, people are going trying to fight. There's a petition out to make it a physical. Yeah, I would love to get a physical of it. Um, but Resident Evil Four is my is one of my favorite games of all time. Period. Nonetheless, okay. a Resident Evil game. So is this going to be an HD? It's going to be. Yeah. Or is it already HD? They already have an HD on other systems. Okay. But I've never got it because I played it on the PS um, Two. Okay. And I've heard of great versions on the Wii. Actually, the controls I guess add a lot. Okay. But it's coming out on the Switch. It pro- should be already out on the Switch. You need to try this game, Eric. All right. That if you're going to start with one. That's Do you know how one. much it is? I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. Um, on almost everything else, I want to say it's Resident Evil Four, huh? Like fifteen bucks. So plus Switch tax, probably like twenty bucks. All right. I'm going to type that into my oh, that's so good. Tandy Model 200. Hold on. Well, there you go. Buy Resident Evil 4. Done. Mm, listen to that keyboard. Do you have any other news, my friend? I don't think so. Nope. Well, then it is time for... Six Good Game! I want to congratulate our podcast, our first episode over five hours. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I wonder why I'm sitting over here falling asleep. I'm like, oh man, I must be getting late. And you know what? It's, oh, what? it's almost midnight. What do you look at that? What do you look at? Luckily, we don't have work in the. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we do, do have we work. Absolutely have work in the morning. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Six good games that are better at home than they were in the arcade. Go. All right. So I will go first, I guess. First one that I came up with is Contra. Um, I agree. I pay. I. I played this in the arcade it was in a local store for a little while um do you play this before you played the nes version yes okay so i played it and it was fun to kind of throw some quarters at and play it um but when i then played the nes version i was like it might it has a little bit worse graphics okay that's what i thought but i thought the gameplay and mechanics felt better on the nintendo oh yeah and it was geared it's hard to explain this but it was geared to not steal quarters mm-hmm. so you know the the arcade one was just made to really steal your quarters well it's funny because it is still a really hard game it is a very hard game you're right but it's not i i found it's not it, unfair though right so i would think that i i felt that the the gameplay mechanics were better on the nintendo one so anyway contra is my first entry that was very quick yeah, well, I'm getting tired, man. It's almost midnight. <laughs> well, the truth of it is, I'll start with one of mine, which is exactly the same points. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Double Dragon. Okay. So as a kid, I grew up with this game. Uh, I remember my buddy and I, actually, we played Double Dragon 2 primarily. Yep. Because yep. that was the new one at the time. But then we also went back and played the original. He had both. His name was Adam. He lived on a farm. I remember the guy. <laughs> yeah. I remember playing in his chicken coop and getting pooped on. I don't know why we did that. <laughs> Anyways... Um, and it was just at the time we, you know, we thought it was just the coolest thing. I've gone back and played it and it's not as good as I remember it, but I mean, you can punch in one direction or if you press the other button, you kick behind you. However, if you turn around and face, then you punch in that direction and kick behind you. So basically whichever, if you're pressing, I can't remember if it's A or B, but if you're pressing the left button, you're going to attack that way. Yeah. If you press the other button, you're going to attack the other way. You always kick behind you and punch ahead of you. Um, and then you can catch people in headlocks and kick them in the gut and throw them over your shoulder and stuff. Yeah. But that's pretty much all the moves. Um, you can pick up a bat and swing it, but it's slow. It's a, you know, kind of a standard beat-em-up. Cool thing about it is uh, the NES version, which is, to me was always the, the only game that existed, to my knowledge. Um, 
you had these cool little chibi characters, which were one pick or one uh, uh, sprite tall, right? And yeah. yes, and um, and there was a number of different. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't too many at once. I think uh, the NES only supported so many sprites on the screen, so usually they had two players plus two sprites. Yeah. So as soon as you killed one guy, another guy would pop on. So if they had seven people attack you, they would be two at a time. It'd be like one of those movies where they got in a circle around you and they came at you one at a time so you could do cool moves. Exactly. Um, but we love this game. Um, the big guy was a Bobo. He was actually four sprites because he was huge. Um, and you go left and or left to right and eventually you go right to left. You go up and down buildings. Um, eventually you end up in a helicopter. I remember that. We were in a helicopter fighting, throwing people out the helicopter. We loved doing that because rather than uh, getting beat up and trying to fight the guy, you can just throw him out of the helicopter and that would kill him. Yeah. So that's a quicker way to do it. Um, at the time, the gameplay felt pretty tight. Going back, it's not as tight as I remember, but it was very doable, very fair, and two of you together could work together to, to beat people. Yeah. So I first played this at Coin-Op in the arcade, and I was very excited to play it. And just like you mentioned, the graphics were they were big. Uh, get graphics much more detailed. Yeah. Uh, really exciting to, to play it for the first time. Popped a quarter in. It didn't feel like I was even controlling my character. I had to check and make sure that I actually got the quarter in and press start. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, this is actually the game. And it was just so impossible to control. Enemies will attack you as soon as you're at the same, like, um, depth as they were. They would attack you. It's hard to tell, like, where they were. I, would, I was trying to hit them, and I wasn't hitting them because I wasn't exactly the depth they were. Um, and they would easily just gang up on you, and you'd die until your quarter was gone. I, I don't think it would be beyond the scope of comprehension to put a quarter and start and just not even get a hit in before you die. Right. Yeah. It was amazingly difficult. Yeah. To the point where it wasn't even fun and not difficult in a fair way. Difficult. Like I should be hitting you. Why am I not hitting you? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, completely changed my mind on this. I think I put one quarter in double dragon in the, in the arcade and yeah. was just like, this is not fun. Yep. Yep. So, well, whereas I play double dragon on lots of different systems at home and it's been at least, yeah. Some, some, somewhat fun. Oh, yeah. More or less spins on the system. Like yeah. C64 has a horrible double dragon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't even try it. <laughs> so we both have the same idea on those two games, except it's funny. You, you played the arcade first. Yeah. I played the NES first. Yep. So my next one is quick, too. It's uh, San Francisco Rush 2049. Have you have you ever played the arcade one? Uh, Yeah. Back, in, back when it was in the arcades, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I I played that, and it's not bad at all. I mean, it's a nice racer. It, it again is geared more to take your money. So yeah, because they'd give you time. Yep. And if you didn't hit a checkpoint, you'd right put a quarter in. Otherwise, you don't get to keep playing. Yeah. So yeah. I remember when I p first played the Dreamcast version. That's the I think it came out on Xbox. The first original Xbox came out on uh, uh N sixty four. N sixty four. Yeah. Yep. And Dreamcast. Um. It 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 uh had more content. There were more tracks. Mm, yeah. Um, and there was local multiplayer, obviously, on the one uh, on the the console versions. Mm -hmm. So I just had a blast playing the console version. And it's not that the arcade version's bad, but it just was seemed like the home one was just a lot more versatile. Okay. You know, it was like, yeah, I think it depended on what the arcade because I think you could link like four of those together. You could, but yeah, the, right. The owner had to buy four of them. They didn't. No, the they one should, I had was it's had usually one. a pizza parlor that had one. Exactly, it wasn't the full arcade. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been cool to have a linked one. That might have changed my perception on that. But yeah, and they also had Cruising USA and Cruising Exotica. Yeah, um, which were similar games. Yeah, but 
But anyway, San Francisco so Rush. There's another one. San Francisco. There's another Rush game. Anyways, if you want to try to fun find play a Tokyo, fun, was it Tokyo Rush? Maybe yeah, something like that. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. If you want to play a fun uh, N64 racer, uh, Beetle Adventure Racing. It yeah, sounds I've ridiculous, heard, but it's I've really actually fun. heard it's really good. Yeah, I've heard of that one before. I haven't played it, though. Yeah, I've got... You can see i got a copy right there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Punch-Out. Mm-hmm. So this is a game that is renowned for its NES, if you want to call it a port. It's basically a whole different game. It is, yeah. So the arcade game... Uh, is a true boxing game. It had two screens, so that's kind of its claim to fame. And wasn't that a Nintendo versus cabinet? No, it was its own cabinet. Oh, it was its own. Okay, it had it had two separate screens. The top screen showed like two fighters and some stats and stuff. Yeah. And then the bottom screen had you as a full size fighter against another full size fighter, uh, which I always understood didn't understand why you were this green guy. Right. Because you were green, but you were this wireframe body. Yeah. And then I realized later, listening to another podcast, they did that so you could see through you, so right. you could actually see the boxer you're fighting. Yeah, and it made it more clearly defined. Otherwise, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. see what the hell you were doing. Yeah. Um, but I just remember the gameplay on this is kind of this, you you kind of punch and hope and you're smashing buttons, and I'm sure there's probably a way to get better at it and actually learn what you're doing. Um, but the NES version is is it's basically a puzzle game in disguise. You're right. Because um, I, I learned the trick on that game. Like, I, at first I was just pushing buttons. Yeah, it's a... it's. But there's a whole strategy to it. Oh, yeah. It actually works. Brilliant. It's, it's almost like so a rhythm fun. game. And it's very much one of those games that you need to play on a real system because the timing is so key. Yeah. Especially in later levels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically the, the gameplay on the NES, you're actually a very small character in the very bottom of the screen. That's the way the NES handled sprite limitations and being able to see your opponent. Right. Um, so when you do a punch, you basically lunge forward and... To hit the guy um there's a big gap between you um but yeah basically the other opponent will depending on the opponent they're all different will have a tell so you start with glass joe who uh is easy to beat he's like glass he's easy to shatter yeah and uh you know he makes these motions he's like i can't remember what they're off the top of my head but i think he actually goes meow, meow, meow. that means he's about to, sh- to hit so that at that point you either duck out of the way or you block um and then uh, eventually hit like Joe Flamenco, and there's all these other. They're now everyone says nowadays they're so stereotypical. They're extreme stereotypes, borderline racism. They call it right. Um, which again, I would say, okay, you can call it s- negative stereotypes. Doesn't mean they hate those people. It's not racist, anyways. Um, but yeah, some of them. Like, I know the arcade. The uh, the Russian guy was actually vodka drunkinsky. <laughs> right. So for the NES version, they changed it to soda popinsky. Right. Um, Anyway, so all these characters were different. They got harder, and their tails got shorter and shorter between when you had to dodge them and do certain things. But right. it became this really cool puzzle game, and you knocked them. If you knocked them down three times, they were TKO. Uh, there's one funny one. King Hippo was a really big guy, and if you knocked him down once, he couldn't get back up. He's just so big. Um, but they all had a lot of personality, and it's a great game, whereas the boxing game and right. punch-out in the arcade is just forgettable. Yeah, I agree. I've played them, too. There you go. All right, my last one is NBA Jam. So can't buy a bucket. That's right. He's heating up. So I would say that the arcade had slightly better graphics. I mean, they weren't that different. They were. They did a pretty good job porting that to the they Super did. Nintendo. Yep. Um, but I and always, the Genesis. I always found it very hard to play. The, these two games I played about the same time. Like there was one in the arcade and then the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And. 
I always had a real hard time with the joysticks that were supplied um, in the arcade. And I've played two different cabinets on that. I played one downtown and one in a local store. And it, it seemed like the, the joysticks never were that good in the arcade. So taking it home, it was just so much easier to play on the gamepad. So, and you couple... So this was more of a controller issue for you than a... Correct. Okay. Um, but um, when I was researching this, I went online, and sure enough, lots of people had the same complaint. So it wasn't just the machines I was using. The hardware just wasn't very good on the joysticks on, on the machines when they came huh. off the assembly line. Interesting. Um, so I think the gamepads made the game better, not to mention local multiplayer where you didn't have to keep feeding quarters into it. I mean, I just found the game a lot more fun at home than I did in the arcade. The arcade one was fine, but I just I thought the one at home was a lot better. Very cool. And of course, that game was really fun to begin with. I loved Great it. two-player game. I loved it. But then half the fun was finding out the initials you could put in to get hidden characters. Right. Yeah. yeah. I need. Uh, we need uh, Vinny uh, Main Mainolfi, right? Yeah. From um, uh, Freed Sixty Four. Yeah. To start doing peaks and pokes for NBA Jam games. That's right. So, Vinny, if you can get on that. There's all <laughs> kinds. Of, like, I don't know if you've researched that, but like, you could be uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. You, you I could, remember there was a ton of different a ton. things you could be. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I forgot to mention that, too, but um, I did purchase uh, a whole pack of free 64 magazines here. Yeah. So... I went ahead and tried one. Um, we mentioned it last episode. This time I wanted the new one. I'm like, you know what? If he's going to send me one, let me just double down and get like five or six of them. Yeah. So I wanted to get the first episode, the first issue just to have the first issue. <clears throat> then I went and grabbed the... Um, Bear Essentials the, one? <clears throat> the issue with Bear Essentials on it because yeah. I, I was really enjoying that game. I need to get back and finish it. But There's one, uh, there's one issue, which I'm sure you have now because if these are <clears throat> early ones... Where uh, he asked me to write a blurb for something. I don't even remember what it is now. And so I wrote a blurb, and it's credited to my name. So it's pretty you cool. A little credits. Yeah. I also learned you had a credit recently in another video game that you just mentioned. The Spaceman Splorer? Yes. Yeah. On the Pico 8? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I want to get credited. Somebody send me something to test for you. <laughs> um, I'm credited on my board game I just made. There. Darn it. I just have to get it published. My last game is one that I think is a, a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about. Okay. And that is Gunsmoke. Yeah, that's a great game. Oh, my goodness. Have you played the arcade or the NES? I think I've only played the NES one. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen it in the arcade. So this is one I started on the NES, and when I started playing it, I'm like, this is awesome. How come I've never heard about that? And this game is like six bucks. I think I put it on my t first $100 NES edition. Yeah. Um, it is. A, it's a shooter, but it's a Western shootout you're walking down the middle of this town there's bad guys popping out of doors and windows or people walking down the street and uh it's really cool because you have your left and right button right your a and your b yeah and so if you hit them both at the same time you shoot your both your guns forward if you shoot with the left button i can never remember if that's a or b then you kind of shoot at an angle like a 30 degree angle to the left you use the other one you shoot a 30 degree angle to your right so you're kind of shooting back and forth but you're also walking around like a shmup yeah um and you're shooting bad guys uh there's barrels and things that you can shoot and get power-ups and get money and ultimately you're going through it took me a while to figure it all out but you can go out there and get extra guns and you can get more bullets and things your, right your special guns use bullets uh special bullets that you have to use with those guns so you can run out but ultimately you're trying to shoot everybody while collecting enough money to um talk to the, the storekeeper that every once in a while appears and then that allows you to pay um 
I can't remember exactly thematically how it works, but you basically pay that money so that you can fight the main boss, and that allows you to collect him for, for the wanted because you're the, the you're the one I guess paying the wanted. Uh, fine, right? Yeah. To find the wanted bad guy. And so in the arcade version, it's just incredibly difficult to even last 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's a quarter to the point where you can't play the game. Right. The NES version is really fun, and it's really, um, after you know what you're doing, it's not difficult to get past the first couple of bosses and get to like the third, fourth level, and then it gets very difficult. Right. But it's a blast, and each of the bosses are different, and they have different attacks, and you're saving up certain guns for certain bosses, and... Um, it's almost a, a mix between a shmup and commando. Yeah, because it's kind of got that feel to it. Yeah. Um, oh, I loved it. I game. loved it on this. So that's it. That's our six good games that are better at home than in the arcade. Excellent. So we're gonna have to figure out what our uh, six good games for next month are gonna be, and we have not discussed this. Nope. Do you have any ideas off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. Gosh darn it, Eric. <laughs> We can wait. We can I wait. I blame you fully. We can wait a week. We can't wait a week. You got to figure out what it is. I don't know what it is. Right. Well, until we get there, how about you announce uh, what we did for our high score competition? Yep. So we uh, we did Alien Crush on the TurboGrafx-16 slash PC Engine. All right. And I will list who came in last place first. And that there would be me. With 1,710,400. How many last places have you gotten so far, Eric? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, and then in fourth place was Sanction at 4,052,800. All right. IPA, I don't know how to... Ipash. Ipash, yeah. Um, he, 16,682,700. Second place was uh, Mufasa. On Twitter, which is he goes by the NE one four two three. He had eighteen million four hundred twenty three. Eighteen million four hundred twenty three thousand nine hundred. Eighteen million point four. Yeah, this is uh, <clears throat> getting harder as we get as I get more tired here. And then in first place is. Oh wait, wait, where's my yeah. little? Uh, hold it, uh, uh. Cody Hoffman. Me. Thank you. Thank you very much. I finally got a uh, first place on my own competition here. Odd, which you go by Oddball49, except the L's are ones. <laughs> There's no easy way to say it. <laughs> 28,081,600. Ooh, I like it. I like it. So it's funny because anybody who, <clears throat> the tar top three there, 16 million, that means we are playing for over an hour. Yeah. Alien Crush is a very smooth game. It's a very cool game. I really did enjoy the entire time I played it. But if you're going for high score, you're going to play a game for over an hour. And yeah. it's not a difficult game. No, and I wanted to go back to it, but I just ran out of gaming time. I just didn't go back to it. So. We need to do a better job of uh, pre-picking our games and realizing some of these things yeah. ahead of time. You're right. Um, I, I did enjoy it, no, no, no doubt about it. Um, my guess is we didn't get as many people playing this time because it was a turbo graphics game. There's probably mm -hmm. not a lot of people that have that readily available. Um, Do you want to pick a different console that's more... Have we done anything on MAME yet? On MAME? No. Want to go with Time Pilot? Yeah, I love Time Pilot. I know you do. Sure, let's do Time Pilot. Time Pilot on MAME. Again, put on a coin MAME. in and hit so no, one player So no start. other variations. It has to be MAME, right? Well, unless you have a arcade, an actual arcade machine of it. No, I mean, like, we're not going to do the ColecoVision version. No, no, definitely. Like oh, we don't, okay. I don't want to put anybody through that. It's terrible terrible version 
No, that is a terrible. Yeah, version. no, we can't do different versions because they they all vary very much on scoring and things. So yep. we're talking about the arcade version. The arcade version. So you can use Mame. And um, yeah, one coin. Hit start. Go play until you die. That's your score. Uh, we ask you to hold up a piece of paper or some sort of something that says something Pixel Gaiden on it. Gaiden I mean, uh, I thought it was pretty clever that uh, I think it was Mufasa did the. Um, he just put his initials in as Pix P I X, which oh that works. Pixel Gaiden, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could do that, or, or you could hold up something that says Pixel Gaiden, but it has to be something to show us that you just did the score. It wasn't an old one. Very cool. Right on. I'm excited about that. Uh, anything else uh, you're looking forward to before we end the show here, Eric? I'm so I'm going to try to spend a little bit more time playing some games this month coming up instead of working on hardware. So I'm going to try to get through Dragon's Quest. I'm going to try to get back to um, the Dragon Quest Builders too. That's on the Switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really want to get back into Wargroove. It was a great game. I just ran out of gaming time, so I'm going to get back into Wargroove and try to dive into that yeah i've still been picking off little bits and pieces of war groove mm-hmm. um i picked up downwell which is a fun little time killer yeah another game that you can buy it's three bucks on the switch and they can use your, your flip grip on it so that's really cool oh nice um I, I bought another huge chunk of steam games i need to get through <laughs> you're never gonna get through those no but again I, when i buy them there's at such a low cost that i just want to try them out and if one of them sticks cool yeah um cool uh, I'm on my old computer fix, so I really need to get all these old computers up and running and play with them. I need to get the Coco 2 tried out so I can return your cart to you and then order my own. Yeah. Um, I just need to figure out Don't the you... command lines to run things on that. It works. Everything seems to be working, but I can't... I, I wasn't able to find, even online, the uh, prompts to pull up the games. Oh, yeah, I might have some notes in my... I'm sure if I try hard enough, I'll find them online, or, but I need to do that. Cool. And then I'm going to play my VIC-20. I've got a lot to do. But then I also have yep. a lot of hardware projects. I need to recap my C64s, both yep. of them. Yeah. I'm going to recap my NES because it's giving me some wavy video output. Yeah. So I'm going to pop that open, recap that. I also didn't mention this, but I ordered a, uh, a coin battery r- replacement for my Amiga. Yeah, that's I've important. Got that, yeah. I've got that You leaky... pulled the battery out though, right? Nope. Oh, you better get that out of there. I know. It's still in there. Haven't had any issues with it yet, but yeah. now I've got my coin battery in. It's going to be eating away traces. I know. I better hurry. So that that's in the mail. Okay. So I'll be doing that. All right. So that's what we got coming up. Please, uh, please, please, please tell your friends about us if you like the show. If you like listening to us complain and guffaw at each other for <laughs> five, apparently five and a half hours this time. Yeah, this is a goodness. marathon. You know what? I enjoy listening to myself talk. Um, <laughs> But please tell everybody about us. Please review it. Um, you know, we have we do this for fun. We don't really... Our goal is not to make a huge show out of this, make money, but it is fun to get more and more people on here and make more friends. So Definitely. We'd love to have that passed on. All right. And in the meantime, remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. 
So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.